Life is full of awesome what ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. The Summer in the Skies podcast is free to listen to every week, but if you would like to help support the show, we have a very active Patreon page where you give what you think the show is worth. In return, you'll get early access to the main show, bonus episodes, and priority to ask our guests your listener questions. Your support truly makes the show continue and grow. So, to learn more and to join, visit patreon.com slash somewhere skies. This is Somewhere in the Skies with Ryan Sprague. Ryan and Summer in the Skies listeners. Thanks, Ryan, for giving me this opportunity to tell my story. Um, my name's Jamie and I live on the Gold Coast, Australia. Uh, my sighting took place on the 14th of July, 2021 at around 5.10 p.m. Uh, I just want to preface this by saying um, I've always believed in UFOs and aliens um, and was fascinated by the topic, but um I've never looked much into it. So if someone said to me, oh, do you believe in aliens? Um, I'd be like, yeah, for sure. But I, yeah, never really looked much into the topic. I thought that there was only ever saucer-shaped craft. I didn't realize that there was other shapes. And yeah, as a kid, I grew up in a small country town in Australia, somewhere in the outback. So there wasn't much to do apart from you know, go camping, um, or, you know, if you're at a sleepover, we'd just be out on the trampoline looking at the stars. Um, so I've looked at the skies most of my life and I've never seen anything, uh, apart from your normal satellite going across until this day. So it was a normal work day for me. I work from home um, and I finish at five o'clock. So I was on my way um, after I finished work. I was on my way to the supermarket to pick up some things. As I left my driveway, I was traveling southeast um, and I seen something in the sky and I thought it was a blimp. I was so excited when I seen this blimp because I hadn't seen a blimp since I was six years old and I just wanted to see um, what company was advertising on the blimp. I was thinking like, oh my God, like I haven't seen that for so long. What a cool idea. Um, And in Australia at the time, there was such a hard lockdown, like we couldn't cross states. So I live 10 minutes from the New South Wales border and my family or anyone couldn't cross. So at that time, there was almost no flights into Queensland. It was like, I think to the airport closest to my house, 
that on one day there might be like two flights a day or three flights a day or something like it was a hard lockdown so when I seen something in the sky it was so exciting and I was like yeah oh my god it's a blimp how cool um so I was traveling um yeah southeast and I'm driving towards a highway um and I'm noticing the blimp in the sky is getting lower it's not moving in a forward or left to right trajectory it's just descending from the sky so I don't actually know how blimps move I don't even know if that is possible but that's what I was seeing so I didn't really think too much of it as I'm getting closer to the highway I'm almost directly underneath this blimp now but I realize it's not a blimp and it's a triangular shape there's no distinct wings or anything like that it's I would say probably 10 stories up in my mind. I'm thinking it's actually a lot lower than that, but I know that potentially I'm over-exaggerating the height in my head thinking, oh my God, it was so close, but it was maybe about 10 stories high and um, it was quite large. I would say it was the size easy of like a 747 or something like that. Um, So it was this triangular black craft and it had three lights on each um, point uh, and the lights were round and they were like a bluish white color. I was freaking out. My mind was going a million miles an hour because to me, I'm just thinking like, what is this? This isn't a plane. I work in the tourism industry. I've traveled a lot. I kind of have a rough idea of what planes are and kind of what they look like so I was like this is not a plane what is this and I'm still driving at this stage and this thing's traveling well it's not traveling it's at a complete standstill above the highway um pointing south towards Byron Bay and at 5 10 in the afternoon it on this particular highway, it is bumper to bumper. It is packed. Um, so I was thinking, oh my God, everyone's seeing this. Like, what is this thing? I was trying to call. I couldn't get to my phone. Um, I was driving. Like, I didn't have my phone in my hand. But through the Bluetooth of my car, I was trying to call my partner. And um, I knew that this thing was too low for him to see from our house. But I was still trying to call him telling him to get outside get outside and look up like you might be able to see what I'm seeing um so I get over the this thing also might I add no sound this was the other thing that was freaking me out because I was like one I was like a plane can't fly this low over the highway it can't this thing isn't making any sound and it's not moving. A plane can't, it would fall out of the sky. It can't just stay there like that. So anyways, I drive, I take my exit 87 and I, um, cross over the highway and I look back in my rear view mirror and this thing's gone. Like there was no, it was just completely gone. I didn't see it take off. And then I was thinking like, how did that thing disappear? Like surely I would have heard a boom or something for it just to shoot off like that. But, um, 
I heard absolutely nothing. So following that, I got to the supermarket and I I tried calling my sister who I knew she's had an experience before. And I was thinking like, if this thing was a UFO, thinking in my head, can, can a UFO be a triangle shape? Um, I wasn't quite sure, but I, I knew that this thing wasn't a plane and I couldn't, I didn't know what it was, but in my head, I was like, I think that was a UFO. So yeah, I tried calling my sister. She didn't answer. So I text her. And, um, then when I got home, I told my partner and for so long, those were the only two people that I ever told because I was thinking no one is going to believe, um, me that I seen the UFO. (laughs) Um, but since then I've been able to share my story with work friends and, um, yeah, some other close friends and everyone actually believed me whether they've seen it, um, seen the UFO or not. They were all just like kind of intrigued with my story. So for months after that, almost every day <laughs> I was searching, um, the news and like Facebook thinking someone would have reported this. Someone would have seen exactly what I seen. It's a busy day over the highway. This thing is so low, but never, I've never heard anyone report it. Um, I've never yeah, seen anything of it. And yeah, so after that, it kind of sparked my interest in UFOs. And then I seen that through documentaries and different things, there are triangular crafts and listening to Ryan's podcasts recently, the triangles episode, I was like, yes, that's what I saw. I never saw the red light in the middle. Um, the one that I saw, it wasn't illuminated or I just didn't have one, but yeah, it was an absolutely crazy experience. Yeah. So I guess how it's changed my life is that now I fully am involved in the topic. <laughs> like I love listening to the podcast and reading books and watching docos and all those different things. Yeah. So I guess I'll constantly be looking up now to, you know, in the hopes to see the next one. But thank you, Ryan, for letting me share my story. Hi, Ryan, and uh, Somewhere in the Skies podcast listeners. I'm My name is Jeff, and uh, I'm originally from Massachusetts, but I live in Ireland on the East Coast. I've always been interested in UFOs, you know, alien science fiction, you know, well, since I was a kid. But I never never really, um, I never saw anything in the sky or anything that couldn't be explained away as, you know, a plane or a helicopter or something that was, you know, easily explained away. That was until, um, 2011. Um, we were, it was a summertime and we were walking home in the evening, uh, from the playground, just probably around seven o'clock, I would guess, between 6.30, 7.30. And um, we were walking on the road that overlooking the Irish Sea. So we're walking along, and uh, it was myself, my wife, our daughter, who was two at the time, and our neighbors and their kids. And I remember I just looked up at the sky, and I saw this orange ball. And um, it looked like it was emanating from... You could see that there was like a black 
shape, almost like I'll describe like like the top of a bell, or just some kind of there was some kind of structure on top of it that it seemed to be emanating from. But it was like an orange ball, and when you were looking at it, it was shimmering as if you were looking at it through heat. You know, like when you're looking down the highway, like long road, and it's hot out, and you could see the heat shimmering off the road. It like was like that, but you're looking at it, and it was shimmering, like I was looking at it through heat. Sorry if I repeat myself, but um, I couldn't tell you what altitude it was. Um, it was high, but it wasn't. It wasn't super high. I don't know, maybe maybe a thousand feet. It's it, it's hard to know. But it was. I just remember seeing it, and just the first time, I thought, "That's that's that's something strange. That's what is that?" And I remember I tapped my friend, and I said, "Look at that! What's up in the sky?" And I remember his. I'm noting his reaction was weird. He kind of got freaked out and was like, "Oh, it's it's nothing. It's a helicopter," and like turned. They didn't want to look at it, which was I thought was a weird, weird um, reaction, and. Uh, the wives were having a conversation intending to the kids so they really weren't looking at it so uh, but i kept looking at it up in the sky and uh just thinking that's 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 not something that's not a helicopter it's it's and then all of a sudden uh the the as if somebody turned a light switch it 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 disappeared like it was just gone it was there was no trace of it at all and i just thought that was really weird it was, I've never quite seen anything like that before in my life. So, um, but then I saw it again, uh, two days later, I was driving this time. It was the afternoon, evening, sorry, probably around, I'd say maybe six thirty or something. I was collected my daughter from childcare, daycare, and I was driving back and I was about to turn into our housing estate when, uh, I above the road again, there was the same thing from a different angle. But the same thing, it was an orange ball, a glowing orange ball of light, with like, which looked like it was emanating from the bar- bottom of something, which was like black, almost like, like, again, like I'd say, like a bell. And um, so I stopped my car and I, I pulled over and I was looking at it. And same thing within, I don't know, it could have been seconds, not very long, as if someone turned a light switch it just vanished and it was nothing there and uh yeah it was just my daughter was only two so she really doesn't remember it at all but i just i just was left with the feeling like there's something that that's something more that was something different that i saw in the sky it was something not of this world i i don't know i'd like to think it it, it was but like i i am very I I want to believe, but I'm very skeptical about things. And but this one was just this one's hard to shake. That was that I saw it twice, and it just and the way it just vanished. Now I've seen you know things like you know Chinese lanterns in the sky and stuff like that. And I mean I was in Porto in Portugal, and they did this whole thing where they lit lanterns like that and put them up in the sky. And this didn't look like any Chinese lantern. This was just like a glowing orange ball. And like I said, and it was shimmering like you were looking at it from through heat. And in, I don't like a year ago, I remember I was talking to a friend here who was into uh, UFOs as well. But he was telling me that because I described it to him and he said that you he said like, oh, the shimmering thing, that sounds like something he had read on Reddit or something where some theory that 
at a certain time in the day, maybe they have some kind of, they have a cloaking device and, and at a certain time in the day when the light is changing or something like that, that they, they can't adjust or something like that. So like you kind of get a glimpse of them and the shimmering as you're looking through the cloaking device. I don't know. Like I, that's just what he said he had read, but that was interesting that he said that to me after when I, cause I just thought it was just the, that, that it was, you know, that it was shimmering. Sorry. And, um, I actually went on YouTube and Googled like UFOs in Ireland and I found one video, which sadly, I don't know where it's gone. It's no longer there, but somebody in a, in a house in the country in Ireland had went out at the, went out their front door and filmed and it was exactly with their phone. And fortunately, this is 2011. So it was not a great footage, but it was definitely the thing I saw in the sky anyway. So the orange, same orange ball looking like emanating from a black structure and um it's hard to see if it was shimmering on the phone but it was without a doubt what i saw and like i said when i saw this thing it wasn't moving through the sky it wasn't flying it was just like there no sound nothing and then just like a light gone so it just like i said i'm left with wanting more i guess you know because i know i saw something that is hard to uh it's hard to explain away it can't be explained away. It was not. There was no sound. It was wasn't anything human. You know, it wasn't anything aircraft of any kind that I that I know of. So it's just uh, yeah, just left me feeling that there is something more out there. But um, I don't quite know. Don't have any confirmation what it was. But anyway, that's my story. I hope that's good. And uh, thank you for giving me a chance to share it. I appreciate it. And I uh, love the podcast. And uh, thanks. Hey guys, Ryan here. The Somewhere in the Skies podcast is a labor of love every week. And with that comes many different costs to keep the show running. That's where our Patreon campaign comes in. You give what you think the show is worth. There's different rewards available all the time, including shoutouts on the show, early editions of main episodes, bonus episodes and content, and very soon, monthly patron hangouts, where we sit back and chat all things UFOs. So I hope you'll consider becoming a Patreon subscriber today. To learn more and to join, visit patreon.com slash somewhere skies. Thank you for your support and keep looking up. Hi, Ryan. Uh, thanks for having me on Somewhere in the Skies. My name is Ben. I'm from Ireland. I've had a number of weird encounters and sightings since I was a kid, really. But uh, they've already started back up again since early last year and I don't really know what to make of any of it it's all very strange I just want to start talking about it so I live uh, at the foot of Montpellier Hill in Dublin uh, where you can look up the hill and you can see the old uh, Hellfire Club ruin at the top of it and to my north is the Irish Air Forces base the uh, Casement Aerodrome and we're kind of in a, a flight path essentially we, we get the, the Irish Air Forces PC-9s flying over we get all the passenger jets and helicopters and the, the Coast Guard as well, they come over. So my first recent sighting is in April 2021. It's, the family's all in the house and we've got a family event on and I end up volunteered to go to the shop. So I get my, my stuff ready, put my headphones in and I start walking. And I'm coming through the estate and I'm kind of in the middle of it. And I look up and there's this plane and I can hear it through my headphones. So I kind of pop the headphones out. And this plane is 
really low over the estate, like too low for what it should be, really. Um, and it's it's turning. Um, it's not banked. It's just kind of it's like it's a full yaw trying to turn to its right. Um, so I'm watching it, watching it come out of the estate, fly over and fly off, and I just find it weird. But as I'm watching, I can see the flight path it's deciding to take is going towards this red star off of the distance. This really bright red star. It's quite low down on the horizon. And I just keep watching. I'm walking through the estate, and it's just weird to me. So it's it's just, for reference, the sky is fairly bright. Like, it's not dark yet. It's going to be, but it's... Like, this is a bright star for what it is. So I keep watching, and I keep watching this plane fly further and further and further. And comes a little dot. Uh, it's still going towards the star, though. But um, I start uh, the, where I'm walking. The, the houses start getting in my, the way of my view, and I have to go into the shop. So I go in, and I grab my stuff. I come back out. And as I walk out of the shop and head to the estates and get a view again of where it was, I'm looking for that star, and that star is gone. That that red star that was so bright, it's now darker again, and that star should be even brighter. But it's just completely gone. So I'm I'm weirded out by this, and I just start walking home. I'm like, okay, okay no, no problem then. Let's just go home. I kind of, I get to my driveway, and I'm glancing at the mountain, and I'm glancing back at the spot where that star was the whole time. And, and when I look at the mountain itself, there's these two white lights over it. And, like, the, the mountain often does have lights on it. It's not that common, but there's farms, and there's roads and there's paths and stuff people sometimes just be up there with headlights and torches and stuff but I'm watching these two little lights and they're, they're kind of flanking each other side by side and they go up and they just kind of move over and back behind the mountain and they're, they're high enough up over the trees like they're not in the tree line anymore I thought they were lights on the mountain but they weren't they were over it at the time, I thought it was drones, like two drones flying together, but it just doesn't really make a ton of sense to me when I consider the other things that happen after, um, including that plane as well. I think that plane's related to stuff after, but um, yeah. So my second encounter is in December, the start of December that year. Um, I'm coming back home. It's really late at night. It's like half 11 or 12. And I'm walking through the estates, and as I'm walking, I kind of look over at the mountain. And over the mountain, there's those two white lights again. And I'm just kind of watching them. Oh, here they are again. They've come back over in the same kind of shape and size as before. And as I'm watching, there's more of them. This time, there's like three different objects, distinct objects with these two pairs of white lights and one of them has a little flashing red light in the middle that kind of flashes at weird intervals. And I'm watching this and I'm standing in my driveway like, a, like an idiot just standing in the open staring at the mountain. And these things are kind of flying up and they're going around and over the mountain. And like if I'm to guess, like they're if they're over the mountain where the, the Hellfire Club itself is, these things are like car size, truck size nearly. Like they're big enough so I, like, I doubt they're drones otherwise they're much closer and they're scanning a really weird part of the mountain I, I keep watching them they move off they move together they move around and they're flying up and they're down and as I'm watching they all kind of come 
to the center over like a kind of a random spot over the forest and they just kind of slowly drift off like they all meet up in the middle and they just kind of pick different directions to go one of them goes to my right one goes off to the left and one kind of decides to go over the back of the man and I'm watching them and I just turn around I just turn around and go into the house and I'm I'm confused at this still because like you hear this happen for people where they they're like oh I just you know turned away and I went to sleep for I I, I kind of didn't expect it to happen where you, you, I didn't have the wherewithal to catch myself and to stop myself and go no I should record this not turn around but I'm watching these weird lights move off and move together and move away and I don't even watch where they go I just go inside and I'm it, it took like a day of me thinking about it for me to go why did I do that I had my phone with me that freaks me out I never I never experienced something like that my first thought with these was that they're just drones of some sort maybe mapping the mountain but like it's, it's just the way they move off and meet together and then move off is so weird like it makes no sense for me like why would even on a practical side why would you want all three of your drone operators if they're all going to different places they have to land somewhere what are you going to put each of your guys like miles away from each other one in like a reservoir one in just a random mountain range and one in like a housing estate no it doesn't make any sense to me where where they were moving if they were drones because they have to go somewhere they have to have somewhere where they launched from and there has to be an operator that recovers them and why would you not just put them all on the mountain together so maybe three weeks afterwards um, me and my friends are trying to walk through park nearby us we're, we're trying to meet, meet up with other friends before Christmas to give each other Christmas gifts and it's kind of late we kind of left it too late and we're walking through and it's pitch black so we're, we're going through the park the park has big street lights and stuff in it so it's not too bad but uh, all this stuff is still in my mind so I'm telling everybody about this the lights that I saw and I'm describing them describing how they moved and I'm describing the middle one the, the one with the middle red light that flashes in a, in a strange pattern and as I'm describing them it's literally above us. I look up and I point up and I say to them, "It's that's it. That's what I'm describing. And it's exactly the same. It's the, the middle red light that comes on and off in a weird pattern. And the two flanking lights, the white lights. And it, it's moving. And it's moving kind of gently. It's moving side to side and it's moving away. And it's kind of just going over the area. And, and these two white lights look like they're always facing. So it's like they're always directed towards you. They're not like... You're not, you're not losing sight of one light as it turns or something it's just always visible so I'm weirded out by this and I'm pointing up and I'm telling my friends like that's what it was that's exactly what was over the mountain and they're, they're kind of glancing up and they're like yeah yeah it looks like a drone and then they just move on and they, these are people who've had experiences these are people who've seen their own things and have crazy stories to tell and this is like in front of them and they just lose interest exactly the same way that I did when I was at the door in my house they just, I, they just turned away and started talking amongst themselves. Like we, it actually kind of it freaks me out. And I, I don't like the odds of me talking about that thing, and then it just spontaneously appearing directly above me. Like that's not, that's that's a hell of a coincidence. And the very final thing I've seen recently was only maybe a few days before I sent you this this email, Ryan. 
was I, I was in my garden and I glance up at my sky and as I look up this red streak just tears through the sky and it only goes a little distance before it just disappears it's just gone and I thought it was a meteor but like less than 30 seconds later two planes two planes come out of nowhere over the estates just circling and flying around and they fly around for maybe two or three minutes before both of them head off north towards uh, the aerodrome and I have no idea what that was about so yeah those are my sightings um, and I really I don't really know how I feel about any of them honestly I'm a little bit freaked out more than I am anything else um, it's those white lights that freak me out because let alone that they don't seem to be drones that they fly off in mad directions I, I've never experienced that feeling of just utterly losing interest in something moving on especially especially for it to happen when I described them in the park for that thing to show straight back up and give my friends the exact same feeling nah that is bizarre to me and I really don't know how to explain it thanks for having me on I'm going to appreciate the chance to talk about these things uh, cheers Hey Ryan, thanks for this opportunity for me to be able to tell everybody about my possible UAP experience while serving in the Australian military uh, in 2008-09. Um, a bit about my background, I did 15 years in the Australian Defence Force, the first 11 in the Navy as an electronics technician for weapons and radar, and the last four years as a military working dog handler with the military police because biological is just the same as uh, electronical combat systems isn't it so anyway um i was posted of the latter to work at a remote base in the australian outback not far from a town called catherine in the northern territory and it was around the end of the dry season in september and we were hosting international exercises with the Americans as uh, is widely publicised every single year and uh, this year was no different and um, I it was a weekend I was on night shift so uh, I started about sunset and I usually work with uh, one particular colleague who was on rested on with me that night uh, a general duties police member and my police dog and we loaded up the truck, drove down to the flight line. Now, in this particular place, the flight line is dispersed in bushland, which means that they don't, the craft don't sit on a nice concrete pad all lined up in a row um, with spotlights on it. This is dispersed in the dark with around five kilometre radius and um, in between each um, OLAs or uh, ordnance loading areas, where they sit in um, is heavy, thick bushland and just taxiways. Okay, so imagine that. You can see it on Google Maps if you look it up. And to give an idea about this place, if any of you visit northern Australia, um, it's hot, wet or hot and dry. And this is in the hot and dry season. Um, and the wildlife is quite thick. It's like being on the planet Dagobah and Yoda's about to jump out, you and pterodactyls and all that kind of stuff. So it's bats, kangaroos, snakes, spiders, and stuff you don't even recognise. So that's just put picture this. So anyway, we get out there at about just before sunset and unpack everything and 
start walking the perimeter and chatting to my colleague because we were good friends as well outside of work. And he started telling me a story about how in September, the year before, he was patrolling with another handler and um, he had a UFO sighting. And with my background and I love astronomy and I'm a science fiction nerd and I'm pretty kooky, even though I sound pretty straight-laced, um, I was like, hell yeah, oh, tell me all about it. And he told me a story about three stars flying overhead, stopping on a dime, and then suddenly dispersing in a split second in all different directions and that was it and I'm like holy shit right that's amazing but where we are and what we're doing right here that could be anything okay and Catherine is one of the UFO hotspots of the world especially at that time of year right so anyway um we start walking the sun's starting to set and we noticed this place usually has a lot of bats, a giant bat colony, and is full of teeming with life. I mean, everything's alive and everything's got something alive on it. So, no kangaroos, you name it, and there was just like nothing. And I put it down to maybe the bats had moved on because they were kind of troublesome and um, at the time interfering with the aircraft. And also, we had a recent kangaroo cull, so I thought that the hunters had gone to town and just erased a lot of them off the face of the earth. So that's what I put it down to, and I didn't think anything more of it. Anyway, so we're walking on the perimeter, walking along, laughing about this story, and my dog suddenly stops dead in his tracks. And my dog wasn't the most best police dog in the world. He was quite friendly, quite soft, quite distracted, and quite uninterested in being a police dog. He was just wanting to be a cat on your lap. That was about it. So he stops on a dime. And he's looking at the horizon up. And I'm thinking maybe someone's going to do an exercise with me or something like that. What fun on the weekend when nobody's doing anything uh, because my dog really needs it. And then he starts growling. And my colleague goes, oh, my God, look, oh, my God, there they are. And I looked up and no shit, there were three star-like objects flying towards us in a sort of like a very wide V formation, so not a straight line, and the, f- the middle one was slightly forward, about the size of the planet Venus on a good day, you know, when it looks big. No flashing lights, nothing like that. Slowly flying in perfect formation and just stopped right there. They're about 10 degrees apart, which is like when you look up, you put your hand up, it's about a hand span, and a 45 degree angle line of sight, and they just stopped there. And I'm like, mate, 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 is this what you're talking about? And he's like, yeah, yeah, this is it. And he goes, they're going to just like disappear in a minute. And we're looking and looking and nothing's happening. And they just stopped there. And it was like this feeling like they're looking at us. We're looking at that. And it was like this weird feeling. It was like, we're just all looking at each other right now. And my dog starts barking, which he never does, even when he's supposed to. So I'm like, my God, my dog can see this. And just as I was like thinking, I'm going to radio my boss and ask if we've got any unscheduled, scheduled, but not really scheduled flying activity going on. And as I was calling him, the outer two objects just in the opposite direction from each other just went, like flew away. I'd never seen anything like this. 
I've, I've, I've been in radars all over the world. I've, I've seen all sorts of weird crap. Nothing like the Nimitz or anything, but seen some lots of weird crap. Seen nothing that flies this fast. And I'm on a base with fighter jets and all sorts of crap. So it's like, no, this is the fastest I've ever seen. But the middle one stayed. The middle object stayed. And we're looking at it, waiting for it to do something. And I spoke to my boss, says, is there any unscheduled, scheduled, but not really scheduled stuff? And he's like, no, leave me alone. Get on with your job. Bye. And I'm like, well, this is nothing nobody knows that does know that knows nothing about. And it just stayed there, this thing. And my dog's barking. He's going crazy. His hair's sticking up. My dog never does this. And then there was this smell and the Aussie bush smells like wet trees and dust that's what it smells like sometimes flowers and animal poop or animal carcasses this was an electrical smell kind of like what people say ozone but to me no not really it was kind of like you opened up an old radar cabinet and all that waft of old people's home and old rusty metal come flying out at you that's what it smelled like asbestos or something and I'm like, where the hell is that smell coming from? There's no wind, um, nothing like that, no animals, no sounds, just this stench, this star in the setting sun sky, my dog growling, and my colleague and I just standing there, and I'm getting jelly legs, you know, because, you know, brave soldier and all that. And uh, just as I said, that stinks like an old radar cabinet then the noise started well it wasn't actually a noise it was more like a vibration that I could only feel in my sinus cavities and my forehead and my lips and kind of a little bit of my chest it was more of a feeling rather than a sound an audible hum but I think my dog could pick it up long before we did because he was going nuts he was trying to bite off his uh, lead he was growling his tail was between his legs and I'm like I'm trying to calm him down thinking holy crap and I'm looking around there's nothing out of the ordinary around us at all so we're trying to calm him down and get his toy out and we've got to do this patrol and we're keeping an eye waiting for this thing to do what my colleague said the last year it did nothing but it didn't do it and then it just started getting brighter and then dimmer and then brighter and dimmer again like a beacon really slowly and just sitting there and I'm like I don't know what to, what do you what do you say to this uh phone camera it's 2008 I've got a Samsung I think it's a Galaxy S2 I wasn't going to capture that and you know I'm trying to control my dog my colleagues telling me it, we were having discussions about Independence Day and, you know, Star Trek, Vulcan greetings. It's also didn't happen. Anyway, we have to do this patrol. We're moving around the perimeter. The sun's below the horizon. This thing is still stationary. In fact, it's geostationary. We figured out because we watched the stars over about an hour or two move as they do. And this thing was still exactly where it stopped. We did a whole perimeter of the flight line and this thing was still exactly where it stopped and it was still now doing this slow bright and dim thing and we're cutting through going around uh, my dog's jumping at every everything 
and looking over his shoulder and all this stuff. I've got flashlights going. We're all looking with flashlights, nothing. Get, we had a break. It got to about 2 or 3 in the morning. Um, we went back to the truck, which was parked in the middle of all this dispersed stuff at one of the OLAs. And I was sitting at the front. I put my dog in the truck because he was just about to lose all his hair at that point, and uh, he quietened down when he was inside. And my colleague and I were laying on the tarmac watching this thing the whole time and this smell and this humming and coming up with all the reasons what this could possibly be. And I'm racking my brains. I don't know what it is. So I get up and my colleague went to go and relieve himself in in the bush. And I'm standing looking into the distance and in the most heavily dense uh, bush area uh, one of the corners of, of the area we were patrolling, I could see this glow. It was orange in colour, kind of like a fire. It was flickering like a fire. And scrub fires are not unusual uh, at that time of year, uh, especially in this area. So this, these fires do spontaneously happen because under the base is an underwater river system and cave system and the fires do burn. I don't ask me about the science of this, but it does, and they pop up every now and then. So um, I thought maybe it's something like that. And the smell is getting heavier. And I'm like, this must be where the smell's coming from and the humming. So my colleague comes back and I was, he goes, what the hell is that? And I said, it looks like a scrub fire. So we call the fireys and say, we've got a possible scrub fire. Could you please come out? And they say, look, have a look at it first. Tell if it's a big one. If it is, we'll come splash water on it. If not, it'll, get, it'll go out itself. All right, so we start walking towards it. I get, I didn't want to take my dog out, but I took dog, I took the dog out, and he was virtually skidding backwards as we were trying to walk forwards towards this light glow of orange. And we got to about 15 minute, meters when my dog was virtually crawling up my back of my pants at that point and growling from between my legs. And it was this glow would have been about. It looked like a ball of flame, but not no smoke, no burning smell. And it was kind of a weird looking flame. It was kind of everything was misty in between. Kind of like if someone had a smoke machine and just made this haze of a ball thing, um, about three metres wide, about the same tall, in the middle of a very heavily, densely bushed, like, stretch of area. Um, that's what it would look like and I was looking at it going what the hell and I could see something in it and I squinted my eyes and this is where it gets weird it looked like there was a pair of legs in there like not legs standing in there burning like legs cut out shape of legs in this light and there was no body attached to it there was no feet all I could see was pair of skinny little thighs knees well I thought were nubbly knees and the top parts the calves and then that's obscured by this orange flamey glowy thing and I'm like we've got an intruder and call the fireys and call the fireys to come out and they saw it they were as they were coming up they could see the light we we're talking about they came rushing out and just as they arrive the light blinks out like someone turned off a switch 
I was still like 15 metres away. Uh, I don't know how many feet that is. Three feet to a metre, you calculate. And the driver said, well, what the hell is that? I'm like, oh, I don't know. Let's have a look. You have a look. So um, they took the truck towards there. We're walking behind the truck very slowly. And they shone spotlights on it. And I dragged my dog by the scruff of his neck virtually and my colleague we get to the corner where this bushland is, you can't actually access that place. You're almost standing at the edge of the taxiway and looking in. It would have been about five, ten metres in. And there was just like this empty patch, this oval-shaped empty patch of grey ash and sand. And there was no vegetation in this, where this light was. There was no footprints There was absolutely nothing, but it's heavily bush, right? So there was trees and stuff overhanging it, and they were untouched. There was no scorch marks, nothing. There was no smoke. There's no warmth. Nothing to what I would say is in a bushfire. And the fire is like, this is weird. And and they asked me, what the hell is that smell? And I'm like, yeah, can you hear that humming? And the driver said he couldn't, but... My colleague and I could definitely feel it, and I'm pretty certain my dog could. And they sprayed some water on it because that solves everything in the firing world. So call us if it starts up again and go away and drive back. And left myself, my colleague, and my dog standing there, and we legged it. We legged it. My dog didn't need to even be told where I wanted to go. It was like, hold on to my dog's lead, and he was straight to the truck. Meanwhile, this thing is still flashing above us, which I, in the excitement and everything, both my colleague and I had forgotten to mention to the fire, is like, have a look at this shit. Um, they totally didn't, I forgot, you know. We went back to that truck faster than you could say, holy crap. I put my dog in the enclosure at the back, locked it up, and we're just standing there looking at this pulsing, whatever it was above us and looking far in the distance where that orange light was waiting for it to come back or waiting waiting for ET to come and you know tap us on the shoulder or something like that nothing the humming was still there the smell was still there my dog was calm as soon as he went inside his little box he was calm by this stage it was about 4am it'd been non-stop all evening like And I was not going to report this. I was not going to because everyone knows I'm a bit kooky and I was the only female in the section at the time and it was hard enough and I just didn't need extra problems. So, and it's 2008, you know. And so about 4am we did a drive-by again. This thing's still in the sky. And then I don't know what made me look up, but I looked up again and it was getting smaller. It was still flashing very slowly, but getting smaller and smaller and smaller. And I'm like to my colleague, it's going, it's leaving. And he's looking up going, it's going to flash away really quickly. And we're waiting for it to do something dramatic. And it didn't, it just slowly raised and disappeared into the sky. And the humming and the smell slowly dissipated over the course of the next hour until five where I had to get back to the section to do a handover. 
And I didn't even know if I wanted to go back to the city. I wanted to get the hell out of there, but I, I wanted to stick around, you know, as well. I didn't want to leave the place. I'm like, well, I want to see if something else happens. But nothing else happened. But at sunrise, it's usually when the kangaroos come out again and the bats do their big thing. Nothing. There was still absolutely nothing. There was no birds. There was no bats. There was no kangaroos. Usually the kangaroos are like kamikaze pilots jumping into the car just as you pass them. Nothing. It was to avoid. And it's only until we got back to the section that started seeing, you know, the usual sunrise wildlife uh, on the base. And I spoke to my section commander uh, at the shift change over the next day who drug, got me drug tested pretty quickly and my colleague and told us that it was obviously a scrub fire, underground scrub fire, probably hit something metal, that's what the smell was and the rest of it we are just making it up and don't you dare write anything like that in any reports because you're all liars. Anyway from that time on I've never ever been able to talk about it really I just talk about it with that same colleague. We're still friends. I live in Germany now and I work with military radar systems once more and um, I still haven't heard or haven't seen anything or any stories, uh, anything remotely similar to what I've seen and experienced. And I've, I trust me, I'm out there all the time when I can look in and it hasn't, I haven't seen anything like that ever since. And... Um, no many black came to me nobody wanted to know nobody asked me any questions and everybody just thinks it's a great old story and I'm spinning it but I'm telling you that's what I saw I can't explain it I sometimes dream about the legs sometimes <laughs> and uh, yeah that's that's how it went and the next time I was out on shift nothing ever happened and trust me I was looking for it and saw nothing, heard nothing, and my dog just continued on as per normal until I got out. So that's my UAP strange story. Thanks for listening. Greetings, Ryan. First off, I would like to thank you for the challenging yet wonderful work that you are doing and the important contribution that you are making to the ever-expanding database of one of humankind's greatest enduring and most profound mysteries. My first experience occurred back in 1993 when I was living in a suburb of northern New Jersey. I had to be 19 or 20 years old at the time. It was a rainy evening and I was driving west towards my home with one of my close friends in the passenger seat beside me. We drove up a long drawn out hill and as we arrived at the peak, I noticed a bright yet strangely reserved pair of lights not too far off in the distance straight ahead of us. I say reserved because to me they seemed bright but less radiant like sunlight and more softly glowing like the moon. This particular road stretched for several miles between two towns and was flanked by low swampy grasslands on either side of the road. The lights were side by side and resembled the headlights of a vehicle, except that they were not on the road, but rather they were slightly above it and did not appear to be moving. My friend later estimated that the lights were approximately 25 feet straight above the pavement. 
It seemed peculiar to me, so I brought it to my friend's attention. He acknowledged that he was already aware of it. There were no cell phones at the time, and we did not have a camera with us. However, my friend happened to be carrying a small tape recorder with a cassette tape, so he pressed the record button and began to describe what we were seeing. As we approached the bizarre lights, it became more and more apparent that this was not an airplane or a helicopter, and there was no civilian drone technology at the time. We confirmed that the lights were stationary as they remained in the same position, yet appeared to increase in size as we got closer to them. Just as we were about to drive underneath them, one of the lights lifted quickly while remaining equidistant from the other and the two, which now appeared to be part of a single object that neither of us could make out, shot off to the north and disappeared instantly in the snap of a finger. Poof, gone, just like that. Although we were unable to capture any photos, an audio recording of our emotional response to the event is evidence that the two of us witnessed something shocking enough to cause us both to yell out, Holy shit! in our shared state of astonishment and wonder. I remember that the two of us were hysterical and tears were streaming down our faces. To my knowledge, this has never happened to either one of us before while witnessing an airplane or a helicopter. I would also like to mention that whatever this thing was, it was completely silent. My friend wrote the following in his diary entry on this day. When we were in the car, we were contending with driving sounds, engine, tires on road, and the rain adds quite a bit to clatter and white noises it all up. However, there is no question we were very close to the source of light, and at no point had I even considered that I didn't hear anything usual or unusual. I can't buy into a scenario where we transect a small engine plane's flight path or big private jet. It was definitely not a helicopter, as they are a lot louder than planes, and they disturb everything around with turbulent rotors. End of diary entry. When this occurred, we were about a mile or so away from my apartment, so we continued to rave about our experience with the tape recorder still running. There were other vehicles on the road as well. Did anybody else see this? This is where and when the high strangeness really peaked. As we approached our destination, my friend shut off the tape recorder and we drove a short distance entranced in complete silence. Suddenly, I observed one of the most odd things that I had ever seen in my life. Casually walking down the sidewalk just around the corner from my home was what appeared to be a stereotypical gray alien, slender and lanky with long, thin, wiry arms, legs, and fingers and a large bulbous head with big dark eyes. I couldn't believe what I was looking at. Was anybody else seeing this? There were other cars in the road here as well and people coming and going relatively nearby. Before I could say anything to my friend, he uttered with a bewildered tone to his voice, did you see that? I said something to the effect of the thing with the big head walking down the sidewalk. He nervously responded, yes. We both fell silent again and drove the rest of the way to my place where we spent the remainder of the evening calmly discussing all that had happened to us. For some odd reason, my friend is unable to recall this last part of the experience, the appearance of the alien being on the sidewalk, 
Although he recalls everything else with as much clarity as I do and with nearly identical descriptions of the phenomena as those of my own, I have had several other experiences with unidentified phenomena and high strangeness following this event, including one later that same year, but I would like to leave it at this for now so that I may share some thoughts as to what some of the possibilities are in regard to what this phenomena could potentially be. All, of course, are entirely speculative. It could be extraterrestrial, perhaps, even as some speculate, interdimensional. I have experienced peculiar geometric craft and extremely vivid dreams. I have woken up from lucid dreams with the thought that these are some sort of reality-bending crafts from liminal worlds that seem to have a being or consciousness of their own, perhaps biological, perhaps artificial intelligence perhaps some sort of a hybrid of the two. Their very presence seems to warp reality or consciousness to the extent that everyday sensations and perceptions, dreams, out-of-body states, visions, hallucinations, psychedelic spaces, and myriad other states of awareness all blend together in various ways into incomprehensible hyperspaces that seem to profoundly transform the human experience of sensation and perception and of space and time into something that transcends the very essence of the human experience itself. Perhaps it is human or non-human time travelers. Perhaps it is highly advanced human technology from the past or future. Perhaps it is human-generated artificial intelligence. Perhaps it is a biological creature or creatures that coexist on our planet that are technologically more advanced than we are. Perhaps it is from the depths of our deserts. Perhaps it is from the depths of our oceans. Perhaps it is from the depths of our jungles. Have you seen these craft represented in the paintings of the late Pablo Amaringo, a Shipibo shaman turned artist following a psychic attack from another shaman that nearly killed him? Maybe the phenomenon is holographic. Maybe the phenomenon is the hallucination of a mass psychosis. Maybe the phenomenon is an artifact of mass hypnosis. Maybe the phenomenon is a mind virus. Maybe the phenomenon is a hoax. Maybe the phenomena is a tulpa or thought formation created consciously or, uh, or subconsciously by individuals or collectively that takes on a life of its own apart from its generator or generators. Maybe the phenomena are what many through the ages have commonly been referred to as angels, demons, or fairies and elves? Are they some sort of probes of observing life on our planet? Are humans some sort of genetic experiment? Could the so-called zoo hypothesis be correct? Are they somehow associated with death in the after-death state? Anyone's guess is as good as mine. The only thing I know for sure is that something out of the ordinary, and perhaps out of this world, happened to my friend and I in 1993 followed by other events later that same year and in the summer of 1996. Memory changes over time, and although it is within the range of possibility that the explanation for the experience described above is entirely prosaic, I cannot shake this deeply rooted feeling that this is not the case. Ryan, thank you again for all of the great work that you do, and thank you to all of those who have shared their stories, as well as those who have taken the time to listen and have approached this topic, keeping the balance of an open mind with a healthy dose of skepticism, along with a pinch of imagination. And we must remember the words of the late, great David Bowie. 
There's a star man waiting in the sky. He'd like to come and meet us, but he thinks he'd blow our mind. Hi, Ryan, and the Somewhere in the Skies listeners. Um, my name's Hilton. I live in Newcastle upon Tyne in the UK, and after stumbling across your podcast and hearing the other witness accounts, I thought I'd leave my own with you. This event happened in about October 2019, just before kind of the world locked down for COVID. Um, a colleague and myself went out for, well, went out for a smoke break. I went to go stretch my legs, and we were just standing in front of my building, in at sort of at the foot of the town where sort of the river flows past. And while we're having a conversation, my colleague basically just stopped uh, talking to me mid-sentence and was looking sort of past my head um, up the road um, at a patch of sky above the actual town centre itself Um, he eventually sort of like pointed to where he was kind of looking and initially I couldn't see a thing it just looked like um, it was a patch of blue sky with sort of cloud kind of moving through and eventually I cotton on to what it was and could see it. It was something I've never seen before. Uh, it looked sorry about the shape of a matchbox. It was very square, um, flattened, um, but its size, it appeared to be like quite big, like massive. I'd say size of like a football pitch. And the height above the ground, I'd say maybe about two, three hundred feet, and it was just motionless. It was positioned sort of one end down by about maybe 15 degrees. And yeah, it just seemed to be actively camouflaging against the backdrop, which were the clouds. And you could literally only make it out as the clouds sort of moved past it. There was a a fraction of time where you could see the outline of whatever this thing was. It was also, yeah, completely motionless. It wasn't moving, and no sound um, except for the sound of the traffic and the normal sounds from like a busy city. Um, but yeah, there was no propulsion or anything that you could hear, um, and it was just there. And we both stared at it in like complete awe for about maybe five minutes. Um, trying to get our heads around what we saw and then decided to go back in the office and on the way up in the lift we <laughs> at that point decided not to really mention this to anyone because we would sound like we were smoking something else and I've literally maybe told two other people uh, and it's yeah it's it's kind of really blown my mind I don't know its origin I don't know if it's from this earth or from somewhere else all I know is that the technology that was used by this device or craft is unlike anything I've ever seen before. Um, and it's kind of blown my mind. Uh, and I thought I'd basically share this with, uh, with everyone else. Um, that is the only sort of occasion in the Northeast that I've seen something like this. Yeah, I was really hoping I was going to see more of them. <laughs> we'll see it again, but judging by how, like how hard it was to spot Um, It's unlikely um, I'd see another one like this again. But there we go. That's my tale.
Hi, my name's Steve. I'm from the northwest of England. I've been working as an entertainer for the last 25, 26 years, so constantly on the motorways late at night. I've never really seen anything, really. I'm always looking because I do enjoy that kind of thing. I've, I've been into the UFO subject since I was a small boy. So I'm always been intrigued by that. And one particular night, this was about roughly, I'd say, about 12, maybe 13 years ago, around autumn time, around the time it is now. Um, I was with my uh, wife at the time. We were driving from a, a place of work down the M6, and it was about 11.10 p.m. around the Stoke Stafford area on the M6. It was quite, it was clear. And um, this is one incident I never told anybody. The next incident I'm going to tell you happened the following night on the same stretch of road. But this incident I never told anybody because it was it was just too bizarre. They're both bizarre, but this was just it, it didn't come in under the same reference points and framework as you know conventional UFOs. And in the sky we could see uh, a triangular box, like if you can imagine a gigantic. Um, those, those flat white MP3 players that we used to have, you know, a few years ago before everything changed and went into phones. Forget the name of them now, but you know, he's had the dial on the front. Imagine like a, a big rectangular uh, craft with no wings, and on the back, on the very back of it, there was a pole, uh, just like a just a big pole of sort of a mast and on top of that mast was a big white glowing orb at the back and this thing was shooting from east to west at phenomenal speed like somebody was just joyriding in the sky and we were like jesus look at this and and, and, for, and then eventually we obviously we we sort of got under it and went past it but it was still screeching, screaming, screaming across the, the the sky, going at least fifty to hundred miles in just seconds. It went woof, straight across and back again. It was strange. It was a, a bizarre incident, which um, I just disregarded because of, you know it's no wings. What, what are you going to tell people? You saw a flying box with a, a glowing orb on the back. They already think I'm mad. So. Uh, anyway, the next night we're on very similar uh, stretch of motor, but it's almost the same area, Stoke Stafford, almost around the same time. So now uh, my wife and I my, uh, were looking in the sky. We're like, do you remember that thing we saw last night? We're like, yep, 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 yep. And and then to the left of us, uh, about. Uh, a few a few hundred yards down on the left of us sort of above above the tree line on the hard shoulder came a um black triangular craft with a a light under each apex of it and and it was going so slow that it was looked like it was just floating drifting and it it didn't make a sound not a single sound and any, anything that was that was travelling at that speed would have had to have had to down, a downdraft because it would have just dropped out of the sky and and it, everything went deadly quiet the car was quiet the the, the air uh, that was rushing through the car that went quiet and we just watched it, it everything slowed down 
and we it came over the car. It was literally, he could have hit it with a, you know, a catapult. You know, he was fifty feet away from the car, but above it, and it just drifted over. It was gunmetal black, and it it it, it just drifted silently right across the motorway across over to the field to the east side so it went from west to east as we're travelling towards uh, Liverpool area well sort of that area on the M6 we're going that way we're going northbound and uh, and it went straight across and just slowly drifted across the fields didn't make a sound had no jets no propulsion no nothing just a black triangle and you could see it kind of like it didn't have any markings or anything like that and it and it was you could see it was a solid object and it was kind of bolted together kind of thing and you didn't see any bolts or anything I but you could see that it was it had been made it weren't like cast like they, you know your normal ufos there's no seams is there and all that kind of stuff this one looked like it had been made you know because i don't know what i mean by that really take what you from that what you will but um, and it and it just disappeared and went over to the um, east, so it would have gone sort of Stafford area o- over that way. And I looked at my wife and said, "Are you seeing this?" And she said, "Yep, yep, I can see it, I can see it." And uh, and then that was it. It was we was done. It was over. And um, so we we talked about it, and then we split up a few years later. But many about nine, ten years later, we split up. But then every occasion we remained friends, and every now and then. I would message and say, do you remember these incidents? And she's like, yep, and clearly, clearly mentioned it. So anyway, about three months later, it's winter time. So these are three three very, very different um, craft UFO sightings. And I've never had any in my life. And I got three of them within three months. And the third one, I was driving back from Leeds area um, on the M62 again going home uh, that way so I think it's east or west I can never remember and I got to the I got past the sort of the big hill bit where you go over and it's like the highest motorway in England and all that and then I'm dropping down and as I get to a really clear bit I'm looking to my right and you can look over I think it's Halifax and you can see into Halifax you can see all the lights blinking and you can see everything clearly you can see church steeples you can see everything and 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 what caught my attention first of all was the moon the moon was absolutely beautiful. It was massive. You could make out all, all the, you know, the, the patterns on it and all the face of it and all that kind of. It was a beautiful colour, sort of off of a sort of a milkish, uh, orangey sort of glow to it. And then, and then, just underneath it, so halfway between the horizon uh, and the moon, was another moon. Like it, it was just the same shape, the same colour. Um, it was and it was massive. It was just hung there, and I'm and now I'm thinking, what, what the bloody hell is this? And then um, after about a few seconds, it pulsated. It it sort of went woof, 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 and then shrank to ten times less its size. So it shrank down to about the size of a basketball. Um, so it, it, now it's tiny, and then it and it just and then it just lowered itself really sort of um, slowly right over uh, the, the, the town of Halifax kind of over a, a, a building maybe it was a church, I'm not really sure but it was very similar to if you've ever seen the Dome of the Rock thing uh, the one where, where it came down and hung over the Dome of the Rock and then flashed and went off and it got to the um, 
hanging over the buildings. And then it 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 flashed again three times. It did like a woof woof woof, and then shot back to where it was, and then swelled to its original size. As like it was just the most incredible thing I've ever seen. So get this: I now ring my wife, who's working at the Royal Exchange Theatre in Manchester, and I see. So it must have been about quarter past ten at this time, and I see she's just finished a shift, so she'll be leaving, and uh, and I rang her and I said you're never going to believe what I'm looking at and she said is it like a, a really big white ball in the sky that looks like the moon and I was like no way it isn't she was in Manchester at this time and this was way over uh, is sort of that, that over the Halifax way she'd seen it from Manchester from the Royal Exchange Theatre I don't know why how or whatever make of that what you will I don't know what it is but she saw that so I rang my friend who lives in the flats in Leeds and made him go to the top of his building but he, he couldn't see it you couldn't see it, but um, I hope that interests you. There's three, three very bizarre stories, and if it's um, if you want to go, if you've ever seen People of Earth, the, the show People of Earth, which is excellent, if nobody's ever seen it, go and see it. The ship, the mothership that's hiding behind the moon, in the show, they have a carrier craft, and and the carrier craft that takes them from the from their ship to the Earth is exactly the same as what I first saw that rectangular thing and that's when I felt confident to tell people about it because I'm like these guys know what they're talking about they've seen something who's wrote this show uh, anyway I hope you enjoy this story it's true there's no bullshit there or anything like that that's word for word exactly what happened and I have a witness as well I hope you enjoyed that um, thank you All right, so I'm going to tell my UFO story that I have only told a very few people about because the response I usually get from it's usually either negative or they just people just think I'm crazy. Anyway, let me set the stage. It was about 1996, roughly right in there. And I was visiting a friend of mine down in Sierra Vista. And in Sierra Vista, you can see the mountain range is about five miles away, right? And then at night, you can see this little blimp, they have a blimp there <coughs> that has a little light on it and it's got a radar on it, right? And it's probably like 30 or 40 feet long or whatever. So anyways, back during that time, you know, in, in the mid nineties, we didn't have, um, you know, internet or anything like that. So we only paid attention to like local news and things like that. Maybe we'd see something on about Tucson, but you know, we never knew what was going on in Phoenix. So. During this time, I found out years later about the Phoenix Lights. So I'm not sure if it happened during that time or that exact same day, somewhere around there, right? So anyways, we're down there and it's, I don't know, maybe 9.30, 10.30 at night. It's not late because we have to go back to Tucson later on that night. We were down there picking up a uh, amp or something. All these guys were in a band. So they, you know, musical instruments and stuff like that. And, I tried learning the guitar a little bit, you know, I could do like harmonics and a couple of chords, but I couldn't really do much with that. So anyways, we were down there and it was nighttime and he's got a bunch of dogs running around and we're sitting, he's got this little oasis. We're all sitting around this fire pit, right? So all of a sudden the dogs start freaking out, right? And we're like, what's going on? You know, and he's playing guitar or whatever, jamming out with stupid songs. It's pretty funny. We're just having a good time. And so they start running towards the mountain or towards the front gate, which is like an acre property. And it's nighttime, you can see some stars, a little bit of moon glow, but you can't really see anything. So anyways, these dogs are barking, they run towards the gate, and there's like five of us. So 
we were standing there looking at the, we all get up and walk over to look at the dogs, right? Okay. So, and then all of a sudden we look up in the sky and there is a massive, and I mean massive, triangular craft coming over us really slowly. And it's absolutely massive. I mean, huge. And it's, it's cruising along super slow. And as it, you know, it just completely blacked out the stars in that formation so we could see the, you know, the shape of it. So as it's going for forward, you know, the dogs have stopped barking now and we're all just in awe. And then you can see the back and on the back, there were two big, like reddish orange lights, okay? So anyways, this thing's these big glowing orange lights on the back of it. And as it's going down, it's going really slow. Something that big really can't make any turns anyway, I guess. So it's going down and now we can see that little blimp I had mentioned, right? And from the blimp, we could start gauging how big it was. So we had time to discuss how huge this thing was. And it was absolutely the biggest thing. It was like a, um, a starship destroyer. What's the name of the... Uh, uh the battleships and Star Wars. Star Destroyers. The Star Destroyer or something like that. It's been a while, so. Yeah. So it's something like that. So as it's cruising down, it starts to turn and then we can see the, the nose of it. And the nose of it has another big yellowish, reddish, orange light. And it's, if you've ever, if anybody's ever seen that, they'll, you can't, it's unmistakable that when they say that, you'll know what it, you'll know what it is, right? So anyways, this big object is now flying over the um, Sierra Vista, which is home to a military base, Fort Huachuca, and that's why the blimp is there for low-flying aircraft for smugglers and stuff like that. So anyways, we're discussing how big it is because we know how far away everything is because we live there, right? Um, we know it's five miles. We know the blimp's 40 feet long. We know Sierra Vista's, you know, right over here. We know. And as it cruises along, it's just cruising along, it starts to go north and then it kind of turned for some reason and just kind of did an entire 180. That's what it appeared to be doing. Anyways, it did appear on the top of it, you could see a bunch of little lights. So this thing was huge, right? And I've never in my years seen anybody talk about anything that big flying along. I've heard about the triangle thing over the years, but nothing this big. And then as it, then it just kind of flies off into the distance. So that is the edited version of what I tell people, right? Because the last part, which I think is the coolest part, okay, when I tell people this stuff, it's, then it gets to where people have weird reactions, right? While this massive object is flying over our heads, we're all hanging out, buddies, we're laughing, we're, oh my God, we're talking about this. I go check this out and I grab the guitar and I start to play Close Encounters of the Third Kind in the harmonics. Beep, boom, beep, boom, boom. Beep, boom, beep, boom, boom. And I go faster, 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 right? And now we're, everybody's laughing, right? They're, oh my God, you're playing Close Encounters of the Third Kind and there's a UFO flying by, you know, or flying over us, right? <clears throat> so people are just, they're just like laughing and having a great time. And so that happened. Okay, and I don't tell people that that, but also what happened during that time when I was playing that, the lights on the damn thing started to dim and brighten 
as I was playing the harmonics. And then as I was doing it faster and faster, it would dim and get faster and faster. Not, not like blinking or anything crazy like that. And then as I slowed down and stopped, the lights went completely solid again and it just kept cruising along. And <laughs> was it contact? I don't know, and I don't care. But it was probably the most coolest thing I've ever seen. Um, people, you know, I don't tell people about it because it's a weird thing, but it happened around 96. And uh, it may have been the same day as the Phoenix Lights. I don't know. I didn't hear about that. The Phoenix so like, Lights. What, 10 years later? Probably, yeah, probably about 10 years later. And then when we told our people, you know, relatives and friends and family about it in town, in Tombstones is only, you know, 1,200 people. Immediately the rumors spread that we're all on drugs because we lived in Tucson, so nobody knew what we were doing or whatever. And everybody was freaking out about us. When I came back down like a week later, something like that, I mean, it's just rumors were just crazy. And I was like, you guys can kick rocks, you know? And, and then the other guys who were still living down there, they, I asked them um, if they told anybody and they were just like, we're not, we can't tell, we're not telling anybody. So they just didn't want to talk about it because their friends and stuff like that started really just like looking all weird at them or whatever. Personally, I didn't give a crap, right? And so it kind of just put this in my mind that, okay, you know, don't talk about that because people think it's weird. And when I tell people it's, you know, they tend to, you know, they take the first version and they're like wowed by it. And then when I tell them the other things that I have and the cool stuff, what I think is awesome and kick ass, then they immediately dismiss me as bullshit, right? And that's when it gets a little, little weird. And then during that time for me after that, I kind of just lost interest in the whole alien thing because in my mind, how can something this big fly down over a communications military base and fly across their, their base town? It's a military town, Sierra Vista, right? And nobody saw it. And it was like 10 o'clock at night and nobody said anything about it. So in my opinion, it was like, okay, I've had enough of this crap. I'm moving on. So, and it took a while before I started watching, you know, alien movies and things like that. And, and I've tried to watch some of the other stuff where um, people are giving their descriptions of the videos or whatever. They all look like they've just been traumatized by, you know, somebody just beat them horribly bad. I saw something or whatever, right? And to me, it was the coolest fucking thing ever. And I don't know, that's what happened and that's it. Hey Ryan, my name's Mike. I'm from Australia and I've got a couple of experiences that I'd like to share. These all happened a long time ago now, over 20 years ago, but yeah, they've really stuck in my mind and yeah, I just want to sort of uh, share them. So yeah, the first strange thing I ever saw in the sky was in late 1999. My girlfriend and I went camping in this national park in remote eastern Victoria. So it's it's on the coast and yeah, we were camping in the forest, just a couple of minutes walk from the beach. So one night we decided we'd go down to the water just to watch the stars and listen to the ocean. So we're lying in these sand dunes and at one point my girlfriend says, uh, what's that? And she points out these three stars that are moving. So automatically, you know, we knew of something a bit strange so there's these three stars in a perfect triangle formation moving really fast as well so faster than a satellite and faster than a plane started started trying to figure out exactly what it was so 
as it moved across the sky and, and we had a view of the entire sky basically so you know we're, we're on the beach and it was a clear night no clouds we could see this thing go from one side of the sky basically directly overhead us um, right to the other side and my girlfriend saw them when they were pretty low in the sky so they, they were really noticeable they were really bright so yeah as it moved across stars it this triangle didn't block anything so it wasn't one single object it was three separate things so yeah perfect perfect equilateral triangle and um, one of the points was like leading the way so as it moved across the sky this these things sort of stayed in formation they did like yeah stayed stayed in as a, as a triangle didn't slow down didn't change direction or or anything like that and yeah stayed the same brightness all the way across the sky and uh and there's no sound either so yeah it was it was really weird really strange no idea what it was um and the strange thing as well just a couple of weeks later is that we saw a second uh strange thing in the sky so with my girlfriend again we went for this walk one afternoon in this park uh, right on the outskirts of melbourne right right um at the at the north of the city there's this park which kind of overlooks the airport um yeah there's a hill which overlooks the airport so yeah one afternoon we're up there just going for a walk and we noticed this light appear in the sky so it's yeah it's like it's late afternoon but still daylight um the sky is still you know still blue still still pretty light um but yeah this this bright light just appeared out of nowhere so um yeah just really quickly appeared from dim to really bright but you know we're near an airport and yeah we just didn't really pay too much attention to it we didn't didn't worry about it just you know just thought it was a plane off in the distance somewhere so yeah we just kept walking talking um yeah a couple of minutes later we noticed that this light that we'd seen earlier was still in the sky and it was still in like the same spot so then we thought hang on that's that's yeah it's a bit unusual it can't be can't be a plane it would have been moving you know so yeah we started really paying attention to this thing and it, and it was not moving and it was it was bright so yeah still daylight and this thing was was bright it was yeah, it was really bright so it, it it didn't actually do anything though it just stayed in one spot but we were we were watching it for at least 10 minutes trying to figure out what it was and we had no idea and given what what we'd seen a few weeks earlier as well you know we were sort of like you know paying attention to to stuff in the sky all of a sudden so yeah this thing it again th this wasn't something normal this this was a bit strange so yeah we were watching it it wasn't moving um it's too bright and it's too still too early in the evening to be um a planet coming out or anything like that so the same way that we had seen it appear at, at you know after, after a few minutes or so it, it disappeared as well so um hadn't changed brightness at all and then all of a sudden just just quickly dimmed and and disappeared as well so yeah not normal very strange um so yeah then we started sort of expecting you know the, the third thing to happen 
um, kind of soon, but uh, nothing did for a while until we went on this holiday to New Zealand. And this is this is almost exactly 12 months after we saw that uh, triangle of lights down in Victoria. Yeah, 12 months later, we're, we're in New Zealand, uh, down in the South Island. We went on this hike. We did the Kepler track. So on the last night of that, we we are camping near this lake. So it's it's this walk that takes you you know a couple of days through the wilderness. And on the last night, we're we're camping near this lake, and yes, the sky was getting dark. We were just sort of like you know uh, watching the stars come out pretty you know sort of right at the start of the evening i noticed this flash of light um, like a star appearing and then disappearing straight away so it got my attention and as i looked i saw a second and then a third flash again like just three really quick flashes of light the first one was bright the second one was less bright and the third one was even less bright still so I had, like, I'd never seen anything like that before. No idea what it was, but it was all over in a second. So I didn't really, you know, didn't think too much about it. Didn't worry about it at all. But as the sky sort of got darker, um, yeah, you look across the lake to these mountains a couple of kilometers away, you know, like fairly big mountains. Um, so yeah, as the sky got darker, we noticed this orange glow coming from near the peak of one of the mountains and yeah it looked like a fire so yeah, I was thinking I was going to have to start walking again you know through the through the darkness and trying to alert somebody because yeah it looked exactly like, like what we what we guessed was a fire but before uh, I could get going and do any of that it, it changed from this sort of like uh, like diffuse glow sort of thing into a distinct beam and and actually like then we stopped worrying because then we thought oh maybe it's just a a car it looked like you know i guess car headlights or something on yeah like a car going up the mountain so yeah we relaxed about it at that point so we're just watching this for for a few minutes and then it sort of dawned on us that we're looking into pure wilderness and you know there's no roads as then there's there's nothing out there so it couldn't be a car um and also like we we're watching it for a while so if it was a car it you know, would have would have sort of moved somewhere would have got where it was going but this this uh this this beam of light thing was just sort of like you know moving it's mostly pointing up but just you know moving from side to side as well so yeah at that stage you thought well you know after these flashes of light and now this then start to realize that things are getting a bit strange um yeah but the strange thing is like my reaction my girlfriend had already sort of gone back to the tent and i did the same thing as well so i like i'm the one that saw the flashes of light and then we both saw this glow turning to something a bit weirder but yeah my reaction was just to go go to sleep as well go go back into the tent and just just fall asleep so looking back it's kind of strange that i saw all this stuff develop 
and I saw it get weirder but I don't know what happened I always kind of wish I had sort of stuck around and, and seen more but at the time you know there's a little bit of fear involved so it was, I think it was a bit of like um, fight or flight and the natural response was just to sort of you know sort of hide from it and um, and go to sleep so that was a bit strange um, and the other strange thing though is those the three flashes of light which was the first thing I saw and yeah even at that time I just I didn't worry about it at all so even even having seen you know that triangle of light instantly I knew that was a bit strange the flashes of light was uh, yeah, a little bit strange but didn't didn't really worry me but and the, the weird thing as well is I've ended up seeing that like quite a lot over the years um you ended up living in the country for a while so and, and it wasn't unusual to be out in a paddock in the evening and yeah just happened to look, look up and see three flashes a- again like bright less bright um even less bright again it, it happened like so often that it just it, it wasn't even a surprise after a while and, and it, it's something that never I, I, I never was concerned at all about it never never really cared a hell of a lot about it it's only looking back i think it's strange because i haven't seen it for for a while but so here's the other thing that i used to really love looking at the sky so even as a kid i spent a lot of time looking up I, when i was little i wanted to be a pilot and I, and I ended up getting interested in astronomy as well as a kid so i spent a lot of time looking up day and night and you know in all those years i'd never seen anything strange that triangle was the first strange thing i'd ever seen yeah so the, these um these flashes like i always used to look up but then yeah i've sort of like stopped looking up so the night sky used to used to spend a lot of t- like if i was outside i'd always look up i'd always want to sort of see something but yeah over the years it, that's that's sort of like disappeared and it's not just that my interest has disappeared like there's my feelings about it have changed as well so if i'm out at night on a really really clear night i I, yeah i do sort of avoid looking up it's like like this like background sort of not wanting to to see what might be there so that's that's a little bit of a shame i guess but yeah i still i still like planes so i still look up during the day i've got no problem with that okay ryan um yeah i hope uh somebody else is maybe prompted to to share stuff that they've seen even if it might be a long time ago thanks love the podcast uh yeah keep it up mate thanks Hey Ryan, thanks to you for having me on. I uh, really appreciate you uh, giving me an opportunity to tell my story. Uh, it's funny, I uh, for years really didn't have too many people to tell this story to. And then uh, once I was on Unidentified a couple years ago, 
Suddenly everyone wanted to hear about it. So we'll start off with the introductions. My name is David Marceau. I am a senior manager for a major corporation here in the United States. And uh, in 1992, when I was 19 years old, I had a close encounter with UFO. And what I saw wasn't your typical sighting. A lot of UFO sightings seem to be some strange lights in the sky, things that you really can't identify, which is why we call them unidentified flying objects. What I saw wasn't uh, unidentified. I knew right away what I was looking at. It was unmistakable. I was in the woods uh, on, um, in military service. I was an Army reservist, and my unit was uh, doing our annual summer training. We went up to Gagetown, New Brunswick, Canada, and uh, we were an ammo unit. So even though my specialty was not ammunition, everyone had to pull guard duty, and uh, I had to go out at 11 p.m. one night. I believe it was gonna, this was probably a Tuesday or a Wednesday, the second week of August, 1992, and I had to guard an enormous uh, pile of ammunition out in the woods. There were uh, three sites three of us uh, each guarding a, a site. And uh, around 11.20, uh, I looked at about my one o'clock position from where I was sitting, and over the tree line was an enormous spaceship. Uh, I've been criticized uh, online uh, for jumping to that conclusion. Uh, I think somebody said, uh, immediately saying it must be a spaceship. Uh, what are you going to do? I, I, I can't apologize for that saying anything that other than it was a, a spaceship uh, would be like looking at a house and saying, well, I don't know, that might be a dog or, you know, looking at a tree and saying it might be a rock. Uh, it was there. It was in front of me. It was uh, less than 100 yards away from me. I was what uh, people have uh, called a trained observer. L Luis Elizondo was the first person that, that called me that. And I had never heard that term before, but when he, as soon as he said it, uh, that made sense for me. Uh, I actually was trained. At the time, we had uh, these flashcards that were like playing cards, and uh, each of them had a silhouette of an aircraft. It was either uh, uh, a NATO or Soviet block aircraft, and, and we were taught to identify them by their, their shapes so that if it was dark or they were far away, we would know whether to shoot them or not. So... Uh, I knew looking at this thing, you know, it had no wings, no tail fin, no uh, propellers, no engines, no visible means of propulsion or direction, had no, no markings, no uh, seams or rivets, made no noise. Uh, interestingly, it made, uh, nothing around me made any noise when this thing uh, approached. And uh, for, for years, I thought this was because, uh, like the, you know, the crickets and the tree frogs and the the other, uh, you know, nighttime critters um, knew something, like some kind of instinct, and they were all quiet because there was some danger there. More recently, I've, I've come to the conclusion that the, the ship may have had some type of noise cancellation technology, and that's why everything around me was silent, which begs a lot of uh, interesting questions. Uh, maybe, you know, a lot of people have reported spaceships are silent. Um, and that was true in my case, but everything was silent. Maybe, maybe they actually make a lot of noise, and, and we just don't know it because the, the, the sound is canceled out. Anyway, um, it was terrifying. It was the most traumatic, terrifying thing that's ever happened to me. And uh, uh, I was um, 
literally scared stiff. I went into a, a mode like, um, you know, I've done a lot of small game hunting, and, and I remember when my dad was teaching me to hunt, uh, he would, you know, tell me if if uh, if we, you know, come up on a pheasant, the pheasant isn't going to fly away until after we've passed it because they know that they, they fly too slowly, and, and uh, if they try to fly out in front of you, then, then they'll, they'll get shot, but uh, they'll let you go by, and then they fly out behind you, and then they can, they can get away that way, and sometimes people even step on them because they're not going to move. And, and I was in that mode when this thing was, was uh, coming by me. It was traveling very slowly, probably less than a mile an hour. It may have been hovering uh, motionless at first. Uh, it's, it's hard to remember, but it, this was about a, a five-minute encounter when it was very close and a couple more minutes passing uh, uh, beyond that that I, that I kept watching it. But uh, while it was in my vicinity, I couldn't move. Um, I suppose I could have, but I, I, I was trying not to because I didn't want to be seen. At the time, uh, there was no drone technology like we have now, so the thought that the thing might be unmanned was, was not even a possibility. Uh, never never uh, considered it. So I assumed there were some people or creatures inside uh, piloting the thing, and that if I moved that they would see me, and then... You know, all these, uh, every, every science fiction uh, uh, show and movie that I had ever seen started going through my, my head, and, and I thought maybe they'll beam me up, uh, or they'll uh, zap me with a death ray or something, and, and, and that's it, no one will ever know what happened to me, and, and um, you know, they'll tell stories about, I don't, I don't know, the guy just disappeared. All this is going through my head at the time, so terrified, uh, not moving, just barely, uh, you know, like moving my eyes and, and my head enough to, to keep the thing in, in, in sight, until it was... Uh, uh, leaving my my uh, field of vision, and I knew that uh, at that point I had to get up and kind of kind of follow it because I was I was afraid that it might circle back around and come come back over me. Um, so the the whole encounter lasted about five to seven minutes, um, and absolutely terrified. And and uh, to the extent that uh, you know, um, when I finally did start talking about it, you know, initially it, I. Me and, and the other guy that saw it uh, a few sites away, we told everyone in our unit about it, and then we got ridiculed, and, and uh, you know we were the laughing stock and lost all credibility. So we stopped talking about it, and then after that, I don't think I told anyone for about another at least five years. I think it was it was in the late '90s. I, I remember telling my, my cousin and his wife about it, and at that time, it was it was like I had been transported back to that moment. And uh, started. To, I was like reliving the terror of of the incident, and my my eyes welled up. And I didn't actually shed a tear, but my my eyes were as full of uh, water as as they could be without any any tears actually coming out. And and um, you know because of the ridicule that that I had faced years earlier when this thing happened, um, I said to my my cousin's uh, uh, she was his girlfriend at the time, later his wife. I said, uh, "Do you believe me?" And she says, "Well, I." I can see, you know, you're, you're visibly, uh, I don't remember how she put it, like shaken or something, but, you know, I had physical symptoms of, of the trauma. Uh, and, and so uh, after that, it was a little bit easier to, to start telling people. I still didn't, like, tell everyone I met because I didn't want people to think I was a weirdo. But uh, little by little, I started to let the cat out of the bag. Early on uh, in my relationship with my wife, uh, I let her know about it, and she was cool with it. And... Uh, it was uh, because it was like sort of an open secret within within my extended family that uh, 
uh, my sister-in-law ended up sending me the New York Times article about Luis Elizondo and, and uh, everything he was doing with uh, uh, to the Stars Academy that I, I tracked him down and was able to, to reach out to him and eventually uh, told my story on Unidentified. One thing that, uh, that Luis Elizondo asked me, he said to me, how has this changed you? And I said at the time that this has the event made me fearless. It's not that it, that it really made me fearless. I feel fear. I don't feel it the way that I would have before this incident. What I can liken it to is how if, uh, if you've ever smoked a cigarette, drank a beer, you know, done various substances. I'm not into all that, but, you know, I, I did smoke for a while and you know that like that first that first cigarette that first drink whatever it is you're having gets you really um really high and then you know you've had more and more and more and more and after a while you don't feel it as much so someone who's been drinking for you know 10 years can still get drunk but not off of one beer like maybe someone who's had their first beer and that's that's what fear is like for me now I still feel it, but not like it, it, it's it's not really anything. It doesn't really affect me. Um, I don't really get scared, and it's because I think this this extreme trauma. It was no words can really describe the terror that I felt when an alien spaceship was, you know, less than a hundred yards from me. <clears throat> traveling very slowly. I'm out in the middle of the woods in who, who knows where in, in, uh, in Canada. I'm armed. I had an M16 rifle. This is the old style that fires full auto, but no bullets. There had been an incident a few years back where uh, civilians had uh, stolen some ammunition and uh, some, some uh, uh, soldiers, American soldiers, shot at them and so this time around, in order to avoid an inter- international incident, they sent us out there with our weapons, but no ammunition. It was just a, um, a show. So, you know, I don't know if, if the, the people flying this, uh, this ship, if they uh, could see that I'm armed and, and possibly a threat, but not know that I didn't actually have any ammunition in the weapon, so I really wasn't a threat. Uh, so it was, it was extraordinarily terrifying. It felt like a sitting duck. And that uh, that changed me, so that uh, there's really nothing that shakes me these days. So that's my story. I uh, there's a lot more that I can tell. Uh, there's so many little details, and I've tried writing it down a few times. And you know, it's it's like it was a five to seven minute encounter, but I could fill a whole you know I could fill hundreds of pages with it. Someday I will. I'll write it all down. But, uh, yeah, that's my story. I'm sticking with it. And uh, I'm Dave Marceau. Thanks for listening. Hey, Ryan. My name is Josh, and I would like to share an experience that I had. The experience was on Saturday, July 11th, 2020, here in Las Vegas. I'm a Vegas resident, and it happened on East Russell Road near the Sam Boyd Football Stadium. I was walking down Russell Road at about maybe 7.45, 8 o'clock p.m. And as I was walking, I just 
happened to look up, as I always do, searching for things. And as soon as I popped my head up, I noticed a cylinder in the sky. If I had to estimate, it would probably be at about maybe five, 6,000 feet. I could be wrong. But it was a cylinder with the front portion of it being black and the, the second portion of it being gray, more of a gunmetal color. And it was flying straight up at a good clip. And then it stopped, made a right turn, and probably flew another, I would say, maybe two, three hundred feet. And it stopped again. And then it either disappeared or it shot off instantaneously because it was gone. There was a cloud of smoke and the object was gone. So that just blew my mind. It lasted probably less than five seconds and it left me with a feeling of disbelief, of extreme curiosity, and of, uh, of, of wonder just to what it was. It didn't seem like a conventional craft. It didn't seem like a man-made craft, but it could be. It could be something else too. So that was the beginning. And I kept walking down Russell Road and I got to the end, and this by this time it was about 8.11, maybe quarter after 8 p.m., and it was still light out. And I noticed above the stadium this bright pink object that was shaped like a square, maybe a rectangle, but it was not aerodynamic. And it shot straight up in the air from behind the stadium to about maybe 1,000, 2,000 feet, and it started making enormous vertical circles and horizontal circles in the sky. It was going really fast. And I don't know how it was flying. It didn't have wings. It didn't, from my perspective, didn't have any means of propulsion. And it looked like a square, like a, a block of some sort. And it just kept making these circles. I watched it and recorded it for about maybe two or three minutes. And then as I was recording it, I look off behind the stadium near what I believe is Sunrise Mountain and I noticed a bunch of sirens and lights coming towards the stadium so I wasn't sure what that was and what was going on but I stopped recording and kind of made my way out of there I wasn't sure what was going to happen if it's something I should see or something I shouldn't have seen so I didn't want to be any part of it and I just ended up going home uh Actually, I went to a friend's house. As far as the way it made me feel, again, it was just utter disbelief. Checking my head to see if I really saw that. Um, what I think it was, I, I honestly don't know. I don't know what either of the objects were. My best guess is something top secret man-made or something not of this world. Where do I stand today? I stand by my feelings. I still don't know what it was. And... You know, we could have come so far in our progress with aerospace technology that it could be something man-made, but it could certainly be something else as well. And uh, it was just a really exciting day for me. Um, I've had another sighting, a pretty cool one since then, which I would be happy to share again at another time. Uh, it was investigated by MUFON recently, and the results were pretty cool. It was on September 14th at 4.55 a.m. here in Las Vegas. This would be West Russell Road this time as I was walking west to the gym to get an early morning workout. And I noticed a bright light in the sky that was situated 
roughly right above Nellis Air Force Base. And the thing that stood out to me was that it was not moving, or at least it did not appear to be moving. It certainly wasn't moving left or right, and it wasn't growing in size or shrinking, so I didn't think it was moving towards me or away from me. And I watched it for about 7 to 10 minutes, and it just sat there, pulsing. It appeared to be an orange sphere. Uh, I guess we could call it an orb. Very large. And it was just sitting there, hanging in the air, above the Air Force Base, for about 7 to 10 minutes. And I kept watching it. I recorded it. And at the end of the time frame, it went from a pulsing orb to two very small blinking lights in an instant. It just transformed. And then it started very slowly moving away to the west. And it just glided off over the horizon very slowly. And I watched it the entire time. But it remained stationary for about 7 to 10 minutes. And I couldn't hear a sound from it, although it was far away. So it could have been making a sound, but I didn't hear anything directly coming from it. And the interesting thing is, the very next two days, I had the exact same sighting of the exact same object, just in slightly different locations with the exact same characteristics. What do I think it was? Um, it could be something man-made. Perhaps some type of helicopter or hover jet that was able to silently remain stationary for an extended period of time. It could certainly be something else, too. And I sent this sighting into MUFON in the video, and they recently had an investigator contact me, and he was able to use radar data, uh, flight scheduling, flight data, and his conclusion was that it was an airplane. And that it was flying towards me. That's why it did not appear to be moving. Um, I'm not sure if I agree with that. Because the size of the, the light did not change at all. But I don't have a very well um, extended knowledge of, of flight characteristics. So I could be wrong. But the cool thing was. Even though it was a plane, the investigator told me that the only plane that was in the air at that time, at that location, going that direction, was a Janet flight going to Area 51 from McCarran. So even if it was an alien, it was still something cool, and I just wanted to share that. I wish you a good day. Thank you, my friend. Bye-bye. Hi Ryan and all the listeners out there in the Somewhere in the Skies podcast um, Firstly, just thanks for the opportunity to share my experience And uh, also a big warm welcome to Scotland, Ryan I know you've just moved here from across the pond So I hope you, you enjoy your stay here and enjoy living in damp, wet old Scotland Anyway, so my name's John I am 41 years old I have a wife and three children And... I live in Kipfield Bank, which is a small semi-rural village on the southern fringe of the central belt of Scotland. Um, I work full-time as a prison officer, or in the States, you would probably refer to them as corrections officers. Um, so I've worked in the prison service for just coming up for 14 years. So my experience um, happened on the 22nd of October in 2017, uh, if memory serves, that would be just before the big 
uh, New York Times article that really triggered off a lot of the stuff that's been happening over the last few years. Um, it was roughly nine o'clock at night. I had been in my garage, um, which I use as a sort of man cave type area, do some of my hobbies in there, keep my dive kit in there and repair that and build models and stuff, just bloke things to do. Anyway, um, so I was closing up at night and I was heading back into the house. I collected a few items to take into the house that I didn't want to leave in the garage overnight. Um, ironically, I actually included my Nikon uh, DSLR slung over my shoulder at the time. Um, so before leaving the garage, the reason I know it was 9 o'clock is because I'd actually just looked up at the clock. Um, thought, right, I better go into the house, get organised for work in the morning. Um, so I pulled in the shutter of the garage, collect, you know, after collecting my stuff, walked towards up the driveway towards the house and uh, just having a quick look at my phone. And I looked up and my attention was, was drawn to what I could only describe as two warm white lights uh, I say warm white as in like incandescent lights rather than that sort of bright white LED um, so two circular white lights um, sitting you know right next to one another um, on a sort of horizontal plane if that makes any sense kind of describe it as like a figure of eight on its side that's kind of really how it looked um, I could only describe these things as Travelling at breakneck speed, you know, it was really moving across the sky. The whole encounter only lasted, you know, a short amount of time, a few seconds probably. Um, they were moving at a low altitude, um, so it, it drew my attention right away because, you know, I, I like to look up at the sky and, you know, admire what's happening in the, in the skies above at night time. We have a where I live, we have a fairly decent view of the sky. There's not a great deal of um, light pollution, so you can you know, see a fair, fair few constellations. Um, that night, actually, I remember seeing a, a satellite, you know, on the way out to the garage that night, as I say, I like to have a wee look up, and uh, I remember seeing a satellite. Um, it's not uncommon to see things like that where, where I live. Um, but this really drew my attention. Um, but as I say, it was rocking across the sky, and I don't know why, but I felt goosebumps. And I sort of shiver up your spine. Just something about it didn't sit right. Now, uh, if I was a wee kid, um, you know, we used to go on holiday in the north of Scotland, um, pretty close to an uh, Air Force base called RAF Lossiemouth. Um, and just not far along the road, there was another air base which is now uh, shut down. Now, I think it's an army base now. Uh, RAF can loss. Uh, Lossiemouth had uh, fast, still does have uh, fast jets stationed there it's the Eurofighter Typhoon now but back in the day it was the, the old tornadoes um, so I've seen lots of low flying fighter jets you know in terms of its speed that's what this thing looked like it was moving but there was no sound it was a straight trajectory it wasn't art you know it was, so it was flying straight level the forward of the two lights was was pulsing, the other one was what you would describe as a solid on all the time light, but then as it moved across from my, from my perspective it was going from the right to the left and the first the one at the, the leading light I suppose uh, was pulsating and very quickly faded and never saw that again, 
but the the, the tailing light, if you like, was still there um, for a few short seconds, and then that just faded out as well. And as far as the, the whole encounter goes, that's it. Um, so it was travelling above the, the field just beyond my house, um, maybe, I don't know, 200 metres away, roughly, was what I estimated at the time. Um, aircraft fly over my house all the time. So we're, we're probably roughly halfway between Glasgow and Edinburgh, probably slightly closer to Glasgow, actually, but, you know, so both of those big cities have airports, and so aircraft fly over the house all the time, particularly en route to Glasgow, but you can see aircraft, you know, heading to, to Edinburgh as well in the opposite direction. Normally, at that height, you will hear the aircraft engines pretty loud, um, but the, they're normally substantially more higher in the sky uh, than this object was um, but it was silent and I mean eerily silent, it was a still night there wasn't any wind whatsoever or you know very very little certainly, it was quite a clear night there wasn't any adverse sort of weather patterns or anything then at the time, it was just quite a still calm, you know, autumn evening but this thing was just, there was no sound whatsoever um, I stood for a few minutes after the, the, the lights faded um, just kind of trying to gather my thought, thoughts and, and I was figuring out what did I just see here, what did I just witness and I considered all sorts of possibilities aircraft, helicopters um, at that time of year it's um, pretty close to the 5th of November where people uh, celeb- celebrate uh, Guy Fawkes night so you know there's usually lots of fireworks and stuff going on but this wasn't a firework because there was no there was, as I say, there was no sound, there was no contrail. Um, you know, like if a, a firework goes off, you know, there's usually some sort of trailer, sort of sparks and stuff behind it. There was none of that. Um, it just faded out. There wasn't a bang, there wasn't a pop that you would normally associate with these um, airborne pyrotechnics. It was a steady horizontal course. There was no fluctuations, as I said before. There wasn't arcing at all. There is a road nearby. Um, so I also considered that could it have been car lights but in the direction that it was heading it would have to be heading up the hill uh, in which case then you would see the red tail lights of the car as opposed to the, the white lights um, but it was also not following the track of the road because as I say you know I do live here so I know what direction the the, the cars would be going in and stuff Um it was interesting as well that the object just faded. You know, there was a pulse and it faded rather than just blinked out. Um, and as I say, the, the the trailing light also done the same a short time thereafter, even though that wasn't pulsing. I did consider the possibility of drone. Um, but again, when I think about the speed, I don't know, it just, it was too quick. It was really, really fast. As I said, um, you know, I have had experience watching fast jets, you know, manoeuvre and practice and stuff uh, in the north of Scotland. I don't think drones can can move at that that rate of knots. And again, it felt although it was dark, and I know that your perspective can be altered, and, and the darkness is different, but more difficult to judge distances and stuff. And I get that, but I, I th- it felt fairly close, uh, and you would like to think that you know there would be some sound coming from that as well um, after a minute or two I came into the house and I actually told my wife about it um, who was a bit sort of nonchalant really she 
not a believer or a you know anybody who's interested in in this sort of field. Um, spoke to my dad, who was quite interested in the story, and I was like, mm, okay, yeah, that's that's interesting, that's fair enough. Um, but it's not really anything I've really spoke about since to that many people, other than a few close friends. I did a Google search when I came into the house as well. I, I felt really not shaken, but just something didn't sit right, you know. Um, so I did a Google search and I found a website called Beams. I believe it's some uh, research organisation, um, probably on a smaller level, but similar to Move On, I would imagine. But at this point in time, I'd never heard of Move On or any of these organisations. Um, but when I went on this organisation's website, there was a, a site listed that had a small picture attached, and it was so eerie when I seen it because it just pretty much looked identical to the object I'd just seen. Somebody from Devon in South England had managed to photograph this object and it was described as two cells dividing. You know, if you ever see biology videos or images in biology textbooks and you look at cell division, that's that's what this thing looked like. And the lights themselves weren't solid. It was almost like they had a nucleus at the centre with a glow sort of on the outside. It was Still bright in the centre, but there was a sort of darker spot in the middle of it um, on both lights. Um, I don't know if these were two objects or one object, or I, ju- I just don't know. I don't know. What I do know is, is it's not an aeroplane. It's not a helicopter. I've no idea. It was a strange, strange experience, and I think about it. Most days, um, usually when I'm popping out to the garage um, to do a couple of jobs or to, you know, do some washing or, you know, take the, the, the stuff out to the tumble dryer that we keep out there or whatever I'm doing, or even if I'm popping out to the car to collect a few bits and bobs, I always look up at that same spot and think back to that night and it still stumps me as to what it is. Um, the report or restatement that I'd wrote myself at the time, you know, I jotted all these notes down um, and I entitled it Unidentified Low Flying Lights. I'm not saying this is little green men from Mars or transdimensional uh, entities or anything like that, but I cannot explain what this is. It really made me feel not uncomfortable, but it made me feel strange. As I said, I don't know if you noticed at the start, but actually I had my camera, I had a DSLR camera slung over my shoulder. I had my mobile phone in my hand and the thought did not occur to me to take a photograph. I was just transfixed on this object. I don't even think I would have had enough time to get a shot off. But one of the most strangest experiences of my entire life. Um, And as I say, I still think about it to this day and wonder... What did I see in the sky? Thank you. Hi, Ryan. It's your friend Kelly from the UFO Rabbit Hole. Thank you so much for inviting me to share my story with you and the Somewhere in the Skies audience. So, I saw a UFO when I was 13 years old. I was on vacation with my family at the Outer Banks in North Carolina in a little town called Avon, just north of Hatteras. We went there almost every summer, and one of my favorite things to do at night was to sit outside and watch the stars. Having grown up in the suburbs where the sky is always a dull shade of orange and the stars are few and far between, the spectacle of a truly dark night sky filled with thousands of stars was something I couldn't resist. 
I found myself out on the deck most nights looking up at the stars in awe. One particular night, I was out on the deck in my usual stargazing routine when I had the strangest thought go through my head. What if I see a UFO? It was a very strange thought. UFOs weren't something that I ever really thought about. And yet, suddenly, I felt a very strong urge to scan the skies, looking for something that I wasn't sure that I even really believed existed. And as soon as I did so, I saw a light moving across the sky. It was a small, bright, clear light that seemed to be moving a little too swiftly to be a plane. And as soon as I locked my eyes onto it, it took a hard 90 degree turn and then another before accelerating instantaneously and streaking off past the horizon like a meteor. I remember being absolutely electrified by what I saw. I felt like I was going to crawl out of my skin. I didn't know what I had seen exactly, but I knew that it moved like nothing else that I'd ever seen. Even at 13, I knew instinctively that the physics of it all just stretched the boundaries of all reason. And yet, I knew what I had seen. I ran into the house to tell my family, but they laughed at me and accused me of making up stories. And to be honest, there was a part of me that wondered if maybe I had imagined the whole thing. I mean, how could it be possible that I just happened to see something so strange and seemingly impossible literally a second after having this strange thought that I might see a UFO? Was I fooling myself? I had a pretty active imagination as a kid, but I never had any trouble differentiating my flights of fancy from actual reality. And yet, when everyone else thinks that you're making it up, at a certain point, it becomes easier to place that doubt with yourself. I didn't think about the UFO much after that, probably not even once a year, but every long once in a while, I would remember that night and wonder what it was that I had seen. It wasn't until the spring of 2021, when I returned to the Outer Banks with my family, that this story suddenly became top of mind for me again. I had been half paying attention to the occasional news story that I came across that talked about how the government had admitted that UFOs are real and that we don't know what they are. Each time I came across a story like that, it made me think of what I had seen when I was 13, and a little part of me wondered if I might have actually seen a UFO. And so, when my family decided to return to the Outer Banks for vacation, it felt like the perfect time to dive back into the subject and figure out what was going on. I had a whole week with nothing to do but kill time reading on the beach, and I thought that given that time to focus, I'd be able to get to the bottom of what was really going on pretty quickly, mostly because I didn't really believe at that point that UFOs were real. I mean, sure, the government was saying that UFOs are real, but the government says a lot of things. I figured this had to be some kind of a play to get a rubber stamp for black budget spending, or maybe it was secret foreign tech. I wasn't sure what was going on exactly, but I was sure that it had to have some kind of a rational explanation. However, instead of a neat and tidy explanation, what I discovered was a deep and labyrinthian rabbit hole where each new mystery once examined gave way to an even deeper one, and whose tendrils seemed to be entwined through every academic discipline and sphere of life. There were no easy answers, only a bottomless well of questions. I was utterly fascinated and completely hooked. The UFO Rabbit Hole podcast was born of that obsession and of a life-changing anomalous experience that I had a few months later, but I don't want to get bogged down there. I told that story in episode 294 of Somewhere in the Skies if you're interested in hearing about it. So fast forward a year to the summer of 2022. I'd been working on the podcast for the past nine months and was finding myself deeper and deeper in the world of UFOs. I ended up taking a class from one of my favorite authors on the subject, Dr. Diana Walsh Pasulka. 
She wrote a book called American Cosmic that made a huge impact on me and my understanding of the phenomenon, and so I was very excited to learn from her. And I did learn so much in Diana's class, and one of the most profound things that I learned was about the process of redaction that occurs when someone has an anomalous experience like a UFO sighting. The stigma associated with such events, often paired with serious doubts or outright disbelief that such things are even possible, can cause people to change how they tell the story of what happened to them, even to themselves. And as I learned about how this redaction process unfolds, I had a startling realization. My UFO sighting at the Outer Banks when I was 13 wasn't the only sighting that I've had. In fact, I had a much more profound sighting in a park outside of Akron, Ohio in broad daylight when I was 21. Let me tell that story and then I'll explain how I think it is that I came to forget something that was so extraordinary. So it was a spring day in April of 2007. I'd been going through a tough time and a friend invited me to a local metro park. The plan was for us to hang out in the woods and do LSD. I'd never done it before and to be honest, I had no real idea of what I was getting myself into. We each did one hit and then sat on the top of this hill overlooking a pond surrounded by trees. After a while, the visuals started kicking in. It wasn't anything major, but for a first-timer, it was thrilling. I remember looking at the twisting yellow-green grass of early spring and thinking that I understood now what Van Gogh must have seen. We sat there talking, having that kind of sweeping cerebral conversation that flows from such a state. It was a very pleasant and mellow experience. But at one point during this conversation, something seemed to appear above the tree line. I remember both of us being startled by it because although it was very large and only a couple hundred feet above the tree line, it truly seemed to come out of nowhere. We'd both been staring in that direction, but we never saw it approach. It was just there, as though it had emerged from a hole in the sky itself that we couldn't see. At first, I thought it was the Goodyear blimp. Akron, Ohio is the home of the Goodyear blimp, and so seeing it floating overhead was a pretty common occurrence. And this did remind me of the blimp in some ways. It was of a similar size, though this was slightly bigger than the blimp, and the way that it seemed to float slowly and stoically across the sky reminded me of how the blimp moves. But that's where the similarities ended. Whatever this was was a deep brown color and more oblong in shape than a blimp, what many would call cigar-shaped. Any other details are impossible to give. Although the object had a distinct size and shape, it also somehow felt like it didn't have any discrete edges. It was hard to look at, almost like it was blurry. I just kept rubbing my eyes, trying to get the image to resolve into something familiar. But all I saw was this long brown smudge moving slowly across the sky. It made me weirdly uncomfortable, and I actually felt like I wanted to look away from it. And then, as quickly as it was there, it was gone. It traveled maybe a few hundred yards across the sky over the tree line and then disappeared as strangely as it appeared, as if into an unseen hole in the air itself. My friend definitely saw it too, and we kept asking each other, what was that? And even though we agreed that it didn't look anything like the blimp, we also ultimately agreed that it had to be the blimp. I mean, after all, what else could it have been? And we were, quite literally, tripping. So that must be it, right? What I'd thought I'd seen was impossible, so the only explanation was that I hadn't seen it. And so I simply put it out of my mind. But how does that happen? I'll admit that even having experienced this whole thing for myself, it was still very strange and unsettling for me to realize that I could just forget something like that and continue to not remember it, 
even when I was spending every spare second of my day immersed in the study of the phenomenon. I was thinking about UFOs literally all of the time, so how could I have forgotten what I'd seen? Forgetting actually isn't even the right word, because it's not like this memory was blocked or suppressed exactly. I think that does happen to people, but it didn't feel like that was what happened to me. Rather, this felt more like a categorization error of some kind in my brain. It's like that memory was a file in my brain, and because I had never named that file UFO sighting, when I searched for UFO sightings in my brain, that experience didn't pop up. I hadn't built any connections in my brain between that experience and a UFO sighting, and so for me, those connections simply didn't exist. And I think there are a few reasons for why that happened, all of which I suspect are pretty common among people who have these types of experiences. First of all, I didn't think of what I saw as a UFO because it didn't look like what I thought a UFO was supposed to look like. As someone who, at that point in my life, didn't have even a casual interest in UFOs, my main conception of the phenomenon was what I saw in the media. To me, a UFO was a flying saucer, an actual, solid, technological craft piloted by aliens from another planet. And that's just not what this looked like at all. I couldn't really tell what it was, and even though what reminded me vaguely of a blimp, its weird blurry appearance didn't look like any kind of craft that I'd ever seen, so I didn't necessarily think that it was a craft. What I saw defied categorization, and so my brain simply failed to categorize it. The second reason for this categorization error was the fact that we were on LSD. Like I said, that was my first time that I'd ever done LSD, and I didn't really know anything about what that experience was supposed to be like. I'd heard that LSD made you see things, so I assumed that that was what it had done. However, looking back more than 15 years later, and with a considerable amount of experience in psychedelics under my belt, I look at this experience differently. For me, LSD can dramatically change the quality of what I'm looking at. Things can seem to look alive at a molecular level, colors and textures are more profound. But I've never had an experience on LSD where I saw something that wasn't there, particularly something that another person also can see. That doesn't mean that I have entirely ruled out that what we saw was just a weird shared visual experience as a result of being chemically altered. It could be. It's just that given my other experiences, it seems unlikely. It also changed my perspective to understand that many people who research psychical phenomena and contact experiences see psychedelics as a legitimate contact modality that can allow people to perceive things that tap into abilities that they otherwise wouldn't have access to. We're still learning about what psychedelics do to the brain, but despite the traditional view that they increase activity in the brain, the latest research suggests that psychedelics significantly disrupt normal neural activity and quiet the brain. Could this allow your conscious mind to pick up on things that it otherwise would filter out? It's too early to know for sure, but it's certainly possible. And there was a final reason that I managed to forget about this experience, and it's because, frankly, I doubted my own mental state. In the spring of 2007, I was coming out on the other end of what I sincerely hope will end up being the worst year of my life. My father had been diagnosed with a rare and aggressive form of cancer and passed away suddenly, leaving my family devastated. A few days after the funeral, my fiancé cheated on me and abruptly ended our relationship. And then, after months of licking my wounds, I went out on my first date as a single woman with a charming PhD candidate that my friends introduced me to, and he ended up drugging and raping me. I apologize for bringing down the room with all of that, but 
For the purposes of this conversation, I think it's actually really important to make clear the level of trauma that I was processing at the time. The thing about processing trauma and grief is that it can make you doubt yourself on the most fundamental level. For me, I think it was easier to believe that the tragedies that had befallen me were somehow my fault than it was to deal with what felt like the utter randomness of the universe and its seeming indifference to suffering. At least if it was my fault, then I had some level of control. And hypothetically, if I could fix the things that were wrong with me that caused these things to happen, then I could stop them from happening again. It doesn't make a lot of rational sense, but it's the kind of Faustian bargain that people deep in grief make all the time. But instead of saving yourself, you end up poisoning yourself with endless self-recriminations. And that's where I was on that spring day in 2007. Heartbroken, beaten down, and filled with a deep self-loathing. I didn't trust myself or my perceptions of reality, and I felt awash in a sea of cognitive dissonance. So when I saw something that I didn't think I could possibly have seen, it had never been easier to doubt myself. I just assumed I was wrong. And the reason I bring this up is because as I've spent more time diving into the experience or literature, it's clear that trauma, like psychedelics, might at times provide a window into experiences and perceptions that we wouldn't normally have. No one knows why this is exactly. Perhaps it's just that the psychologically destabilizing impact of these events allows things to get through your filters that normally wouldn't. Again, we don't know. But I wanted to share my story because I don't think it's unusual. I wasn't the only person in Dr. Pasolka's class who uncovered anomalous experiences in their past that had been redacted and pruned past the point of all recognition. But once you understand how this process of redaction works and the motives that underlie the personal misreporting of our own experiences, it becomes a very simple task to excavate those experiences and reintegrate them back into the fabric of your life. Which, to be clear, is not the same thing as finding answers. I still have no idea what I saw at the beach that night when I was 13, and I feel like I have even less of a sense of what I saw at the park when I was 21, and I may never know. But I am grateful for the fullness of life that is available on the other side of redaction. Instead of forcibly amputating the experiences that I can't explain, I'm able to make room for them. Allowing for mystery to exist and carving out a place in my psyche for the unknowable has brought a sense of depth, meaning, and awe back into my life that I thought I'd lost in childhood. And best of all, I'm no longer at war with myself or my memories. And in reestablishing that trust with myself, I have found a great deal of peace. Thank you so much for the opportunity to tell my story, and thank you for listening. Hello, Ryan. How are you doing? Um, this is Terry Natras. I'd just like to tell you about my experience way back in 1978. I was 28 years old then, I'm 72 now. And uh, it was Sunday the 25th of June, 1978. I was starting to pack my gear to go fishing. I was running a bit late to catch the turn of the tide at noon that day. The weather was fine, clear blue sky, not a cloud in sight. Uh, I'd been a keen photographer for many years and nearly always carried a camera with me at weekends. I placed my camera in the bag as usual, but I had second thoughts and I put it back in the cupboard. That was probably the biggest mistake I've ever made in my life. I was travelling north on the A189 from Cramlington 
to Linemouth Power Station where near the beach where I always used to fish there. And I spotted an unusual object just above the horizon to the left of the road. At first I thought it was an air balloon being sort of a zeppelin shape until I caught a better view of it uh, about a mile further down the road. Uh, I pulled up in a layby, got out of the car, studied the object for about a minute and I realised it was moving to the left, which was west, but very slowly. And it was just about five or ten degrees above the horizon. I then considered it may not be a balloon due, due to the strange coloured swirl of light it was emitting. And um, it was, I can only describe it as sort of a liquidy gas, which seemed to be covering this perfect symmetrical um, shape, sort of a cigar shape. I got back in the car and drove further up the road, about another three miles, until I came into view again. Um, I stopped, got out of the car again, which I noticed it was sort of diminishing in size, and I realised it was actually turning around, and I watched this object do a complete 180-degree turn, which took about 45 seconds. Then it started moving to the right, which is east, towards the sea. Um, when, it, when I viewed it end on, it was... Difficult to make out an exact shape, but it seemed to resemble the, the rear of a submarine. And as it was turning end on, the swirling coloured substance was covering the object, which seemed to indicate it had some, some sort of screen over its entire surface, but not, but still maintaining its perfect shape. I had now come to the conclusion that it, would, it wasn't a balloon, anything I'd seen before. I also rule out the possibility it could have been a gas cloud or sort of the fact that the movements were in a controlled manner, really. I decided to race up the motorway towards the power station and pulled up next to the gates where I usually park the car. This was another four to five miles on. The object was in and out of view on the way. But by the time I arrived at the power station, I must have turned around again and it was now heading west. It was obviously much closer to the object that I was much closer to the object bef than before, and it was huge. It was moving behind a pylon, so I had a, had, I had a, a scale of distance I could uh, determine how far away it was, and it must have been less than half a mile from me. I stood and watched the object for about five minutes as it slowly went out of view. The swelling substance was like a um, difficult to describe, but it was. Um, Nearest description, I would say, condensed light of blue, orange, and yellow mixed together in a swirly mass of energy. Um, it seemed to be covering this perfect cigar shape. There was no sound. Um, the whole sighting from start to finish was about 15 to 20 minutes. And there was no one, no one around but myself because it was a very quiet Sunday uh, lunchtime. And, and the fact that I had left my camera at home was frustrating to say the least couldn't do anything more other than watch it just uh, float away in the distance um, silently. So I decided to go down to the beach about 100 uh, yards away from where I parked the car and um, there was one solitary fisherman down there. I set the rod up and cast off and um, sort of tried to get him into my confidence by walking over and chatting with him and then I asked him had you seen anything in the sky and he says no no he says have you seen a UFO and I said well I think I have the guy told me his uh, brother-in-law 
worked at RAF Boomer, which is close by, and um, told them that there was a, there's been a few sightings of recent. Um, we're talking for about five, ten minutes. Then I looked up in the sky to see if there was anything uh, about. Nothing was about. But what I did notice was there was quite a few light aircraft circling the area. Uh, I would say quite dangerously, because uh, they shouldn't be that close to each other. And basically, it was, uh, you know, I was the only witness to this uh, incident. But uh, it's it's been haunting me ever since. And uh, I thought I'd better get it on record and tell a story. It was it was printed in um, UFO magazine uh, in 2002. Though I did say it was uh, Sunday, the 25th of July, but it wasn't. It was actually June. Bearing in mind it was 24. 25 years later uh, and I just uh, apparently I got that month wrong but I couldn't change it uh, for the article and that's it basically and thanks for listening cheers hey Ryan this is Mike Cleland and I have been wanting to share a story with you for your witness accounts program which I think is a really valuable show I think when you do the witness accounts I think it really provides a wonderful like almost a service to the UFO community to get this raw data, just people simply talking about their sightings firsthand. I think it's really important, and I'm, I'm grateful you're doing this. And it makes for a really engaging show. I really get excited when those shows come up on my podcast feed. Um, full disclosure here, I have been doing UFO research on my own. I've written a few books, and I have also been a guest on your show, Ryan. So I just want people to know that up front. I had a very strange sighting along with my partner at the time, my partner Andrea, who you have met. And telling this story, I think like 90% of it is going to be trying to describe how weird the thing we saw was. Now, I was with Andrea, and it was on Thursday, April 25th of 2019, and this would have been about 6.30 p.m. when we saw this. Andrea and I were driving from upstate New York to a very small UFO conference that was taking place just outside of Providence, Rhode Island, in a small suburb of Providence called Warwick. And we were on our way to stay with our friends Suzanne and Jack. And Suzanne and Jack are both experiencers too, as is Andrea. So Andrea and I both have had powerful experiences seemingly UFO contact experiences. So we're driving. The sun is still up, but it's getting to be sunset. It's getting to be just as twilight is arriving. And we're driving towards Providence from the north, so we're heading almost due south. I think it's roughly southeast on Highway 146. And this is kind of a twisty, turny road that goes from Massachusetts into Rhode Island. Now, Rhode Island's very small, so... This highway, there's not much of it in that very small state. So it's really only, you know, a dozen miles or so. Now, I was driving, and Andrea was sitting next to me, and it was an overcast day, and it was getting to be twilight. So the cloud cover was kind of gray on gray, and it wasn't very... It, was, it just had that indistinct kind of cloud cover. 
And this road is twisty-turny, so we're kind of turning one direction, and there's trees right and left of the road, so we don't have a wide view of the sky at all times. But we come around a corner, and we both say the same thing. She and I both saw it at the same time, and, and we both said, what is that? And it looked like, at first it, it caught our eye because, it, I mean, it could have been like, it was roughly the same color as the darkest shadow of a cloud, but a little bit darker. So there was an unusually dark form in the sky. And I remember saying, that's too dark to be some weird little cloud. And she agreed. Now, describing this is going to be tough because it did seem to, I will say, morph a little bit. My first thought was that it was like a partially inflated giant mylar balloon. It had this kind of thin, irregular quality to it. So it wasn't like a distinct metal craft in the sky it was kind of indistinct and honestly it didn't look like much more than a potato chip in its shape right sort of curved kind of lumpy and and it was rotating now it was rotating very smoothly and this was a little problematic i was driving i was trying to keep an eye on it andrea was trying to get a picture of it so she was fumbling with her camera she never got a picture of it Um, Though we did get some good pictures of the highway, and you can see the cloud cover very clearly. And this potato chip shape was kind of twisting. And, And Andrea was saying it's blinking out. And I was like, no, no, it's just twisting out of... It's just twisting to... We're seeing its thinnest edge. And we both talked about this in the moment. Now, so just... Just try to picture this. Imagine taking, like, a business card and holding it between your fingers, right? So you're looking at it head on, and you see a big rectangle, right? And then you turn it to the side, and when it's as thin as the piece of paper, right? So you're looking at the edge. If it was, let's say, a white business card on a white sunny day, and you are out on the beach, let's say, at a certain point, it would be technically invisible if you were looking right at its thinnest edge. And then it would essentially reappear if you kept on twisting it into into form again. That was the sense I got. It was like a potato chip shaped thing, very, very thin, that was rotating and it would it would skip out of view when we saw it along its thinnest edge. So this dark steel gray, whatever it was, would twist out and be out of phase. There's a very strange aspect to this too, which which Andrea and I both saw and both talked about. This thing was in the sky, low enough that it was below the cloud cover, yet high enough that it was it seemed pretty far away. It seemed like we were looking at something rather large that was a big distance away. And this is tough to say. If I drew this, which I, I did a little Photoshop recreation and I put it on my blog. In drawing this, right, so I have this little curved sort of potato chip piece of slate gray floating in the air, and then about three times the length of the potato chip above that stationary was a tiny singular dot. I am talking about barely perceptible, essentially like a period, a single little dot directly in line above this, and I... I don't know any other way to explain it. It looked like the sky was a giant Bolton board. And 
there was a pin in the bulletin board, and that's what we were seeing, like the little teeny push pin that all we could see was a little dot, and then this potato chip was hanging by a piece of fishing line, essentially an invisible piece of fishing line. So that was the illusion it created. A single push pin in the sky with a single thread of fishing line holding this twisting potato chip. Now, to make things stranger, we were approaching Providence, and that meant approaching the airport. And and we were seeing big commercial aircraft crossing the highway, like low across the highway. And so if this was some sort of like weather balloon or some sort of um, radio reflecting surface or something like that that was held aloft in a balloon form... The last place on Earth you would want to put this is directly, seemingly directly in the path of incoming flights that were going into the Providence Airport. So we were seeing this at the exact same time we were seeing airplane traffic crossing the highway, coming in for a landing. So as as we looked at this thing, we were on the highway, kind of driving twisty-turny, and, and we'd go around a corner and we'd lose sight of it. And then we'd come back around another corner, and there it would be again. And it went from a potato chip to a credit card. So instead of a credit card, which is a nice rectangle, it was a little more rounded and indistinct like a potato chip. But wow, was it a very strange thing. And and both of us were were absolutely perplexed. I, I, I feel strongly that if this had been some sort of mylar balloon, we would have we would have recognized it as a mylar balloon. But both of us were really surprised at the strangeness of this. Now, like if I had to guess the size of it, I would say that this thing was much larger than, let's say, a billboard on the side of a highway. I mean, it was much larger. I'm saying three or four, five times larger than a billboard on the highway. That's the only thing I can equate as being similar because it, it felt almost rather two-dimensional at times. So it had that kind of billboard flat quality to it. Okay, so now if anyone out there knows of some sort of, like, I don't know, some sort of mylar balloon reflective surface that, that would appear this way in the sky, please, please tell me. I'm, I'm totally open to this being something other than what it appeared to be, which was something very strange. And I will cautiously say something paranormal, but I, I, I simply have never heard a report like this before. I'd never seen anything like this before. And it, it confounded both of us in its strangeness. And when I did the blog post and did create the Photoshop images, and what I did is took the photos that Andrea had of the highway, so I have an accurate shot of the highway, and then I tried to create the, the shape in the sky with the little dot above it, and um, it was clearly done with Photoshop, and I clearly labeled the photos as being done in Photoshop. <laughs> it was funny. I put these on. I, I wrote up a short little report and put these images on Facebook, and uh, a lot of people chimed in without having done much more than give a cursory glance at the image and saying, "This is nothing but a Photoshop image." And yes, of course. I mean, it was like my drawing of what I saw. So yes, it was a Photoshop image. Thank you for letting me share this long and somewhat unresolved story. Love the show, and I am wishing you and Jane the greatest success in Scotland, the land of my ancestry. 
Bye now. My name is Angelo Ochetta. I served in the United States Navy from 2009 to 2013. I was stationed in Lemoore, California, and during my time in Lemoore, California, I witnessed multiple sightings of UFOs. I will start with uh, my sightings in chronological order. They were taking place from November 2011 through October 2012. My first sighting, November 15, 2011, at approximately 11.30 p.m., I was on my watch duty, walking back towards my post after walking around the listed buildings. I noticed an object in the sky too slow to be an F-18 Super Hornet, which I'm very familiar with these as I work on them due to my job. I then realized the shape wasn't as a jet, but it had a triangular look to it with lights glowing beneath it. The distance from my point of view to the sighting was at least 500 yards away, moving away from the airstrip, which was only a few miles down the road. To my knowledge, the shape of it, I'd say, was about 3,000 to 5,000 feet above, and the speed was incredible. The shape of it and the... the I can't know how to describe it. The, the color... Almost as a, as a as a as a metallic metallic kind of dark gray. I, I would I would assume from from what I, from what it looked like to me. Uh, my second sighting, December twenty fourth, two thousand eleven, at approximately twenty one hundred hours. Uh, walking back to my car from my barracks, uh, just about to get in my car, I look up to my right and notice the same flying object again. This time, much closer than it was before, uh, moving at the same speed. Uh, this time, I I was basically just mesmerized yet again uh, by it. As a, I got a clean look at it this time uh, With three lights underneath it With one glowing orange in the middle of it And then like I said Blinking of an eye just gone again uh, Third sighting February 3rd 2012 0200am On my watch duty again This time though I'm with my shipmate We were walking back towards Barrack D He was, uh, he was the only one who actually witnessed this object With, with me at this time And I was, I was very happy that I had someone with me To witness it uh, We were smoking cigarettes Looking up and he noticed it And I and I, I explained to him right away This is what I tried to describe to him <laughs> And uh, we were both stunned, mesmerized by it again I know he didn't like talk about it much after that After what, what happened But um, it's so it, It's crazy because The way the way that it, it's it's described And just the, just the speed of it I mean, incredible speed Okay, it's incredible speed and I, and I know there are other prototypes out there, you know, United States aircraft, you know, prototypes that probably have this, I guess, same shape as aircrafts, but it, it just the speed is, is, is what gets me. Uh, my fourth sighting, June, June 11, 2012 at 23, uh, 2330, basically 11.30 a.m., uh, p.m., driving on my base from work. Uh, it's a long seven-mile stretch road. Uh, as I'm driving ahead, I noticed to my left, it was there, it was, it was there again, but this, this time, this time, what got me was that at this time they're usually flight flight um, practice flight missions going on at this time, and the skies were empty and it's just this one flying object yet again in the sky by itself. So it's it was it was crazy again to see at this time again, uh, very this time very far away from me, but I could tell it wasn't an F eighteen you know aircraft again. It was it was this triangular uh, aircraft. And then the last sighting was in October twelfth, two thousand twelve, um, at approximately one a.m. Uh, this time I was on my duty again. Wasn't too far away from my barracks And this time it, it didn't take too long I literally just noticed it and, and in the blink of an eye It was just gone again But This aircraft around my around my naval base I mean 
with, the, with this many signings, it, it was hard to believe that I'm the only one who always witnessed this, you know, and I didn't, I tried mentioning to one of my superiors above, and I know he just brushed it off as like, oh yeah, were you drinking on duty or something like that? So I already knew that I didn't want to be labeled a crackpot or, or a psycho on, on the base uh, just for opening my mouth about this stuff. I mean, you know, people believe what they want to believe, but, you know, these eyes saw what they saw, and uh, I'm going to believe it through, and whoever has other theories about it, I listen to all of them with an open mind, and uh, I appreciate you guys for listening to me, and uh, thank you very much. Hey, Ryan. Thank you for inviting me to be on Somewhere in the Skies. My name is Shelly Bienza, and I am an author, a self-publisher, a writer, a... I don't like the word psychic, but I do do readings. I'm pretty much a little bit into everything, quite a bit of things under my belt. But more currently, I have begun about two or three years ago running a paranormal group in New York State. We cover all of New York State and try to help residential or commercial businesses or homeowners to understand what's going on in their home when they have ghostly activities or other activities that they don't understand. I really think that with our team, it's important for us to educate people on what we do and educate them on what's really just going on is is often not what they really think, but through our investigations, we're able to generally calm people's nerves down. So that's a good thing to be able to help people. I had an experience in the beginning of January this year where my friend was looking out my living room window and something caught his eye. And when he looked out, he saw two red globes floating over the treetops. And he watched it. And these things, they hovered. He said it really was no higher than what looked like treetop level. And of course, I didn't see that myself. And he stepped out of the room and I was wondering what that could be. I'm also um, a weather storm chaser on the side. So I was sitting in the living room myself and looking straight out of my window in the living room because all of a sudden this huge, and I do mean huge, I can't even think of a word that's big enough to describe what I was seeing was this huge red super bright thing. (laughs) I don't know what to call it. This, I don't know what to call it. It's like you see this brightness. It filled my entire living room window. It was completely bright red, like the brightest LED light or tail light you could imagine on a car. Is that it was that bright and it filled the entire view out my window and it was like I saw it and I knew it wasn't normal but at the same time I couldn't really register logically what I was seeing it just really blew my mind to be honest and it was gone in a split second it was that quick but it was that huge and being that it followed my friend seeing these red globes I was like Oh my God, what did I just see? What was that? How could that happen? What are they looking for? Was it actually something that's looking into my home? You just don't know. 
So I went online thinking maybe it was some kind of freaky weather anomaly. And I was going on our local news channel weather reports to see if anybody else had reported such a thing. And they did. This thing, or things, these two red globes, glowing red globes, were seen in different parts of New York State on the same night. And then I reached out to one of the ladies that commented on that thread on the weather page on Facebook because she said that her eight-year-old son came to her and said, Mommy, what are those red balls in the sky? And, of course, she looked and she saw that they were hovering in the sky, not very high up, but there. And I don't know what she ended up telling her son, but I did reach out to her after the fact and emailed her privately and asked her a little bit more about it. And she said she just didn't know what to tell her child. But to me, if the child was eight years old and there was a little boy and somebody that young doesn't just make that up out of the blue. I think it was very legitimate. And it proved to be legitimate anyways. There were other people in uh, nearby cities. I mean, like, I'm in Fulton County and these were people from Albany County, New York all on the same night so I really knew something happened and it really got my adrenaline going it was crazy I I have no explanation for it at all but that wasn't the first time I've seen something I saw something when I was a kid that looked like white circular globes that were like rotating back and forth my mother saw it my sister saw it and Again, I always thought it was a weather thing, but there was never any weather anomalies going on. So it's just very strange, but it's also very exciting and it definitely gets my adrenaline going. I don't even know how to wrap my head around it. I did publish a book called Paranormal Presence, which has some of the UFO stories in it, which was sold on Amazon under Shelley Brienza. I have some other books on there that talk about some other strange things. And the book, that particular book, Paranormal Presence, is five different authors in it with different experiences. So that was pretty cool. But UFOs definitely are something that I believe in. And I often wonder if the theory of calling them in telepathically is something that is real because I'm always looking up in the sky wondering just in case I might see something because you never know I don't feel like I'm telepathically calling anything in however I really believe that there is another um, entire I don't know universe or intelligence out there way beyond us just probably checking us out I mean if it was the other way around and we knew that there was some kind of life force out there outside of Earth, I think we would want to take a look at it and check it out too. So it's pretty cool. I want to thank you for having me on your podcast. And I look forward to hearing more stories about something in the sky or somewhere in the sky as this is a worldwide phenomenon going on. But being as it's documented so many times repeatedly, 
I really feel that there's something to this. If the government is admitting now that this is real, I think that's a pretty good indication that something really is in the skies. Thanks, Ryan. We'll talk to you soon. Hi, Ryan, and all the listeners of Somewhere in the Skies. Fantastic podcast I have listened to myself for many years. My name's Andy, Andy McGrillan, and I'm also the host of That UFO Podcast, and pleased to say I'm a, a friend and colleague of Ryan's now as well. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction, and free shipping, and that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. Um, I want to share my own story with you. I've meaning to do with Ryan for some time. Um, I've had two sightings. One, 2019, I saw a black triangle, um, which is probably the least interesting of the one, coming home uh, along a dark road in Northumberland in the UK. Um, It was a dark road, but it was really busy with traffic around 6pm in the evening, so everyone coming home from work and uh, noticed two lights kind of low down in the sky, maybe a couple of hundred feet off the ground at most. It is quite near an airport, so I just thought it's just a a plane coming in, but it was an odd path given the the runways were further over. Um, But noticed as I drove towards it, they hadn't moved. When you tend to you know, as you get closer, they get closer or move, or you see them flashing and, and stuff like that, but it wasn't doing anything. And then I noticed that a, a van, a white van, had pulled over to the side of the road, and the, the gentleman driving the van was leaning out and looking up. And as I drove underneath the lights, at this point realising that they weren't seeming to be moving, um, you could clearly make out against the black winter sky uh, a black triangular shape. Um, the two lights, strangely, were just at the back of the object, and there was nothing on the front. And I can honestly say, going under it, I expected to see the outline of an aircraft or the other lights at the tail or the front, but there was nothing, just the two lights on the tip, and this thing was completely still. Uh, I managed to turn the car around, um, and as I did, looking in my rearview mirror, after a couple of seconds, the, the object moved over some trees diagonally, just a, a really strange kind of movement. But, you know, again, you could just make out the, the shape of it. 
as I turned the car around and went back along the road, the, the clearing opens up to a, an expanse of fields where you would have a clear view of the sky. Um, and given this thing was only a couple of hundred feet at most off the ground, you would have been able to see it. Um, and I couldn't. It was it was gone. Um, so if those lights had turned off, maybe you wouldn't have saw it against the dark sky. But the thing was that low down, I would have expected to. Um, that that was my, my second and probably least interesting. However, my, my first one, which I find far more interesting, would be the one that happened in the mid-90s and I can't be too exact with details it would have been winter um, late October, November time in the mid-90s I would have been about 9 or 10 years old and there was 5 of us leaving what would be the the boys brigade which is a bit like the scouts but uh, based here in the UK and there was uh, myself, my mum, my sister, a friend of mine and his mum all leaving the church where the, the BB as it was called, the boys brigade was on uh, again winter's night, really cold, dark However, this object wasn't high up in the sky. As we walked along this road, you could see down to the right-hand side of the street, you know, half a mile at most, a very built-up suburban area, lots of houses, shops, lights, traffic. It was that kind of area, not fields, you know, really, really busy. This is in Glasgow, Scotland. And as I looked down the street, um, behind the tree line, you couldn't see the bottom of the object. It was that low. Imagine a Ferris wheel you would see at a carnival like a big wheel, as we call them in the UK, or a Ferris wheel, but slightly tilted at an angle, like the Leaning Tower of Pisa, but spinning round ridiculously quick, like a, a washing machine, machine cylinder. And I could just make out these lights. I can't say it was definitely disc-shaped, but just given the angle it was at and the fact it was spinning, it seemed that kind of circular disc-type type, type uh, pattern. And we all saw it. We looked along, saw this object, no other cars had stopped, you know, nothing like that. We all remember seeing it. And after kind of standing for no more than a few seconds observing, we just walked home away from its view and that was it. Honestly, it was the most spectacular thing clearly I've ever seen. Um, the people I witnessed it still remember it to this day. My my own mum, my own mother, who uh, knows I've got the that UFO podcast and an, an interest in the UFO subject, has no interest in UFOs, aliens, any of that kind of stuff. However, uh, if you ask her even to this day, she remembers it. She remembers it being strange, but has no idea what it was. That's it. She'll just say, you know, oh, well, it's not aliens, not UFO, not, not a UFO, which it clearly was a UFO, but you know what I mean listening to this. Um, so yeah. That, that really, as much as I had an interest in UFOs, mysteries, and the world over at that point already as a young kid, that kind of spurned me on with a lifelong passion and interest, similar to many of you listening to this podcast with Ryan, and similar to Ryan with the great work he does over the years through his podcast and, and TV work as well. So, yeah, I'm glad I could finally share my story. Just sorry it's been so long. Thank you to Ryan for all the help he's given me over the last couple of years with that UFO podcast as well. And I just wish all of you happy holidays, wherever you listen to this. Maybe it's in the future and, you know, it's no longer the holiday period. But when I recorded it, it was. So thanks very much, everyone. And thank you, Ryan. Keep up the good work. Hey, Ryan. My name is Josh, and I would like to share an experience that I had. The experience was on Saturday, July 11th, 2020, here in Las Vegas. I'm a Vegas resident. And it happened on East Russell Road near the Sam Boyd Football Stadium. I was walking down Russell Road at about maybe 7.45, 8 o'clock p.m. And as I was walking, I just 
happened to look up, as I always do, searching for things. And as soon as I popped my head up, I noticed a cylinder in the sky. If I had to estimate, it would probably be at about maybe five, 6,000 feet. I could be wrong. But it was a cylinder with the front portion of it being black and the, the second portion of it being gray, more of a gunmetal color. And it was flying straight up at a good clip, and then it stopped, made a right turn, and probably flew another, I would say maybe two, three hundred feet, and it stopped again, and then it either disappeared or it shot off instantaneously because it was gone. There was a cloud of smoke and the object was gone. So that just blew my mind. It lasted probably less than five seconds and it left me with a feeling of disbelief, of extreme curiosity, and of, uh, of, of wonder just to what it was. It didn't seem like a conventional craft. It didn't seem like a man-made craft, but it could be. It could be something else too. So that was the beginning. And I kept walking down Russell Road and I got to the end and this by this time it was about 8.11, maybe quarter after 8 p.m. and it was still light out. And I noticed above the stadium, this bright pink object that was shaped like a square, maybe a rectangle, but it was not aerodynamic. And it shot straight up in the air from behind the stadium to about maybe a thousand, two thousand feet. And it started making enormous vertical circles and horizontal circles in the sky. It was going really fast. And I don't know how it was flying. It didn't have wings. It didn't, from my perspective, didn't have any means of propulsion. And it looked like a square, like a, a block of some sort. And it just kept making these circles. I watched it and recorded it for about maybe two or three minutes. And then as I was recording it, I look off behind the stadium near what I believe is Sunrise Mountain. And I noticed a bunch of sirens and lights coming towards the stadium. So I wasn't sure what that was and what was going on, but I stopped recording and kind of made my way out of there. I wasn't sure what was going to happen, if it's something I should see or something I shouldn't have seen. So I didn't want to be any part of it. And I just ended up going home. Uh, actually, I went to a friend's house. As far as the way it made me feel, again, it was just utter disbelief. Checking my head to see if I really saw that. Um, what I think it was, I, I honestly don't know. I don't know what either of the objects were. My best guess is something top secret man-made or something not of this world. Where do I stand today? I stand by my feelings. I still don't know what it was. And, you know, we could have come so far in our progress with aerospace technology that it could be something man-made, but it could certainly be something else as well. And uh, it was just a really exciting day for me. Um, I've had another sighting, a pretty cool one since then, which I would be happy to share again at another time. Uh, it was investigated by MUFON recently, and the results were pretty cool. It was on September 14th at 4.55 a.m. here in Las Vegas. This would be West Russell Road this time, as I was walking west to the gym to get an early morning workout. And I noticed a bright light in the sky that was situated 
roughly right above Nellis Air Force Base. And the thing that stood out to me was that it was not moving, or at least it did not appear to be moving. It certainly wasn't moving left or right, and it wasn't growing in size or shrinking, so I didn't think it was moving towards me or away from me. And I watched it for about seven to ten minutes, and it just sat there, pulsing. It appeared to be an orange sphere. Uh, I guess we could call it an orb. Very large. And it was just sitting there, hanging in the air, above the Air Force Base, for about seven to ten minutes. And I kept watching it. I recorded it. And at the end of the time frame, it went from a pulsing orb to two very small blinking lights in an instant. It just transformed. And then it started very slowly moving away to the west. And it just glided off over the horizon very slowly. And I watched it the entire time. But it remained stationary for about 7 to 10 minutes. And I couldn't hear a sound from it, although it was far away. So it could have been making a sound. But I didn't hear anything directly coming from it. And the interesting thing is, the very next two days... I had the exact same sighting of the exact same object, just in slightly different locations with the exact same characteristics. What do I think it was? Um, It could be something man-made, perhaps some type of helicopter or hover jet that was able to silently remain stationary for an extended period of time. It could certainly be something else too. And I sent this sighting into MUFON in the video and they recently had an investigator contact me and he was able to use radar data uh, flight scheduling flight data and his conclusion was that it was an airplane and that it was flying towards me that's why it did not appear to be moving Um, I'm not sure if I agree with that because the size of the, the light did not change at all but I don't have a very well um, extended knowledge of, of flight characteristics, so I could be wrong. But the cool thing was, even though it was a plane, the investigator told me that the only plane that was in the air at that time, at that location, going that direction, was a Janet flight going to Air, Area 51 from McCarran. So even if it was an alien, it was still something cool. And I just wanted to share that. I wish you a good day. Thank you, my friend. Bye-bye. The Somewhere in the Skies podcast is free to listen to every week. But if you would like to help support the show, we have a very active Patreon page where you give what you think the show is worth. In return, you'll get early access to the main show, bonus episodes, and priority to ask our guests your listener questions. Your support truly makes the show continue and grow. So, to learn more and to join, visit patreon.com slash somewhere skies. Hey Ryan, it's Kyle from Oregon. Just wanted to share the story. Uh, This happened to me in fourth grade. Uh, I'm 33 now, so this was quite some time ago. Uh, At the time, we lived out of town, so my mom would drive both me and my older brother up to school. And he was in the middle school, I was in elementary school. His classes generally started quite a bit earlier than mine, 
So we would drop him off at the middle school and take a short trip down the road to the elementary school where me and my mom would kind of sit in the car. She'd read me, you know, the Animorph books, which were amazing for about 30 to 40 minutes before, you know, school started. Well, on this particular day, uh, I had realized that nobody was there and I could have literally the entire playground to myself. So I, you know, asked my mom, I was like, hey, I'd like to have some time to play before school starts. And she she said yes after some coaxing. And so I went into the playground, she left. And the way the school is set up is you go in through like a gate on the playground and there's a big concrete pad with, you know, tether balls, four square, hopscotch, whatever. And the school is shaped like a U. So in the middle of this U is a giant, well, not a giant, but a, a decent sized grass courtyard. And uh, the school's, you know, a single level building, but it had like a false peak that had skylights in it. So it was a little bit taller. And uh, while I was playing for a bit, I don't know exactly how long, but I noticed this big rectangle object passing over the school. And I mean, it was right over it. Like it was barely gonna clear the building. It was low enough that fourth grade me could have tossed a, a rock up and hit it. And I remember just being super transfixed on this thing. I had no idea what it was. I had no I had no guesses in my little brain of what this could be. But I still remember the details on the back of it. I didn't see it from the side, uh, not at least not to my recollection, but I remember seeing the back and this thing was pretty big. It was it was as big if not just a little bit bigger than the school was. And I remember just staring at this thing. Uh, until it cleared the building and I couldn't see it anymore. And being the little genius that I was, I thought, hey, I'm gonna get on the swing set and swing and see if I can see where this thing went. So I got on the swing set and just started pumping my little legs as hard as I could to see if I could see where this thing went, where it was going, or even if it was still there. And uh, I wasn't able to get another another look at it, unfortunately, after it, after it cleared the building and was out of sight. But uh, everybody that I've told this story to, uh, particularly my older brother, uh, recently actually, like a couple of months ago, I was telling him this story because I, I remember telling him the day it happened and uh, he kind of dismissed it because he was a jerk. And I was telling him the story because he was asking me like, what, why am I so interested in the subject? Like, and I told him and he, he gave me the whole spiel of, you know, that was so long ago, you could be misremembering. And, you know, human human memories are f super fickle. Like, I'll, I'll give him that. But important, big, big moments in your life, you tend to remember very vividly. And I remember this so incredibly vividly. Like, I'm never going to forget it. It's never going to, it's never going to dull. It's it is always going to be there crystal clear. But, yeah, that's my story, man. Uh, I hope you like it. Have a good one. I appreciate your time. Hello, greetings. My name is Daniel Rogan. I'm going to tell you about the three UFOs I saw in 1999 in the daytime. Uh, I was with friends and family at the time. We were playing cards, um, just listening to the radio, having fun. When I, I noticed there was a bright flash of light in the living room, um, one of the one of my friends. Now passed away. Went outside. Um, was was like carrying on playing cards, um, and came back and told me he, he could see a UFO. 
and I didn't believe him, but he looked at me again and said, you could see a UFO, and he looks very serious. So I decided to go and see what he was talking about. And then when I walked out onto the uh, balcony, which was a, a long balcony, it was uh, houses above, uh, built above shops. I went out onto the balcony and I looked into the sky and I saw three objects uh, circling each other and I realised that they were not normal things I'd see flying through the sky and I realised that yeah, they were UFOs so I shouted and uh, it was like they heard me uh, they stopped suddenly and then I started waving and waving my arms and shouting and they started uh, from where they were which is quite a distance it's only a couple of miles away started to uh, come closer towards us I'd got everybody like all the rest of the friends and family out onto the balcony and they, was, they could all see it and they could all was, you know, baffled what, what they were seeing and uh, as I got closer, obviously I could see details. The, uh, one of the objects was like an orb. It was. It seemed to be like uh, whizzing round the... And I could see a diamond-shaped object. And when I say diamond, it was like... Also like a diamond, like it had like crystal diamond effect. Uh, it was like a glass reflective... Yeah, crystal also like kind of metallic perfect perfect shape four sided diamond with a piece missing off the middle piece um, yeah reflected the light it was absolutely amazing no sound anyway the uh, smaller smaller object that was seemed to be uh, whizzing round this uh, diamond shaped object shot off uh, such speed it was like it hit the atmosphere and uh, you know caused like a, a comet effect through the air shot off was left I didn't see that didn't see that small object again but what was left was uh, two objects then which was the diamond object and an object that was two black triangles with like a bar or a piece that was attached to both triangles and it was completely and utterly black even in the sunlight didn't reflect no kind of light it, it stayed in the same kind of position as it was moving through the air totally silent completely black I looked at it I couldn't quite grasp the shape in my head the, the, how thick it was or you know the dimensions of it it, it it was baffling unlike the diamond which was like a solid four sided you know kind of wasn't saucer shaped but it was this four sided diamond shape and it, I got a couple of views of it 
as it got closer and uh, it, yes uh, it ended up quite close to us less than a hundred feet and it was they were both like moving through the air coming closer get a bit further away coming closer again and it was like as I was like waving I was going you know I, I was waving and shouting and uh, calling them over and really excited and you know kind of scared as well and I realised you know this is this you know it was fantastic what was going on I didn't quite understand at the time it was just happening I just didn't I just thought it would be a good idea to see if they would respond and they did and it, as they got closer like the, the way they moved they acted it was like animated it was like uh, the diamond was kind of reacting to me like oh there you are like oh I didn't see you there like in its movements it was like intelligent I don't know if that was some kind of uh, telepathic communication you know not 100% sure on stuff like that but that's the feeling I got off it like um, um, the thoughts that were in my head it was like uh, the black thing was completely baffling and the, the diamond was really animated I think half of yeah it left it kind of, the kind of went off and I thought oh that must be it that must be going you know because I, I had read um, stories of uh, UFO you know encounters in the past and you know how they acted and stuff and it's usually you see something in, and, and then it's gone so that that's what I, I was kind of expecting all the time that it'd be there for a bit and then, and then it, it'd be gone but you know this was like 20 minutes it, it, uh, this had been going on there and then I think it kind of uh, yeah I think they kind of wandered off somewhere um, so I went into the house I think I was just trying to process it you know um, and then one of my friends came who, who's died came running back into the house panicking telling me to uh, Dan, Dan you've got to come back outside and so I went outside and they were back and then there were some uh, local kids uh, that had been playing uh, below the balcony they were, they were on the street kind of thing beyond the shops and the dormant object was like less than 50 feet above the heads descending towards them and they were jumping up and down underneath it like all excited like happy like they were playing and uh and there was a dog there that was barking up at it and I panicked and at the time you know I thought oh, they're going to be abducted you know this was like no years I'd been watching X-Files you know I'd, you know, I'd read books on UFOs and all that time I was you know I wanted to be a writer I want to be a writer so I, I, I was kind of into it so that, that, that's why I couldn't I think I can retain the memory where others 
the kind of forgotten it and um, you know I'm not a psychiatrist but um, it's either something you know telling us to forget about it or our brain is telling us to forget about it I'm not too sure about that either anyway yeah it just started to descend towards the children it's all panicked thinking they were going to be abducted but I'm not, you know, I'm not 100% sure on that either. It just felt like that to me at the time. But it was like, like I say, the dom was like a playful, I felt this playful, not menacing thing from it, really. The black thing, like I say, was just a silent, baffling object. <laughs> I didn't really get anything much from that. Just the, the baffling shape of it. And its movement, you know, it, it kind of just kind of followed the diamond-shaped object around. Anyway, so I shouted again. I shouted to them, like, no, it was me, like I'd called them over in the first place. So I shout, I just was panicking at the time. And then the diamond object stopped what he was doing, kind of thing. And then they both came really close to the balcony towards us. And like everybody kind of backed off away from me, who was there, my friends and family. And the diamond object, I can't, I can't remember at this point where the black triangle objects were. I can't, in my memory, I can't see them. But in my memory, the diamond then came over me, above me, and I could see underneath it but it was all different to what I could see on the face. And it was like a dull, kind of glassy, silver, metal colour with the underneath of it. Couldn't see through it, or it was not like a crystal effect on it. Still kind of a rainbowy hue to be, I suppose. Hey, hue, sorry. Um, and it started to come down towards me then. And I thought, oh yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm all getting kidnapped now. But I kind of stood there and I was all calm. And then uh, the friend who has now passed away slapped me on the shoulder and said, what, what are you doing? And I, I went, I don't, I, don't know. <laughs> I don't know what I'm doing. And I, I looked, we looked up again and uh, it started to rise back up. And then that's when they did leave. They both then drifted away then. I ran into the house and I looked through the front window, which was on the front of the house then. And I could see him like travelling off then into the distance. And then it was the, uh, yeah, everybody, everybody dealing with it, I suppose. I mean, I tried to, I phoned Coventry Airport for some reason, you know. I was pretty scared, I thought something was going to happen to us because I thought somebody must know what was going on. You know, it was like in the middle of the day, we're in a city. But where 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 I could see from, it was where they where they were was quite secluded from the road. So, but I did like so I found I found a witness uh, later on who was living local who'd seen it. I think flying over the house, one of the objects or or, or both. Um, 
the, the local children. Are, I just tried to let people get on with their lives. Didn't want to keep. I had to bring it up, obviously, every now and again. <laughs> but I just let the other people get on with their lives. Yeah, let them forget about it. Or do whatever they, <clears throat> whatever they wanted. It was up to them. It was their decision. They wanted to remember it. Remember being there, but we're not remembering details or completely forgetting. <coughs> that was uh, that was up to them. That was up to them. So, but I did uh, uh one of the, the, the there was one uh, that I think there was a couple of lads that were there, the children, and I did uh, bump into one about ten years later, and I uh oh. I saw him, I thought, oh, let's do this. So I, I asked him, I said, did, did you remember seeing that UFO in 1999? And he kind of looked at me shocked and he, he said to me, I thought that was a dream. And I said, no, no, mate, it, it really happened. <laughs> I said it was amazing. And you know, I was kind of blown away myself by his answer. And uh, I haven't seen any of those... Uh, those kids really since. Um, I'm still in contact with obviously with some of my, my family that were there. And, you know, they remembered it's some details and they've forgotten others. Uh, and like I say, one has died, one has passed away. But yeah, they were they were amazing and they were there for like, it was nearly an hour, I think, in the end. And they were they were just silent, flying, hovering, zipping about, stopping. One Loxai shot off at tremendous speed. They were amazing. They were mo mo absolutely mind blowing. I'm not sure if I, you know, Loxai was in, uh, into the the phenomenon for, uh, before this. So what? I had an. Um, an inkling of what was going on but so yeah that's how I've been able to like, kind of retain the memory completely um, other people no, that was just normal people wasn't interested in reading UFOs I suppose so <sighs> you know the brain the mind heals or, or deals with things in different ways and you know like I say I'm not a psychiatrist or I'm not sure on that. It, it could be a, a a device that they're using for people to forget. On you know, I'm not I'm not an expert on that, but it is interesting that because you know I, I felt like a calming feeling. You know, I thought that you know I heard these words like when they, they got close to me, like look within you. But I don't know if it's my imagination. But I could hear those words, and like I say, the way the moved, it was like they was giving me suggestions, like saying, like, oh, uh, there you are, and we didn't realise you were there. You know, maybe that was like sarcasm, some kind of humour, I don't know. If that's just me, you know, making that up after the events. But that's what it felt like at the time. That's my memories. At that time, so there were a few, you know, there were a few people there at the time. Uh, 
It was amazing, amazing sight. The way they moved, it was, it was amazing. It was like they were <sighs> defying gravity and moving with with intelligence. Uh, you know that came across strongly at the time. So yeah, thanks a lot, mate. <sighs> Hi Ryan, hi everyone at Somewhere in the Skies. This is Dan from that UFO podcast. Dan Zetterstrom, that is. Or Zetterstrom, depending on where you're listening from. So this sighting took place on the 8th of June, 2021, at 2.47 in the morning. This was in Barry in South Wales. The compass heading that the object first appeared from was 147 degrees, and the weather at the time was 10 degrees Celsius, and it was completely clear skies. The layout of the property... Uh, it was a small bungalow with a garden, so I could see this huge swath of sky. It wasn't blocked by anything. To cover one of those swaths of sky, it took a a plane, which this happened after the, the I saw the UFO. It took a plane about 10 minutes <laughs> to fly over. Um... And you'll see why that's relevant as I go forward. And just to front this by saying that after this experience, I checked satellite trackers, I checked plane trackers, I checked everything. And even though I kind of knew from the movement that we didn't make things that moved that way, I still thought that it was important to to check these things. So I was sat outside looking up at a clear sky and I asked for something to happen. And about five seconds later, this enormous owl flies over. And if you've read anything, you know, esoteric, you, you know that the owls are usually a sign of high strangeness. In this case, I wouldn't have thought anything of it if what is about to happen didn't happen. This owl was so big that I, I jumped. So I asked uh, for something bigger, like of a bigger event. A moment later, five of the same kind of sized owls flew over the top of me in a, in a V formation. It was wild. So a few moments later, I look upwards, I take a deep breath, and I give gratitude to the universe and say thank you. And at that moment, I saw a, a star move in right near where I was looking. It wasn't moving in any crazy way. It was just kind of steadily sauntering through the sky from north to south. So I watched it. It got to the highest point above me, and it stopped. And it stopped for long enough that it got my attention. Up until that moment, as I said, I thought it was the satellite. So as it stopped, and I registered that it had just been hanging at the same point in the, in the night sky for a while, I asked it for something impressive. And at that point, I kind of, I did a double take, because the movement that it started making just wasn't movement that anything, any craft that we make makes if you imagine a leaf falling on the wind swooshing side to side and getting ever lower that's what this thing was moving like from the highest point in the sky 
it drifted downwards like a leaf on the wind to the horizon. And just as it was about to disappear over the roof of the house, the object shot from south to north and covered the space that it took the commercial plane, you know, a good chunk of time to cover, in about three seconds, and it was gone. This was simply just not ours, or at least something that doesn't use propulsion or move in the same way as as we are used to seeing. The left-right swing in motion was just wild to witness. So as I'm sat, kind of slack-jawed, mind-blown about what just happened, I once again give gratitude to the universe and say thank you and do a little meditation. And then as I open my eyes, four more owls fly over me. (laughs) Same size again. And there's just no other word to describe the experience other than majestic. It was a really, a really impressive experience and a really life-changing experience because the way the object moved, like I say, it just wasn't wasn't anything like anything I've seen humans make ever, ever. Not even secret technology, not even the wildest things that they can come up with, you know, a, a human technology we like we like to get places fast in a straight line. We don't tend to uh, we don't tend to make things that can fall like a leaf on the wind. That is one of many experiences that took me from a believer to a a Noah, and not Noah like Noah's Ark. I mean, like Noah like K N O W E R. This thing was anomalous. This thing was extremely likely to not be ours. I wish I had footage of it. It was this sighting that made me go, you know what, when I have a house, I'm I'm totally gonna set up this, you know, a system on the roof to kind of just track these things. It's one of many experiences and I hope I can share the rest with you in the future. But thank you for listening and thank you for giving me an opportunity to share. Hi Ryan, my name is Ashley. I just wanted to share a story that is somewhat relevant to everything that's going on in North America this past two weeks. Um, So this happened on Veterans Day in 2018 in Kenosha, Wisconsin. Um, I was out to breakfast with my two daughters and we were, and I'm going to be really specific just because I can. We were in a restaurant called Mike's Chicken and Donuts that is no longer there. It sat at the corner of 56th Street and 7th Avenue, right by Lake Michigan, on the shore, basically. Um, And my daughters and I were seated at a window that was facing 56th Street. And so we're sitting there, and we look out the window. Everything's totally normal. And I look up, and I see a silver ball that is just going overhead from the southwest traveling in a ballistic trajectory to the northeast so it you know it's heading diagonal and as i'm looking up i notice that there is another one that i can only presume is about maybe 10 miles uh north of it flying completely parallel to it Um, 
I watched this thing. My daughter, I, you know, I pointed out to my daughter who was eight or nine at the time. And I asked her, like, oh, my gosh, do you see this? What is that? And, you know, we acknowledge it. We look at it. And because of it going in a ballistic, straight line trajectory, not making any zigzags or anything, I didn't really think that it was, you know, a big deal or anything. But, it, you know, it was definitely odd. Um, but we watched it the whole time until it disappeared into, you know, too, as far away, too far away for me to see. Um, but they were both completely spherical silver balls. There was absolutely no marking of any kind that I could see. There was no differentiation in color. They were completely silver. And, you know, I know that I can't tell how high or low they were, but they were low enough for me to be able to tell that they were spheres. If I had to guess, I would say that they were within probably about 16,000 feet. Um, and I'm only able to make that guess because where Kenosha, Wisconsin sits is right between Chicago and Milwaukee. And planes fly. The landing path is through Kenosha for Milwaukee. And the takeoff path from O'Hare Airport goes straight north, obviously, if they're heading north. So I see low planes very frequently, and I know, um, you know, that they can't obviously be too high, and they're certainly not at, um, you know, cruising altitude of 32,000 feet. So anyway, um, I'm watching this, and, you know, they're heading out over the lake, and I, you know, I watch it, I notice that there's the second one, and I would say that they were probably between 5 and 10, like, ground miles apart in the sky. And I only assume that because, you know, you can see farther in the sky, but they were still close enough to where I could tell, you know, what was going on. They were both silver balls that had no identifying marks on them. They made no sound whatsoever. There was, you know, when the planes are low in Kenosha, you can hear them over your, over a building if you're inside. But yeah, I... I don't know. I don't know what it was. I don't. I never really said anything to anybody about it because it just didn't seem like it was um, super special or anything like that. You know, I just saw two balls in the sky, but um, I believe that it was not satellites because of the position of the sun. I saw this at about 11 o'clock in the morning on Veterans Day, and you know, Kenosha, Wisconsin, it faces the lake which the sun rises in the east, and so the sun would have been almost directly overhead at this point. And, you know, if you... There have been times that I've, like, laid out um, on my back deck at the time, which also faced east, that when the sun sets, you can... If you're looking straight up, if the sky is clear, you can identify a satellite. Like You'll actually be able to see the sort of cross shape of like, you know, the working area of the satellite versus the solar array on either side of it. And you'll, you can see it reflecting the sunlight from the setting sun at certain times. So it wasn't, whatever these spheres were, they were not high in the sky. Um, they weren't the typical satellites that you see. And this was in 2018. And I don't believe that Starlo Starlink had been launched yet. And even still, I don't really 
understand. I mean, I don't know anything about this type of stuff, but there were two of them. They were identical. They were flying at the same rate of speed, completely parallel to one another. There were no identifying markers, and, you know, I, I saw it with my own eyes. Um, I never looked to see if anybody had also reported this on, like, MUFON or anything like that, so I suppose I should go and check that out, but with everything going on, I just wanted to share this with someone who may have heard it before. Um, maybe I saw whatever surveillance things are being taken down now. I, I have no idea, but I can say they were bigger than a car, that's for sure. Um, thanks for listening. Email me back. Let me know what you think. If anything, it's just what happened, what I observed. Thanks, and I hope you're enjoying Scotland. Bye. Hey, Ryan. Thank you for allowing me the opportunity to share my experiences with you. It's an honor and a pleasure to do so. My name is Tom Thompson. Some people may recognize me from my YouTube channel, Cortex Zero, Podcast Zero, and my activity in the online UFO community, specifically on Twitter. I'm a guitarist slash musician, content creator, an artist, and I own a small digital design company. I've been researching the phenomenon for most of my life, which, based on my age, would make that over 25 years of personally investigating the more inexplicable side of life. This is my personal story of the UFO sighting that I had as a child, which significantly intensified my interest in not only the phenomenon, but all the other subjects that are typically connected to it even further. Growing up, I already had an immense interest in things of this nature, but this is what really dumped gasoline on that fire. So when I was nine years old, I was in the Boy Scouts, and I was on my very first camping trip ever. On this particular evening, I was in the process of earning my fire badge, so when everyone called it a night, two of us would tend to the campfire and make sure it was out. One of the adults would then check the fire just to be on the safe side, and we would receive our badges. It had been a pretty interesting night, considering we had a campground right next to us that was occupied by a group of Wiccans. I'm not sure what they were out there for, but at the time it felt like some kind of celebration. The chanting and singing coming from their camp was really beautiful and carried on into the early morning hours. After tending the fire and earning our badges, one of my friends and I decided to stay up a bit later, excited over the fact that we technically had no designated bedtime that we had to abide by strictly. I had exited my tent which was occupied by myself and three of my friends. We sat down on the logs around the campfire just chit-chatting while I poked the remains of the now extinguished fire with a stick. I remember how clear the night was. That really sticks out in my mind amongst some other details. The camp was situated in this nice clearing in the woods surrounded by a tree line that broke apart to reveal a circular section of the sky. This was in the middle of Lebanon State Forest, now known as Brendan T. Byrne State Forest in southern New Jersey. This was a very clear, very bright spring evening into early morning, cloudless with the stars prominently displayed above us. My friend and I were just carrying on a regular conversation, and I can still remember the smell of the woods distinctly. The air was very still, aside from the occasional light breeze here and there, and even that was hardly noticeable. We were sitting there for maybe a half hour or so, and out of nowhere there was just this whoosh, this pushing of air all around us that happened, and it didn't feel like a natural breeze. It almost had the quality of a car driving past you at a high speed. 
you can just tell the difference between that and the wind. As I took notice to this, I felt the hairs on my body stand up. It was this remarkably weird, static electrical sensation as if I was sitting next to a giant latex rubber balloon. Just a few seconds after I began to feel that weird static electricity, I couldn't help but notice that the usual noises of the outdoors were now non-existent. It didn't make any sense that all the various wildlife around us would simultaneously fall silent like that. It was ominous, but that's when it happened. Something caught my attention in my peripheral vision to my upper right in the sky. It started protruding from that section of the sky. It slowly moved further into view until the entire object was visible. It was massive, and I mean that. Just enormous, especially for anything that would be flying through the sky. The moon was exceptionally bright on this night, so there was no misidentifying the object, and it obscured the stars behind it. This craft, whatever it was, was triangular with this deep, beautiful, yet featureless matte black texture. Each corner of the triangle came to a sort of rounded point not quite sharp. There weren't any discernible rivets or lines of any kind. It wasn't moving very fast. It was comparable to a ship out on calm seas. I just cannot stress the immense size of this object enough. It filled a significant portion of the chunk of sky that was available to us over the clearing we were in. It couldn't have been more than a few hundred feet over the top of the trees. My friend and I didn't say a word, and we didn't make a single move, not initially. I remember being so mesmerized by the triangle that it was almost as if my brain was on autopilot. The craft came to a very slow stop in the direct center of the clearing overhead, and on each corner of this craft, three lights in succession, starting from the very front of the object, moving to the left and then the right, just flickered on in a strange fade-in sort of fashion. It was kind of like a smartphone when you hit your power button and the screen fades out, but in reverse. I will never forget the quality of the lights. They were gorgeous for some reason. They were white lights, but they all had a sort of haze around them that reminded me of a customized set of aftermarket headlights on a car, but much more striking. It was like an aqua blue fluorescent haze. It was just one of the most beautiful things I think I've ever seen. This is when I finally said, oh my god, what is that? Look at that. Look at that. Are you seeing that? Am I imagining this? You know, I just wanted to be sure. I needed that verbal confirmation from my friend. He was badly freaked out and all he could say was i see it i see it like i remember him just stuttering like someone who had been out in the cold for too long and he was physically more frightened than i was he was trembling and he actually stood up and was sort of pacing in a small space back and forth while keeping his gaze on this gigantic black triangle the craft began to move again and as it did we felt that unnatural electromagnetic sensation escalate as it made its way across the sky again as it disappeared over the trees, the hairs on my body ceased to stand on end, accompanied by yet another unnatural whoosh of air, and maybe four to five seconds after we could no longer see the triangle, the noises one would expect to hear out in the woods at night returned to their natural state. Now, you would expect kids of our age to wake everyone up screaming and shouting about what had happened, but we just didn't. That sticks out when I recall this event. We went back to the tent, and I don't think we slept very much, but we just didn't talk about it the rest of the night. 
Considering I already knew so much about the phenomenon even at such a young age, the stigma associated with the subject prevented me from sharing this story with almost anyone for several years. As I've gotten older though, I have shared it on several occasions, including in one of my earliest YouTube videos, though I didn't go into the kind of detail there as I did here. At 33, I have lived with this experience as one of the driving factors in me researching the phenomenon and related subjects. This happened to me, and there's no changing that fact. It changed everything. I went from a believer to an experiencer. The difference is massive. I still get chills when I sit and picture that triangular ship gliding through the sky. I'm left with really only two potentialities as far as what it was. Black military or aerospace tech of the highest order, or non-human intelligence. The technology required to get that thing off the ground, let alone maneuver it through the air, didn't exist, at least publicly, in 1998, nor does it exist now in 2023. There have been moments of mostly internalized frustration associated with sharing my experience, mostly stemming from relaying it to the closed-minded among us. I get it though, I do. Still, I can't help but wish they could have seen what I did and felt everything that I felt that early morning. This experience altered the trajectory of my entire existence. I am not insane. I have never been diagnosed with any significant or debilitating mental illness. I'm just a guy looking for answers to the most profound questions we have asked as a species. This is why I'm active in the community, why I talk about these subjects on my YouTube channel and podcast, and why I am relentless in this search. I live with the knowledge that something is happening, and it's a double-edged sword like almost nothing else. This one is much more recent. On November 26th, 2022, an event occurred that caught me completely off guard. Even though this is not the first time this type of thing has taken place in my life, it takes nothing away from the sheer awe I found myself in as I laid eyes on something I could not explain floating in the sky above me. At approximately 2.17pm Eastern Standard Time, I was driving my work truck, heading east in the direction of my job to return from doing field visits. Ironically, only 10 minutes prior to this, I had been recording a vlog video on the phenomenon. As I approached the intersection where I would be taking a left turn, there was a sharp, bright glimmer that caught my eye above me through the windshield. I looked upward, and there it was. In the sky above my truck was this cone, just sitting in place, yet it was rotating. Not very fast, but just turning in a circular motion. The top portion of the cone came to a sharp point, and with the sun to its right, it glistened almost like metal, but it had a very glassy, translucent appearance. The blue sky was clear of any real cloud cover, so I had the object in full direct view. Honestly, it was a beautiful thing to lay eyes on. My sense of time began to waver, not to mention the fact that I had to keep my eyes on the road. The sighting lasted for what I estimate to be the slowest three seconds I've ever experienced. And then it vanished. But not in a split second flash or anything like that. It was as if the object took the sky behind it and wrapped it around itself like a sheet and faded behind it. At this point, my phone was now in my hand, with my camera on and ready. It had transpired too quickly for me to even have a chance of capturing anything, but just in case the object decided to show itself one more time, I pulled over into the parking lot directly to my right and began to record. I waited for about 10 minutes or so, but to no avail. I was stunned. 
It really took me by surprise, ironically appearing just after I had recorded a video talking about the phenomenon. It was as if I was being teased by whatever the intelligence was behind this event. After I stopped the recording, I got back into my truck. I began recording a different clip, one where I made note of my location, the time, date, and the quick details of what I had seen. Not too long after this, I returned to my job and I filed a report with the National UFO Reporting Center. I provided as detailed a description as possible. It really kills me that the object, whatever it was, vanished before I even had the slightest chance to capture it on video or in the least a photo. Regardless, I was grateful to have seen such a beautiful and mysterious sight. The rest of the week was pretty odd for me too. I'm not sure if these events are related, but I still wanted to make note of anything out of the ordinary because this is how the phenomenon seems to operate based on what I know of it. For the next week, every single night, my dreams were dramatically lucid just out of nowhere. On the 28th, two days after the sighting, the way my day began was extremely unusual. Following yet another lucid dream for some reason, when I got up out of bed, and I've never had this type of feeling to such an extraordinary degree, I was questioning whether or not I was still asleep. It was really odd. I've had that kind of thing last for maybe a few seconds in bed before getting up plenty of times prior, but this stopped me in my tracks and lasted 15 minutes or so. Again, I don't really know if there's any direct correlation between my sighting and this unusual sleep pattern and subsequent incident of my mind questioning my surroundings, but I feel it was more than worth noting. That's not all, though. On three separate occasions over that next week, I experienced what I can only describe as precognition. I am not claiming to be some kind of mystic here, and I have my own personal opinions on such phenomenon, but this really couldn't be ignored. And during meditation, I had been experiencing very strange presences around me. Very similar to the feeling that you'll get when someone enters the room you're in, you haven't even laid eyes on them yet. In the months following the sighting, it feels like my life has entered a beautiful new chapter. So many wonderful things have begun to happen, and I can't help but feel as though that cone in the sky may have been a sign of the great things that have now come to fruition. There is no way for me to know whether or not that's true, but all I know is that we know very little at all. Thanks again, Ryan. It was my honor and pleasure to share my stories with you and everyone else that will end up reading them or hearing them. Take care, my friend. Hi there, Ryan. I just want to thank you very much for giving me the chance to share my story on your podcast and uh, with all your listeners. It's an absolute pleasure and uh, yeah, going to get straight into it, so... My name is uh, Rob Scott and uh, I'm from the west coast of Ireland from a small village called Ahagower on just outside of a town called Westport. I guess from a very young age I was always fascinated by uh, UFOs or aerial phenomenons as they're called now and also the paranormal. So yeah, I guess the story starts in the summer of 2022 uh, I moved to Vancouver in the summer of 2019 so I was there a couple of years before uh, this event took place before that I had never witnessed anything supernatural in the skies before but always 
had the hope one day that uh, I would get the chance to uh, to witness something. I guess it started my first uh, my first account of it would have been at the back of my house on on my deck. Uh, I was playing guitar with my girlfriend up on the deck and having a few beers. So I always used to go up there, chill out, and just uh, look up at the sky at the at at the night time. The skies were always super clear during the summer in Vancouver. You could you could see everything up there. Um, and that night, it was it was super quiet. It was about 10 p.m. Super quiet. You could hear a pin drop, and so I was just relaxing, leaning back in my chair. Uh, against the deck and had my eyes fixated on the skies and I witnessed a triangular object fly above me with three lights underneath uh, one on each corner three white lights quite faint but visible to the eye uh, nonetheless flying at quite some speed it it must have been a couple of hundred uh, hundred miles an hour um, completely silent as it flew above me it was no more than 1000 feet um, so as soon as I seen this I was I was absolutely shocked I shouted at my girlfriend and uh, of course she didn't see it even though I told her to to keep her eyes on the sky in case anything ever does fly by so I have uh, I have a witness there to back me up but anyways, uh, she didn't see it. It was just myself. And so I shouted at her straight away, did you see it? Did you see it? And uh, she said, no, no, what are you talking about? So I just said, I just seen this. I seen this thing fly by, like, super low. And um, I was absolutely, I was I was shocked at what I'd seen. I, cu- I couldn't believe it. So at first I was like, okay, surely this, this has to be a plane. Um, it was flying from north to south, and so at first I thought it was a plane. So I checked my uh, my flight radar on my phone to see if there were any uh, any aircrafts in the area flying from north to south. And lo and behold, there was zero aircrafts in the area. And um, I was like, okay, that's that's quite odd. I guess it it has to be something else. So yeah, this thing that I seen it was. Flying super low, 1,000 feet, no more, uh, high rate of speed, and it had a wingspan of at least, I'm guessing maybe 40 to 60 feet, shaped like a triangle, with uh, one light on each corner. So I guess after the uh, after I witnessed it, I was uh, I was trying to disprove myself to to see if it. Uh, if it was an airplane, but obviously not because I checked the uh, the flight radar, and uh, that was a no go as there was nothing flying in the area at that time from north to south. So it, uh, my second thought was then it was a, a UFO, something which I had uh, I'd never witnessed before, especially that close. You know, it was only it was no more than a thousand feet above me, and. Um, yeah, so I was I was pretty shocked when I seen it, but I always believed that uh, that these aircraft were out there. But I also thought it could have been uh, military as well, because I know I know the U.S. military has stealth aircraft 
that um, that looks similar to the uh, the aircraft that I seen. But I know that stealth aircraft have uh, are quite noisy when they're flying low. But this one had it was it was completely silent as it flew across at at a high rate of speed above me. So yeah, I guess I guess that's that's really that's really about it like you know I, I i try i kept trying to say to myself like you know it was an aircraft it was an aircraft but there was nothing in the area so it uh it had to have been uh, a, U- a ufo so i guess today i i look back on it and think you know what a crazy experience but also i'm very grateful that i got to witness it because i'd never never witnessed um something like that before so yeah that's uh that's that's really it uh, that's my the height of my uh ufo story yeah so i just wanna i wanna thank you very much for for letting me share my story on your podcast and uh best of luck in the future thank you ryan hello ryan my name is uh ben I live in southeastern Pennsylvania. The area around here is uh, very rural, uh, mostly farming country. A lot of the Amish community uh, resides in the area. Uh, My family has been farmers for many generations. I actually live right across the road from our farm, um, but grew up on this farm, was born, born and raised here. So um, I actually do antique restoration and, and farm for, for over 20 years. I've been self-employed, building furniture and restoring, restoring antiques. Uh, my shops are on this, on our 120-acre farm here. Yeah, I'd like to tell you a few of unexplainable experiences that uh, occurred to me. Um, the first one happened uh, about 12 years ago. I was... Um, alone outside uh, raking leaves in my front yard and across from my place oh maybe like a hundred yards right across the road is the the farm and the fields and there's a driveway a long a long driveway that goes in between the fields and the driveway is uh it's lined with uh these huge white pine trees uh my grandfather actually had them planted years and years and years ago so I just happened to look up and see this dark shadow uh, come across the, the left field. It was maybe 100 feet off the ground, if that. Uh, and, it, and it stopped over top of the last um, white pine tree at the end of the driveway. And when I looked at it, it was, it was a huge black triangle. Maybe each side was... 30, 40 feet of the triangle. Um, it made no noise whatsoever. I could see the, the angle from it because it was kind of up from me. I could see the bottom of it and at each point it was illuminated. Like, I want to say a round light, but it it wasn't like a spotlight. Oh, and it was, it was probably maybe four or five o'clock, so it was still light out. I had a really clear view of this thing. Um, but it was, I don't it was like an orb, but it was part of the ship underneath. Um, I was awestruck. I just stopped what I'm doing, stopped what I was doing and, uh, 
looked out across and was just blown away by what this was. At first, I'm thinking maybe some, uh, you, you know, Air Force craft or something, but it, it made no noise whatsoever. Uh, and it just, I was immediately just was like, I think this is a UFO. Um, so I just stopped and stared at it. It hovered above this pine tree, not too far above it, uh, for, it felt like forever, but it was probably 20, 30 seconds maybe. And then it just slowly moved across my field of vision to the right, no noise, same height, same altitude off the ground, pretty, pretty low, right, right there, man. And, uh, then all of a sudden it was gone. It literally appeared to disappear in front of my, my eyes. I, I don't know. That's the only way I can explain it. It was, it was there and gone. Um, just so cool. What, what an experience. Uh, and I went inside and my wife was in there with the kids, they were little at the time. And, you know, I told her and she was kind of like, wow, that's so cool. But, you know, that was it. So, but to me, it, it changed me. I've always been interested in UFOs and outer space and just stargazing and hiking across the fields at night and just looking for stuff, just, just out of curiosity. But, you know, always felt like there was more to just this earth and, and humans. Um, so, uh, and, and sure enough, I got to witness something. So I thought it was special and, and it just made me want to delve into the topic more and see what was out there. And, and boy, I realized that there's a lot of this that goes on, um, especially now at this time with, with what the military has released. Um, you know, I, I believe they know, and they're either not telling us or they probably don't know everything either. So my other experience I wanted to share, which actually happened a couple months ago, I think it was probably the end of summer. Me and my son were in my wood shop working and all of a sudden we hear this really loud noise. Um, it could almost feel it. Uh, it's like literally shaking the windows in, in the shop. Um, you know, like the vinyl windows uh, that people have. Uh, anyway, so we go outside to see what this is, and we look across the fields, and sure enough, there is this fighter jet, what looked like, you know, an Air Force fighter jet, coming across the fields pretty low, so low, and I'm guessing that's why it was so loud, uh, came across the fields, and we were like, just, what's going on here? Why is this thing flying so low? Because it was so loud, and sure enough, there was a, a gray, silver, round ball. I don't know. Compared to the jet, it was maybe it was six, eight feet in diameter. A um, couple hundred yards, maybe more in front of this jet. And so this, this ball comes across our field of vision, across the field, and this fighter jet is following. It clearly was evident this thing was following this ball and me and my son were just started running across sprinting across the field just trying to keep up with it so it was in our sight and we're yelling at each other like it's chasing this this gray ball this is incredible what what's going on and then strangely enough the fighter jet does this odd maneuver 
Uh, to me, it was odd, but I'm sure it's common with these guys. But he kind of hung hard left, still slowed way down, hung hard left, and, and kind of went up and to the side. And three or four flares shot out of this fighter jet. Uh, really bright flares. By this time, the jet was kind of like over top of the neighbor's field, which isn't that far away. Uh, so these flares were let go over top of this field, but he's still real low. And sure enough, he then he resumes his, his flight path. And, and by this time, this gray ball has become a dot in our vision, but it's still just rolling, I mean, across the sky. And so this jet now, this gray ball had a pretty good lead on it, but the jet just took off what looked like right after, you know, after this gray ball. So that was really cool. Um, at one point, it pretty much everything just kind of disappeared. It got far away from us, and we could still hear it, the jet. Um, didn't hear anything as far as the ball. The jet, if it was making noise, the jet was clearly overpowering it because um, how, of how loud it was. But, yeah, the ball just kind of disappeared. One thing that struck me, though, is when... Before we lost sight of this gray ball, it, it, it almost changed color. Now, I don't know if it was <clears throat> some atmospheric thing or it was, there was no, no clouds in the sky, or if they were, they were way up. Um, but it went real like a light gray, almost white, and then back to the dark gray. It appeared to almost to change colors. Um, so, and me and my son... We did actually, we, you know, just have some iPhones and we took them out. At one point we stopped running. We're out of breath. We're like, let's try and videotape this. So we put the video on and, uh, you know, we're trying that we couldn't get much on. Everything was happening so fast and, you know, far distances with those cameras. They just, at least on our phones, they, they weren't very well. Uh, you couldn't see very well with them or record much. Um, but we do, I think, my son, he did catch some of the jet, um, the fighter jet on there. And, and mine, I maybe caught a little bit, but it was mostly just, you could just hear the jet on there. And of course, our um, excited state, we were, we were really like blown away by this, blown away. I try and remain skeptical on all this stuff. I try and really view it that way. Uh, I'm not real quick to just believe everything. You know, I really... You know, I know there's plenty of stuff out there. People, people will try and get, get you to believe anything. But I do believe, you know, a certain percentage of what we are seeing and hearing and uh, through, through uh, you know, on the Internet or from people, eyewitness accounts and stuff, I, I actually believe there's definitely truth within it. Um, I also believe the government knows a lot more than we do and... I feel like they're probably scared to tell us the truth. There's, it's just hard to believe that there's that we're, we would be the only ones in this vast universe, and it's uh, uh, fascinating to think about for me. Um, and I feel, uh, I think, uh, I feel really, uh, it's real special that I've been able to witness some of this stuff. You know, unexplainable. Hey, I'm not saying that it's you know that black triangle is full of aliens. I, I don't know what it was. Um, I. A part of me wants to think that it was um, for something like that, but uh, you know, until we physically see this stuff and they land in in the field and come out and say hi, uh, then you know it's hard to just say that's exactly what this is. But uh, I'd like to think that it's something you know from from an, another 
area in the universe or um, who knows. Uh, I, I find it odd that they're that they are just showing themselves. It's like they want to prime us for something or they're just like planting a seed like to get us thinking along the lines of of uh, you know, there's something else out there. We're just kind of giving you a little bit. Here here we are, but you know, and make you, you know, process this. There's something definitely is going on. And uh, it makes me fortunate to be able to share my my little bit, my little stu- my few little stories of, of what I've seen. Uh, there's so many of them. Um, I think I think it's important. Um, what you're doing, Ryan, is is great to get make people aware of what's going on because there's so many people that I can't really tell this to. I've tried, and they just are, you know, they're just nine to five. They're doing their thing, and 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 they don't have time to think outside the box. I've always just been a person who've, who has questioned everything. So I, I kind of just keep this stuff more to myself. A few of my friends, close friends and family, you know, I've told, but uh, a lot of them are just like, well, that's neat, you know, and, and they don't have much to offer towards it. But, you know, it's kind of like until you see it, it's hard to it's hard to grasp. I get it. But anyway, yeah, that's 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 my story. Thanks for having me and uh, I'm glad I could share it. Hi, Ryan. Thank you for giving me the opportunity to share the story of my encounter with a black triangle with your audience. My name is Patrick. I'm 35 years old. I'm from Dresden in Germany, and I'm a customs police officer. The encounter happened on July 25th, 2013, so almost 10 years ago, in southwest Germany. Uh, it happened right at the French border, literally right at the French uh, border, and it was approximately 10.30 p.m. when my ex and I went outside uh, to have a cigarette. We had a house with a pool, and um, yeah, we were... S- standing and sitting by the pool and we were talking like always and suddenly I noticed three oddly bright stars in the corner of my eye hovering above where France would have been there was also a nuclear power plant so about that in that area I don't know if that has anything to do with it um, just think it's uh, noteworthy uh, as I said, I looked over my shoulder and in that moment when I looked up at those stars, they quickly descended, like super fast, like on a straight line. Boom, there was. Completely unexpected. A pitch black triangular craft, a structured craft, hovering completely silent without making a noise, about 30 feet above our heads. It was kind of looking at us, uh, I would describe it, the Belly first, uh, the lights were looking at us, pointed towards us. Each side of the triangle was approximately 30 feet long. Um, so 10 meters, that's the measurement I use. Uh, I'd say 30 feet, maybe a little more than 30 feet, but really close. The lights in each corner were extremely bright, but they were not blinding. I don't know how to describe it. It's really hard to put it in words. Uh, If I had to describe them somehow, I would call them pure lights. I've never seen anything like that before. We were absolutely gobsmacked. Like, you know, deer caught in the headlights. Or if you would uh, encounter a bear in the wilderness, you turn around and there's a bear. You you know, you freeze. 
we felt absolutely paralyzed as if we were like hypnotized or controlled. I'm not saying we were, but that's just how it felt. Just frozen and staring in disbelief. Everything was or seemed silent in that moment. Everything has fallen silent. Before you could hear frogs and crickets because, you know, we had that pool and was out in the village and, um, yeah, everything just was silent. It was just that triangle existing in that moment. Um, yeah, it was if, as if time had stopped. Oddly enough, neither one of us can tell if it lasted five seconds, 30 seconds, three minutes that the triangle was there. As I said, time seemed to have stopped. Um, yeah, and then before it took off, it started to move super fast, like from the left upwards to the right. It was kind of zigzagging like a ping pong ball or I don't know how else to describe it. It was totally surreal. Like this shouldn't be happening, but I don't think I thought anything in that moment. I did not understand what was happening. And yeah, then it shot off towards space in an instant. It was so freaking fast. It left trails of light behind like in that Star Wars or Star Trek scene when they hit warp speed. I don't know. I wasn't much of a Star Trek fan, but um, yeah, that, that's the best I can describe it. It left these trails of light behind. And during all of this, it didn't make the slightest noise. It left like it was a bullet shot out of a gun. But no noise, nothing. We immediately turned our heads towards each other, towards each other and... Um, yeah, we had to confirm that we really just saw what we saw. And we both saw what we saw. A black triangle. I've never heard of a black triangle before in my life. I, I was interested in, in UFOs uh, whenever they came up on TV. But that was about it. Um, yeah, we looked up again. Then we looked at each other again. And we didn't have to say a word. And both ran into the house because in that moment, like reality kicked in the flight instinct and fear kicked in um i remember being very scared in that instant because i did not know what happened however uh, my curiosity though um quickly took over again and i went outside um looking up but the craft never returned like i thought i could make out three stars because you know before it looked also like stars but just brighter um that were a triangle but nah nothing so it never returned. That was it. Um, that's um, what happened. I didn't choose to have that sighting, but yeah, it happened. It was a blessing because I feel lucky you know, for, to know for a fact that the phenomenon is real. But um, it was a curse because many people just don't believe you, naturally. Some choose ridicule, which was really hard because I know what happened and, and they, they just would laugh it off. But yeah, I mostly got over that. Um, what's worse is that this incident has created a ton of questions. So many questions. More than I had before, but uh, it hasn't provided many answers. The only answer I got is that the phenomenon is real, and nobody can take that from me. I will not say or claim that what we saw was alien or ET, because I have simply no way of knowing that. Or confirming that but what i know is that the craft was 100% real 100% yeah, needless to say that um that night has changed my life forever 
funnily enough, not right away as much as one would think. So I had a lot of things going on. Um, we went um, on vacation, on a quick vacation the next day, because the next week I was transferred to a new city where I live now. And yeah, I just generally had so much going on that we didn't even talk much about it. Um, then after a few weeks and months, we would bring that topic up every once in a while, but um, it didn't um, have that much of an impact in my life uh, as it has now. And it probably started with a New York Times article. Um, but yeah, as I said before, the questions that I have in my head and I have no answers. I mean, I used to be pretty atheist, a hardcore atheist, I would uh, have called myself. I made fun of religion in my younger years. So in that sense, I definitely deserve the ridicule I got from other people. But um, yeah, it didn't turn me, didn't make me religious. Um, it just, I'm very open-minded now, let's put it that way. Um, since that night, I know that all I know is that I know nothing. Except for that, that triangle was real, it was there, it was unambiguous. That's the definition of unambiguous. And, um, yeah, as I said, um, since that New York Times article came out, that's when it really kicked in for me. And it's now a daily part of my life. Um, I made my story public um, on, on Reddit after having um, found also new friends. Uh, you know, I lost friends, but I've also found new friends on Twitter. I connected with people who have had similar uh, experiences. So, I'm, as I said, I'm very grateful for that. But I want to end this with, um, yeah, saying that all I know is that I know nothing. Absolutely nothing, except for that the phenomena is real. And I, I hope that one day we will have something like disclosure that everybody will accept the reality, whatever that even is or means. And yeah, I can just um, suggest everyone to keep looking up in the sky because there is something somewhere in the skies. Thanks for having me, Ryan. Since 2017, the Somewhere in the Skies podcast has been a place for people in all walks of life to tell their personal UFO stories. How have these sightings and encounters changed those who experience them? From Beyond the Fray Publishing comes Ryan Sprague's brand new book, Stories from Somewhere in the Skies. This compendium brings to life some of the most powerful UFO stories ever submitted to Somewhere in the Skies podcast. It takes us on a fascinating journey through life-altering experiences from those who stared into the skies and had something extraordinary stare back. Stories from Somewhere in the Skies, now available in paperback and ebook on Amazon. Order today from the link in the show notes or visit Amazon and search for Stories from Somewhere in the Skies. You've reached the Somewhere in the Skies podcast. Please leave your message at the beep. I, I freaking love the show. The UFO subject kind of dropped off my radar for a little bit, and Somewhere in the Skies has definitely rekindled my my fascination and love for the subject. So thank you again for that. And I will be listening as long as you're making a show. Hey, man, thanks for thanks for taking the time and hearing me out. I really appreciate it. You have a good one, all right? 
Hey Ryan, this is Jazz. Um, you and the listeners may already know me because well, I've been on your show and from UFO Twitter and whatnot. And I had promised you I would call in and uh, do one of the uh, witness account stories from my own experiences. So this is it. I should start by saying I'm well into my 60s now. And I've always been interested in the topic of UFOs, but mostly like from a science fiction thing or just, you know, speculation. I never saw anything for more than 60 years except for, you know, every once in a while, maybe some weird lights in the sky, but who knows what those are. And that was until November of 2020 when everything changed. Um, it was... Uh, pretty late in the evening for me anyway it was, it was like nine o'clock it was well after dark and I had gone out on my front porch and I just happened to I wasn't looking for anything in particular I just happened to look to the east because my house faces east and above the ridge to the east of our house I saw a thing it wasn't a, a dot of light or a satellite I mean it was a it was around it was round like a like a globe or a orb or whatever you want to call it and depending how far away it is it had to have been fairly good size I guess but it was up there above the ridge and it had all these different lights I mean it, it wasn't like regular FAA lights on on a plane or a helicopter or anything um, lots of different colors and they and they seem to keep shifting um, I immediately yelled for my wife. She came out and, and looked at it, and she was pretty amazed, but also had no clue what it might be. Um, and after I called her out, I ran across the street to get away from the streetlights, and I started filming it, because it was moving, it, but it was moving really slowly. It was going, like, from left to right. That would be north to south, um, but back and forth slowly, and it, and it would go up and down, and it just kept doing that. I filmed that thing for more than five minutes. It's on, it's on my YouTube channel. Uh, but really, that's that's the whole account. It never came close. It never did anything dramatic. It didn't explain, you know, exhibit any burst of speed or or anything like that. It was just sort of going back and forth. And I, I eventually gave up and I went inside and went to bed. Um, so that was that and it was nothing really definitive it was barely a week later that the second one happened I was out on the back deck behind my house and my wife was walking the dog on the side street next to us and I suddenly saw her looking up and she was pointing and she was taking out her camera and so I looked up and I should say this was again it was pretty late about the same time of night and it was, but it was a dark night. It had been raining on and off, and it was mostly overcast. And going right over our neighborhood, part of it right over our house, there was a black triangle. Um, that's the term everybody uses and is familiar with. And it it was big. I don't know how big, because I don't know how high up it was, but there were rain clouds and they get down pretty low and it was lower than that so it wasn't super high up um it didn't have this 
typical lights that you see like in a lot of the artwork or in the UFO documentaries and stuff it, it didn't have the um, like the three a light at each corner or a bright light in the center what it did have was a whole bunch of these little tiny sparkly lights of different colors and they seemed to shift and they moved in relation to each other like they weren't really attached to whatever it was and it, it was just kind of mystifying and I was just awestruck just kind of watching because it's just this huge thing like I, I like I said I, I, I got the impression depending on how high up it was that it it should have been like the size of a football field I mean it was big and it didn't make any noise and it just was going over and it just kept going and much like the last one it never did anything extraordinary it, it didn't suddenly speed away or should it just kept going and it was an overcast night until it just faded out of sight and I was checking local news and you know for a few days see if anybody had else had seen this or reported it and nobody had but uh if 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 you hadn't have been out there on a somewhat rainy night and staring up at the clouds you wouldn't have seen it so i guess that kind of makes sense so that was the second one and there was two within one week and then we didn't see anything until uh late spring of the next year in 2021 and it was the middle of the afternoon, I was out of my back deck, and by that time I was following your advice, and I was always, whenever I had time, like looking up at the sky. And then something came by <laughs> that I'd never seen before, and it came from the east heading west, or no, from the west heading east, from my left to my right, not too far away from our house. And it was, for lack of a better term, what everybody calls today, a tic-tac. There's just no other way to put it. Um, it was much longer than it was around. It was white. I guesstimated it was probably like the size of a bus. It might have been like 40, 50 feet, but again, it depends how high it was. It's hard to say. No sound. And it took me a moment to realize that that's what I was looking at, that it wasn't a plane or something. And I reached for my phone and realized it wasn't in my pocket. It was charging inside. And I just went crashing into my house. I went crashing through the house and yelling for my wife, get out front, get your phone. And I went and yanked mine off the charger and went out front. And my wife got out in front of me. And when I got out there, there was nothing there. And she said she saw something white, but just for a second. And then she lost it. So we weren't sure what happened but um, I had gotten a good look at it while it was moving. It was not really going that fast. And again, totally quiet and everything. And that was the end of that encounter. That was the first of three that were all the same type of vehicle or the same one. Maybe I live on an inner space hyperpass or something. Uh, the next one came during the summer. Uh, it was again in broad daylight. It was in the morning, uh, late morning. And it was pretty much a repeat. It was another white tic-tac thing. No windows, no tail, no wings. No, it was just, I mean, it could have been a huge, long, skinny propane cylinder or something, you know, for, for whatever that, that's worth. But this time I had my phone with me. And once I realized once again what it was, I 
brought up my camera and started filming, trying to. And this time it came by and it got just about even with my house. And at that point it stopped. And I, to my memory and what little there is on the video, because the camera refused to focus on the damn thing. It was trying to focus on everything else, like the phone lines and whatnot. Um, it was going and then it just wasn't going and it was just hanging there. And again, no sound or anything, pretty much the same as the last one, but it stopped and it started to turn. It started to rotate a little bit. So one end the nose or the tail, whichever it might be, was pointing a little more towards me instead of being like parallel. And it was there just for a second or two and it vanished. And, and when I say it vanished, I told you this before, I don't mean it didn't fly away, it didn't land, it didn't crash. Um, it was just there, and then if you look at the video, and a friend of mine who's a videographer did some enhancements on it and uh, color corrections to make, make things pop out a little more. It was there, and then on the next frame it just wasn't there anymore. It, it just disappeared. So there was that one, and then um, later that year, and I didn't get that one on film and it happened faster uh it was again a repeat this one was in the afternoon again and another one of them came by but it just kept on going and so it didn't do anything as spectacular although that's my memory's not good for that one and I, and I wish I'd gotten it on film it feels like it flew away but it was there and then I couldn't see it anymore but so I'm not sure what that one did. The, so the second of the two was really the most spectacular one for me. And there's been nothing since then. We haven't seen anything else that might qualify as a craft. Um, I know you like people to talk about how it made them feel and whatnot. Um, that's kind of hard to say. Uh, the, the first one, the glowing orb thing above the ridge, I really only just felt confused. I think, and I was questioning myself immediately thereafter, like, well, maybe could it have been a helicopter with some really not legal FAA lighting for some bizarre light show? I, I still don't know to this day. Maybe. Uh, I think the triangle is the one that really changed everything for both me and my wife, uh, because that was, I just, just nothing that explains that. And, and it was shocking. I, I felt a sense of, I don't recall feeling anything like being frightened but I it was more just being amazed and the the tic tacs were a totally different thing particularly the the second one that, that disappeared I I felt in some ways again kind of just awestruck like my view of the world had changed something that should have been fictional or hypothetical or something that happened to other people and then it's right there in broad daylight in front of your eyes um i like unlike some people i i never considered it like a religious experience it just made me more confident that we don't know everything that's going on if if what that particularly the tic tacs if what those things can do if that if that's human tech then I'm going to be really annoyed at who hasn't shared that tech with the rest of the world because I don't see any other explanation for that except any gravity. And if somebody's figured that out and not told us, they got some explaining to do, as I've said to many people.
Um, it, it's left me more open to other things. I I think the experiences made me more ready to listen to other people, whereas in the past I would have been like, really? Um, okay, maybe, but, you know, it's, I guess, and confusion's another word that I would use. Um, I, I remain confused about it. As far as whether or not I have any theories of what it is, I, I already started to run down that. Um, I think the first one, it's it's possible that might have been something like a helicopter with something really weird. The other ones, no. Um, I, I've never seen a being or anything like that, just things that show up in the sky. Um, I tend to think, to this day still, the most likely explanation is that it's something non-human. I, I hope we, in a way, we don't have that tech and, and it's being hidden from us. But if something is coming from, I don't know, another solar system or some people say time travelers, I guess, you know, or interdimensional, which I don't really understand multidimensional stuff. I guess that's all possible and I'm not smart enough to figure that out. But it's real and I experienced it five times and it's really changed things for both me and my wife you know we we look at the world in a different way we talk thing about things more seriously that we might have maybe laughed off at at some point but uh yeah that's about it if anybody wants to get a hold of me i'm jazz shaw on twitter uh you i'll send you a link to our videos they're they're really not very good um but yeah that's it and nothing since then kind of disappointing i i keep watching keep hoping so thanks for letting everybody share their stories. Thanks for sharing mine. And maybe be archived somewhere. And uh, everybody keep enjoying the show. Hey, Ryan. Thanks for having me. Uh, my name is Maxwell Stoner. And today I'm going to be telling you guys about me and Chris's UFO experience. Um, some of you guys might know us from the monthly booth that we set up at our local art walk where we just kind of educate and inform the public about the post-2017 UFO, UAP revolution or whatever. And um, not a lot of you guys might know how we got into this and why we do this. And I'm going to be sharing me and Chris's human-initiated contact experience. Um me and Chris had gotten slowly interested in UFOs um, in 2020, like a lot of other people. Uh, we started watching interviews. We started watching documentaries. Um, we lived together with roommates, sort of watching all these documentaries. And one day we ended up watching kind of an infamous documentary. And some of you guys might know um, where I'm going with this, but we watched a documentary that puts forth an idea that humans can initiate contact with non-human intelligences, whatever, aliens and UFOs. So me and Chris watch this documentary and we both think that it's kind of so far out there and so unbelievable. Um, like so many UFO documentaries are, it 
seemed like they made up a ton of stuff. And anyways, we, within the week, I think we had decided that we would go on our back balcony. We're going to set a 10 minute timer and we were going to meditate for aliens for peaceful contact, close encounters of the fifth kind, whatever. Um, We set a 10 minute timer, meditate, timer goes off within two seconds of us turning off the timer and looking in the sky Chris says what is that and we look and it's it looks like a big shining star is kind of floating around in the sky and we both didn't know what we were looking at we are trying to figure out you know what it was and it honestly it looked somewhat like um, a Chinese lantern would and it's what I think some of you guys might be thinking but um, we watched this thing for a second and that's when it was kind of moving behind the clouds and whenever it went behind the clouds we could tell that it was something really strange not something we were used to seeing and we had started sky watching a lot and um when we saw this thing go behind the clouds it lost all of its kind of shining rays so it looked like a perfect hot white hot sphere that was behind the clouds shining very very brightly and and then it stops we're just seeing this white hot kind of orangey orb and it starts to shrink shrink and it just shrinks out of existence right as we're watching it and honestly that night we didn't think much of it it was it wasn't super impactful this the second that it happened um it wasn't till you know weeks later that we would really um you know kind of digest what we were seeing and how we came to see that how we we really set a time and a timer timer goes off and we look up and there it is and that's really what happened um even to this day it continues to kind of set in on you know what this means if if we really made contact uh with a non-human intelligence then you know that's that's pretty awesome it's pretty cool but we didn't know we don't know we don't know what it was to this day we don't know you know some people say that we just manifested it or whatever and i can't argue with that necessarily because you know we went out to go see a ufo and we just saw one and it definitely has impacted us um in a handful of ways, obviously, we do this booth now where we just kind of um, tell the public about the most recent UAP, UFO happenings in the government. And we stay, I mean, we say conspiracy th- free on our booth. Um, but honestly, our, our contact experience was very strange and... It has impacted us, and I think I can speak for both of us 
when I say it's impacted us spiritually as well. And it's been, I think a lot of, I think a lot of people could have interpreted this as, you know, a real religious experience or, you know, I think in the past people would have said, you know, it was an angel in the sky. Um, but we don't know. And we still don't know. But um, thanks for listening. And that's pretty much it. My name is Sally, and I am 60 years old. I have worked in administration at a global manufacturing company for 31 years. I come from a middle-class family where my father was an Air Force veteran, fireman, and government official his whole life. When I was a teenager, I hung out with my friends quite a bit to listen to music and do what teenagers do, what most 16-year-olds did in the late 70s. One night I got off of work at dusk from the local KFC and my friend Cindy met me there. We were to be at our friend Tom's house in about a half an hour. Neither one of us had a car, so we had to walk the mile or so. When we were about two blocks from Tom's house, we saw a large red orb with two smaller red orbs behind it. They were moving fast right above us and they were descending at a sharp angle. Just then they disappeared, but the city tornado alarms went off. There was no weather threat, so we could not imagine what had happened. While we were rounding the corner to Tom's house, we saw like two people coming towards us at the other end of the block, and they looked like they were wearing beekeeper or chemical suits of some kind. So we ran to Tom's and pounded on the door, screaming to let us in. Cindy and I were too scared to look out the door or window to see what happened to the strange beekeeper people. To this day, when we talk, we still wonder what the heck that was all about. I do need to add that we had not imbibed any substances that day. We were pretty sober. One time, my friend Lori was sitting in a car with our friend Greg on an afternoon eating takeout. They were parked facing the river, which was perpendicular to the car. All at once, a cylindrical shape, like, like the Tic Tac or a recent type of thing that's out now. It shot past them just above the river. The craft had no wings or means of propulsion, made no sound, and had no markings. Just when they recovered their composure about it, it shot back in the other direction. There were too many trees and bushes around the banks of the river, so they could not see past their viewpoint. To this day, she still ponders that rare event. I wish I could have seen it too. Lori is a very sane, sober, and bookish person. She's not prone to fantasy, and she's been my best friend for 45 years, so I believe her. A couple years later, we had a UFO sighting on the 4th of July. It was about 1993. I took my daughter with me, who was four at the time, and Lori to the local park to watch the fireworks. It was still fairly light out, so we spread out a blanket on the grass to mark our spot. I was laying down looking up at the sky when I spotted a craft that was stationary. It was round and silver looking, kind of like a ball bearing, just hanging there and not moving. Lori saw it too, but she wasn't mystified like I was. I estimated there were about 20 minutes had elapsed and it was still there. It got dark out 
so it might have still been there or it could have disappeared. But I was just pondering that perhaps the occupants of the orb were just there to see the fireworks. And I saw that same orb or a similar one in Mesa, Arizona, just a few years ago. I did snap a picture of it from a distance. So that's just a couple of my stories. Thank you. Hi, Ryan, and hi, listeners. So my name is Persephone, Persephone May Holloway on Instagram, if you want to come find me. And I'm an alternative and indie musician who has been an experiencer her whole life. But to be honest, I avoided even talking about this stuff and maybe even believing in it for a very long time. I had what you'd probably call an aversion to it, whether that was planned or by accident, who knows. But it wasn't until this year when I started having some really strange dreams and then talking to some people about it that I decided I should probably go to hypnotherapy. And this is the story that I uncovered from that. It was an unseasonably hot day in September 1997 in Bucks County, Pennsylvania. I lived in a quiet suburban neighborhood known for its rich history with the Revolutionary and Civil War. My neighborhood was not unacquainted with high strangeness, but I didn't know that. I just assumed I was the only one, as most kids do. That day was different. Normally, my bus driver would drive past the one-way wooded median to the back cul-de-sac where I lived, drop me off, and then drive back out the neighborhood on the other side of the median. For whatever reason today, he dropped me off at the stony sign at the front entrance. I looked at him and probably in that annoying, precocious child way said, This isn't my stop. He said, Well, it is today. It was a bright blue sky with puffy white cumulus clouds everywhere. It should have only been a ten minute walk home. When I crossed over to the median in the wooded area, it was really overgrown back then. And the houses were all set a little bit back from the street, probably to give more privacy. This time was different. It was completely still. There was nothing, no birds, no sounds of the trees. The only thing I could hear was the sound of my shoes on the asphalt and the crunch of the fall leaves under my feet. There should be something, I thought to myself. We were in a neighborhood full of young families and other children, and it was right after school. There should be other kids playing. Almost as soon as the thought crossed my mind, I heard children playing Ring Around the Rosie. But the sound didn't come from any particular direction. It was almost as if I just heard it inside my head and nowhere else. I don't know why, but the only thought that crossed my mind was, those aren't children. Those aren't human. I began to bolt to run as fast as I could. The way that I used to remember the story... I was suddenly at my front door, running up to it, pounding for my mother to let me in. When she didn't answer, I collapsed down, and the door opened by itself, and she came out. She looked at me, not distressed despite the disheveled appearance that I had, and she said, Where have you been? You're 45 minutes late. I told everyone that story for years, and I never knew what happened during those 45 minutes or how I had suddenly appeared from one place in my neighborhood to another. And it wasn't until this year when I went to hypnotherapy with a friend and started to uncover what I couldn't remember that I remembered the missing details in between. As soon as I had the thought, they're not human, and I began to run for it, 
I had the sensation that something was above me, bearing down on me. I felt paralyzed, frozen, like I couldn't move. And next thing I felt like I was up in the air, like the moment you go over a roller coaster, but the inertia never hit. Just one moment I was on the ground, and the next I thought, I'm in the air. And then I blacked out. When I woke, I was lying on some kind of padded table, the bright light in my face, not unlike what happens when you go to a doctor's office. There were small, what I thought at first were children, around me, moving, like medical assistants doing various tasks. But they weren't children. They were gray-skinned, bald-headed, huge black almond-shaped eyes, almost no nose and a thin mouth. I turned my head to the left and saw a man in his maybe 40s, graying hair, and he was naked. I was only nine and embarrassed to see it, so I turned away immediately so I wouldn't look at him anymore. A very tall being approached. Seven, eight feet tall, maybe. It definitely wasn't human. For years, my mind put the image in my head of someone wearing a boxy astronaut suit and a mirrored helmet because I don't think I could handle what I'd seen. And again, it wasn't until hypnotherapy that it made it clear for me. This being had a head like that of an insect of some kind. Huge eyes, not unlike what some people would call praying mantis, but the coloration was wrong, darker, not like the bright green I was used to seeing in my North American upbringing. When it spoke, it didn't use a mouth or anything like that. I just heard the voice in my head. It just said, be still. It held a metal instrument of some kind up to my nose, and I felt a sharp pain far up. I wanted to cry, but I wasn't given much of a chance to. Another of the small beings reached up behind my neck and touched a mole there. It's still there to this day. I don't know what they were checking or looking for. It nodded to the larger being. It nodded back and then said, We're done here. Take her. They shuffled me off the table into another side of this room. This room was huge, busy. I got the impression that everyone had a function or a purpose. Something was happening everywhere, but there were partitions and I couldn't see. I could sense that there were other people other than myself. I could sense that people were upset, distressed, but mostly just out of it, like they were half asleep. There were multiple floors above this room almost like standing in the mezzanine of an office building. It's because of that I started calling this room the mezzanine, although I don't really know why. They led me to dress back into part of my school uniform, although they didn't give me back my shoes, backpack, or blazer, though those things would be on me when I ended up back at my house later. They took me to the mouth of a hallway where a man waited for me, or at least he looked like a man, but I knew he wasn't human. From the minute I saw him, I knew he knew everything about me as if he'd looked inside me and read every moment of my soul, my dreams, my fears, everything. He knew it all. He was about six foot two, dark, short cropped hair, bright blue eyes, so blue. At the time, I compared it to my mother's favorite actor, Richard Harris, but even then they glowed with a kind of luminosity that I can't explain. He seemed annoyed at me, and he grabbed my arm with slender, pale hands, began to pull me along. He wore some kind of molded black jumpsuit with no seams, zippers, or buttons that I could see anyway. And something like maybe a cape or a robe, I can't quite remember, but I just got the impression that he was important. He seemed annoyed and I thought he was annoyed at me, but in hindsight and through, again, hypnotherapy, we think perhaps he was annoyed at the mantid being behind us that I started calling the mentor. Why, I don't know. It was just the name I gave it. 
He took me to an area where there was a sunken room, much like in American-style ranch houses. You have sunken living rooms that are a few steps down. It was padded, and there was a huge bay window in there, but it was shuttered closed, so I never saw outside of it. In the center of the room sat five beings with an opening right at the front, as if you're meant to join the circle. They sat lotus-style, and while they were built similarly to the other gray beings, these ones had no face. They were following the track of some sort of object. It was like a thousand tiny metal pieces. I keep thinking of it as kinetic metal because it would shift and change in the air, but it was all painted blue. They followed it as one, all turning to watch it. They frightened me for some reason, but with one look and an order to be silent, look, and pay attention, the fear left me. The being tried to explain to me the purpose of this game. But it was almost like he put an entire zip file inside my head. I couldn't comprehend it. He seemed frustrated at this, now actually at me. There was a grayer being beside him. She stepped up. I got the impression she was a she. Matronly, kind. She touched his arm and said, Axilia. I still don't know what it means, whether it's a title or another part of his name or something. He paused, let her come forward. She explained it to me, but I don't remember her ever using words. But however she explained it, I suddenly understood. I sat down with the others. The purpose of this game was to keep the ball, as it was a ball, in the shape of a sphere, and pass it from one to the other with a slight telepathic, what I call, knock. You would have to wait for the other person to take it. If you let go of the control too soon, it would shatter into a thousand pieces. I finally started to get the hang of it. And I got the sense, rather than the words, that being behind me was very pleased. So I turned to look at him, and I saw that he was smiling, mouth closed, of course, but smiling. Something about this handsome man proud of me and watching the game made my pre-adolescent heart skip a beat. The moment that that happened, as if he sensed it immediately, his attention snapped from the game to me. I got the briefest flash of something like I wasn't supposed to know. Something like, people don't look at me like that, or humans. And also, that isn't my function. Although, I swear it was like he was telling someone else that, and not me. Then it was like that all went away, shuttered closed, much like the window. I couldn't read his thoughts at all. Silence, and I thought he was mad. Or that I'd done something wrong. Then very slowly, calculatingly, he asked... Do you find me attractive? I said yes. I dropped the ball behind me, unable to control it anymore, and it shattered again into a thousand pieces. Someday, I will be much more to you. But for now, I'm just your friend, he said. Something about this filled me with relief. I was only nine, after all, and he was an adult, so it was scary. There is bits and pieces of missing time here that I'm unsure I'll recover. And we ended up on some kind of flight deck. There was a chair, a leather chair in the middle, black leather, with crystal half-moon arms around them, or perhaps glass, but something told me it was more than glass. Golden embossed symbols that I couldn't read just slightly above them. He was trying to explain to me how they worked in the case that I could fly someday. And I was telling him that I have astigmatism, I'll never fly. And he laughed. He laughed. He thought that was so funny, and I didn't know why he laughed. He seemed like he was about to explain it to me, but the door opened, and the insectoid being came back in and said, What are you doing? 
We're wasting time. We have to put her back. He approached with a syringe full of yellow liquid, and I backed up, scared. And next thing I knew, the needle was in my neck, and everything went black. When I woke back up, I was running towards my front door again, with no memory of everything that had just happened, and there was a reddish mist filling the sky, or a light. It's still strange that my mother never reacted to it. And the only reason I remembered the story was because for years I would take friends back to that old neighborhood and say, hey, you should hear some of the crazy stories that happened here. There are more details and a lot more to the story before this and after. And I have reason to believe that the being is still in touch with me in very lucid dreams. But that's a story for another time. Personally, I don't feel that I had a really negative experience here. Um, I don't consider myself an abductee. Um, I don't like that word because it makes me feel like I'm supposed to be a victim. Um, I really see myself as more of an experiencer, and I'm someone who this has changed my life for the better. I just don't know how yet. Um, and it's something that I'm meant to talk about and share, and that's just how I feel. In the meantime, Thank you for listening, and just know, if you've ever experienced anything like this, you're not alone. There are others like you out there. Hi, Ryan. My name is Suzanne, and I live part-time in Santa Fe, New Mexico, and part-time in Memphis, Tennessee, and I appreciate you letting me tell my story today. I was about six or seven years old, which would have been in 1966 or 67, and my grandmothers lived in a tiny town in Arkansas, not too far from Little Rock. They lived a two-block zigzag from each other, and I was so excited because they finally decided that I was mature enough and responsible enough to walk alone between their houses instead of them taking me back and forth. And for me, a really responsible kid, this was really a big deal. I was uh, proud of the new freedom and I intended to be very responsible with it. So one sunny morning in the summer at about 10 a.m., I left one grandmother's house for the other grandmother's house. And just as I was about to make my first turn off of the busiest street on the track, there was a deafening and chest rattling roar and an enormous object, literally city blocks long, so wide that you could not see where it ended on either side of the street. It flew directly overhead, very close to the ground, and it scared me terribly. I watched horrified, thinking that this was an airplane that was crashing, because at this young age, I'd never seen underneath the plane, so the fact that it was covered in multicolored lights meant literally nothing to me, and neither did I have any reference at all for a UFO or an alien craft. But I was just frozen in fear on this street corner, and I crouched to the ground quickly, covering my ears, but watching it pass very, very slowly. And then I stood up, still covering my ears, and I was bracing, basically, for a huge explosion that I knew was going to happen when this plane crashed. But nothing happened. Literally nothing. Nothing. 
No cars stopped, no pedestrians paused, no one seemed to notice anything, not even this terrified little girl standing on the street corner in tears, and obviously there was no explosion. I was shaken from head to toe, finally pulled myself together, and raced back to the grandmother that I had just left, and I was trying to calm myself down before I got there because... I was scared to tell her that this scary thing had happened because the grandmothers might talk again and, and re-decide that I could not go between their houses and I'd lose this newly acquired privilege that I really liked. Uh, but the fear over what had just happened was greater than the fear of losing the privilege, so I told her. Um, she just listened intently. She was obviously concerned, but said she had heard and seen nothing, and it was just unimaginable to me that they had heard nothing uh, but she I made her promise that if she heard about a plane crash she would tell me so that I could resolve what I'd seen um, and heard and felt she promised that she would and I raced out the door to the other grandmother's house before the first grandmother could tell me that I couldn't and I did the very same thing with the other grandmother who had to have heard what I had heard but she didn't and I just couldn't understand it. It was so big and so loud and so close. It literally rattled my body. And for decades, I you know, went to, back to the memory of it, trying to make sense of it and figure it out. In the 90s, um, I considered UFOs being an answer when I first read about them, but I continually discounted that explanation because the UFO experiencers all described their incidences as so silent while mine was deafening and chest rattling. And then, of course, once the internet was out, I would often search for 1966 or 1967 Arkansas plane crashes, all to no avail. Had I just not properly understood what had happened? Was I just too little? I just didn't know. I just couldn't figure it out. But earlier this month, while on vacation overseas, I started a newly released book that um, was telling the stories of experiencers of alien abductions and alien encounters. And the first two stories in this newly released book were absolutely identical to mine, but in different locations. It literally took my breath away. I sat in stunned silence, realizing that I wasn't alone in this bizarre experience, that the facts of my experience were not merely childhood misconceptions or misunderstandings, that there was possibly an understandable explanation for what happened to me, and that I might actually be able to let this thing rest in my heart and mind after all these years, um, which oddly I, I have done. Um, and for this ability to finally lay down the inquiry, I am so overwhelmingly grateful, despite not really knowing what it was, right? I don't, I can't tell you that it was this or that. And yet, just knowing there's a plausible explanation out there that makes sense has brought tremendous relief and also encouraged me to finally tell my family about what had happened. And luckily, they were very supportive about it. So this story is not only for me, but it's also for people like you who tell the stories of others 
because I want you to know how important it is to do this. When you tell those other people's stories or allow them to tell their stories, you just might be giving a gift to another human who has spent decades wondering about what happened to her. So thank you, Ryan. I sure appreciate it. Hello, Ryan. My name is Tim. I'd like to tell you about my UFO event. Not sure how accurate the memory is. It's uh, from 1975-76. I'm 51, and it happened in central Wisconsin, just outside of Stevens Point. Um, I can show you on a map if you're interested. Um, uh, I was in a car with my father and we were leaving my uh, grandmother's house and we were just outside the city right before we used to call it Custard Hill and it's kind of this low um, plain area the hill isn't very big but as a child everything seems large and we were driving on Highway 10 which was a two-lane at the time. It's now a four-lane. It's not called that anymore. Um, and it, we came across this farm field because it's Wisconsin. There's a lot of cornfields, and we're. I'm pretty sure it was in in um, late summer, early fall. Um, and I remember, I'm pretty sure I was in kindergarten because, you know, mathematically wise, that's, it kind of works out. Um, so we're coming and passing between these fields and we noticed, um, God, all these little orbs, these orange, reddish orange orbs floating around. Um, you might think they were fireflies, but they're about, I don't know, from like maybe a muskmelon to a basketball size. Um, yeah, just zipping around. They were kind of spectacular. There was a lot of them. I, I don't have a notion of how many, but there was quite a few in the air, zipping around just above the car, you know, weaving in and out of these. Um, there was a row of trees uh, between the, the highway and this farm field. And then, so we slowed down because, you know, that's what you would do. <laughs> and we slowed down and there were, the memory is foggy here because I remember other cars that have pulled over. And I remember my dad pulled over and he's like looking out the window and I'm looking out the window and we're slowed down almost to a crawl. And there was this object above just slightly to the right of this farmhouse it was huge just a gigantic black um, trident shaped object hovering in the air and it was like it was big it was just massively large and you know it took up a giant chunk of the sky and it was I remember it having some lights but not as bright as the little lights um, maybe windows or, I, you know, honestly, I, I don't know. 
Um, I remember it having three very large prongs sticking off the back of it. And, uh, you know, they were all attached to this central area. And it was just hovering there, silent. Um, and I remember having the windows down. Um, and there was there was nothing. You know, it was just complete silence. And I was kind of like, you know, enthralled at the time. And... And I remember my dad, I think he got spooked because we just took off. And I remember, like, right before we left, all those little orbs, they all compressed into one right behind this object. They all flew into this one orb. They made this red orb, This, and it was bigger than, than just, you know, the then the little ones and then that orb went into the three prongs sticking out of the back of this um ship thing um and it it just bolted it took off and then and then my dad like you know floored it and we were in the first iteration of a chevy chevette um and you know that I remember my dad rabbiting pretty quick, and I think he was pretty um, shaken. My dad always smoked, so he was like smoking like a chimney. Um, and here's why I'm pretty sure this is not just like my imagination. I remember going into my, and I think it was on a Sunday. This this happened on a Sunday because that Monday morning, and I'm pretty sure memory-wise, I think it was you know it would be a monday we used to do these things in kindergarten called um show and tell so i um i wanted to tell my my story about you know what we saw with my dad and i remember standing in front of the class and telling them pretty close to what i just told you and the teacher asked me what the shape of the the UFO was and I said it was shaped like a chicken's foot and everybody laughed and I was mortified you know it was the first time I experienced embarrassment in front of a, a group of people and the teacher laughed at me and she said and this is burned into my memory are you sure it wasn't saucer shaped and I'm like I was like I went back to it. this thing was shaped like a chicken's foot I didn't know what a trident was at the time I was in kindergarten trying to figure out what the color blue was so yeah there that's my story um and yeah i was pretty embarrassed um i had much regret after telling that story at the time um but now you know i kind of i just don't give a shit about much anymore so (laughs) i i feel compelled to tell it so i've been telling more people and trying to um we talk about it more and um that's pretty much it um i had some um strange things memories from my childhood i used to have night terrors and and some other stuff that happened um yeah I, honestly it's like when you look at your childhood um maybe it was just imagination i don't know anyway ryan that's um that's my story, and I'm going to stick with it. Thanks, uh, thanks for listening.
The Somewhere in the Skies podcast is free to listen to every week, but if you would like to help support the show, we have a very active Patreon page where you give what you think the show is worth. In return, you'll get early access to the main show, bonus episodes, and priority to ask our guests your listener questions. Your support truly makes the show continue and grow. So, to learn more and to join, visit patreon.com slash somewhere skies. Hey Ryan, my name is Mike and I wanted to tell you about something I experienced. At the time of this experience, it was about 1996 or 97. I lived in a small town about 30 minutes west of Columbus, Ohio. And if you traveled from my town an extra hour, hour and a half, you would of course eventually uh, run into Wright Pat Air Force Base. At this time, I worked a second shift job in Columbus, Ohio, getting off about 1130 at night. And everybody at my job and myself, we noticed uh, at, in the westward really direction towards Wright Pat, we would see three lights in the sky. They were bigger than the stars, brighter than any of the stars, and they didn't flash or have any airplane lights or anything like that. And all three lights would move in the same pattern in the sky. And this happened every night for about two weeks. Um, we all wondered what they were, but being about myself and the group of friends I had at my job, we were in our early 20s, our minds were elsewhere, let's just say. Um, but one night, it was really nice out, it was clear, it was warm, no clouds in the sky, no wind. And the moon was so bright, um, it would actually cast a shadow of you on the ground when you were outside. I'm guessing it was a full moon, but I never really paid that much attention to that other than it was very bright. So this night, I decided instead of going down Interstate 70, the most direct way home, I would take the back roads. So I got in the car and rolled the windows down, turned the radio up, and decided to take the back roads home. Um, it was a more of an entertaining drive for me. And I paid close attention to the lights at this point, uh, especially driving slow and having to pay more attention to where I was going on these back roads. So I got a brilliant idea that I was going to attract the lights. Now I'll tell you a little bit about the lights. So. If you're looking out of your windshield, there were three lights. Um, what I called light number one was on the left side uh, of your windshield, um, and it would uh, travel up what I what looked like to me to be straight up in the air, and it would get to a certain point, it would rotate to its right, and then travel down a parallel path, get close to the horizon, and would rotate. Um, to its to the opposite direction and it would travel up so basically it was going slowly up and down in a paperclip like fashion light number three was on the very right side of the the uh, your field of view out of your windshield and it did the same thing you know up and rotate come down rotate and go up i don't remember the lights doing this in unison so one light may have been going up and the other light may have been going down. I don't remember that much detail. 
But light number two was the weird one. Um, it started on the left near where light number one stopped and turned back up. It, it would started there. It would go straight across the horizon right, right to the point where light number three did its turn to come back up. Light number two would travel left to right, and it would turn down slightly towards the horizon more and disappear. And then a second or maybe a second and a half later would appear on the left side and it would rotate up and travel back and back to the right. So basically it was doing the same type of uh, travel, I guess you can say, as the other lights. But the exception, it was at the bottom towards the horizon and it was going left to right and then right to left. And with the exception that once it traveled left to right and it started to travel back right to left, it would disappear entirely and reappear a second or two later on the left side. So you had light one going up and down, light three going up and down on the opposite side of your field of view. And light number two would travel left and start to travel right, disappear on the left side again, and then travel right start to turn left, disappear, appear on the left side, and travel right. So all three of these lights were, tr were making this these patterns. So I thought, being in my early 20s and knowing everything about the world, of course, that I would flash my bright lights and try to attract these lights to me. So every time I would turn in their general direction or, or west, I would travel as far as I could westwardly and just flash my bright lights back off and on, off and on, off and on. Um, it was then about 20 minutes into my drive home that I noticed light number three on the right side started to get bigger. Um, I took that as saying or thinking that it was coming towards me. So... I noticed as the light got bigger, it started to get, turn into a shape of sorts. So I found on my way home, driving through the country, uh, I found a area where it was a lot of openness, not a lot of trees, um, and the fields have had been taken. So I, that's why I'm saying it was probably late August, early September, because there were no crops in any of the fields. So everything was just wide open, trees here and there, and a couple of telephone poles here and there. That was mostly it. Um, so I found this road that I pulled off on, and there was a big open field in front of me. And it had one of those roads that the farmers build from the main road into their field so they can get their tractors on. Um, I pulled out, or I pulled into this road and pointed my car directly west towards these lights. Um, my brain just automatically assumed it was aliens, right? I mean, that's <laughs> that's what you do. That's what your, where your brain goes automatically back in the 90s. Because uh, there was no internet. There was no smartphones. Um, the only people that had phones at that time were uh, people and managers and uh, CEOs and that type of thing. And I wasn't one of those being so young, so I didn't even have a regular cell phone at the time. So I pulled in uh, the, the the road, pointed my car to the west. And I'm thinking it was going to be aliens. I, I remember about the encounters about how 
cars and lights and radios do all kinds of crazy things sometimes turn off entirely when there's an alien ship by so i purposely left my car running the radio on and the, the lights on and i got out of my put into this road got out of my car and i saw i noticed that my shat my shadow um because the moon was behind me so i noticed the shadow um that the moon was making of my myself kind of in front of me uh so it was still a bright um it was night but it was still bright out from the moon and no wind um no clouds at all just a really nice night and i watched light number three as it came towards me it got bigger and bigger and then it started to get to shape um, i'm not sure how many minutes it took but eventually this thing got so close to me that i could tell its shape um there was no noise at all from anything other than my my engine and my car running in the radio so there was no noise from this object um i wanted to describe it to you of course um if you take the stereotypical idea of a raindrop where it's rounded at the the bottom and it comes to a, it, it comes to a point at the tip you take that and lay it on its side um, that was the fuselage of this thing, I guess that's what you would call it. Um, however, it didn't taper to a point as abruptly as this raindrop. It was more of a uniform taper. So the front of it, which I'll call the nose, kind of reminded me of an airplane, um, but it was round and it tapered um, uniformly down to a tip. Um, and it, this thing also had wings on it that swept the back at probably about a 45 degree angle but they were very thick uh they they looked to be as thick as the fuselage almost as thick as the fuselage of this object um as it approached i noticed that it started to bank a little bit to its uh i guess it would be its, its left so the left side started to dip and the right side started to rise up that's when i saw the tip of its left wing and i noticed that at the front of this thing of the object and at the tip of each wing was a yellow light and it seemed to shine down about a th about towards the ground but about it only reached about a third of the way down from the object to the ground so it didn't actually reach the ground it reminded me of spotlights, but not very good ones because it never reached the ground. And they weren't moving, they were stationary. Along the front edge of the of its right wing, and I'm assuming it was the same on the left wing because I could only see the tip of the left wing, but on the, on the leaning edge of the wings were four or five lights that also shined yellow, but were a different shade. They were more bright and they looked they they looked like portholes to me as the best i could describe it um but they were illuminated from within they didn't shine out uh like your headlights would from a car like the other three lights on this object but they seemed to be illuminated in, from within like if you turned your interior lights on on your car um they looked they didn't look to be like they were on the 
edge of the wing, but more like they were embedded into the edge of the wing, if that makes sense. So they reminded me of portholes. Um, this thing was probably 50 feet above me. It was very, very low. Um, it was so low, in fact, that due to the moon shining on it, I could see the the outside of this object had texture. Um, so it had texture like if you ever seen a soundproof room, they have these vertical and horizontal or vertical and horizontal squares in the room that alternate. So you have a square that has these vertical ridges, and then next to you you have a square that has horizontal ridges, and next to that you have one that has vertical ridges uh, to help absorb the sound. That's the kind of pattern it had all over this object. And the, like I said, the moon was so bright that it shined on the object and it was a dark color. I don't think it was black. It looked more like a very, very dark blue. But this thing um, glided, for lack of a better word, over the top of my car and it started to bank to its left. And I watched it and turned my head as it flew over my car or glided over my car. And at that point, um, you know, I saw the the three lights, the tip of at the tip of it, and the tip of its wings, and then the lights along the wings and the texture and the color. I thought, well, what are the other two lights doing? So I turned around to look at the other two lights, and they were doing their same pattern. I turned back around, which was probably two, maybe three seconds, and the object that had flown over my car had disappeared. It was nowhere in sight. Um, I scanned, did a 360 of everything, everywhere in the sky, trying to find it. And the only thing I saw was the glow of the city of Columbus faintly in the distance, the bright moon behind me, and there was one puffy cotton-like cloud in the sky just kind of drifting. And that was it. So this object flew towards me, flew down over me, banked to its left. I got to see a lot of detail, flew over my car. And then this, this just appeared like out of nowhere. I didn't know what to think. Um, wasn't scared or nervous. I was kind of dumbfounded just trying to figure out what this thing was. I know I got in the car. I started to drive back because I remember looking for this third light and it never reappeared on my drive home. Uh, but I don't remember much after that. Um, I'm thinking this happened on a Friday because I know I didn't go to work for a couple days. Um, I wasn't into the news or anything like that, so I didn't hear anything on the news. I didn't read the newspaper. And like I said, there was no internet or smart or cell phones or anything like that. So I went back to work a couple days later and the objects are in the sky doing the same thing again. Um, three lights doing their three patterns. So I got back into my car that Monday evening or whatever the next day was that evening. And I wanted to try to recreate what happened. So I drove the back road. It was another nice, warm, clear night. And I flashed my lights all the way home like I did and nothing ever happened. Um, the light stayed there for about three or four, well, maybe two or three more days. And then they just disappeared and I never saw them again. So I thought it was kind of interesting and weird. I 
didn't know about stealth blimps at the time, maybe that's what this could have been. But it was odd because I don't know of any blimps that have wings. I thought that was kind of strange. And again, I didn't hear any engine or anything like that. So I really have no idea what it was. So that's my story. Thanks for listening, and I hope you enjoyed it. Hi, Ryan. My name's Jack. I'm a big fan of Somewhere in the Skies, and I've been into UFOs, UAP, since I was a kid. Um, I live in Yorkshire. I'm a child of the space age, and I grew up watching Jerry Anderson's 1960s TV shows. Um, like Fireball XR5, Thunderbirds, and of course UFO, which I still watch reruns of. As a kid, I'd bought a few books on UFOs, um, but they're always a disappointment. Never any good photos, which was always the first bit I looked for. But I'd had an interest and read UFO magazines, uh, the one published by Graham and Matt Birdsell, and uh, which always had interesting stories like the Todmorden PC. Godfrey Encounter, which I think you mentioned not so long ago. My story is in two parts and is from the summer of 1984, so it's coming up to the anniversary. I was visiting my parents who lived in Ripon in North Yorkshire, which is a, called a city because it's, it's um, got a cathedral, but it's actually a small town. Um, and they ran a, a post office and general store. They were both sensible folk, uh, went to church and were a key part of the community uh, as the, the post office was the centre of a lot of community life and uh, people going on a regular basis just to have a natter. I used to go over once a month, I lived in Leeds as I say, and um, sometimes helped in the shop uh, and I'd arrive on a Friday night and uh, get ready for tea, which is dinner to non-Yorkshire people anyway on this particular occasion. I walked up the stairs and uh, my mum said hello and turned to my dad and said well are you going to tell him so intrigued I said what is it what's happened obviously fearing the worst because it sounded important anyway my dad who was very calm and down to earth um, got up and picked up a pair of binoculars that they had for bird watching and went over to the large lounge window they lived above the shop, so it was an elevated position with good views over the trees and into the city. Um, and he uh, he looked out into the still bright summer sky. As I say, it was around about 7.30, so still very light at that time. He said, uh, here, have a look through these and look over there. And he pointed to a point in the sky. Anyway, I looked through them and suddenly this object came into view. Um, and I had to hold the binoculars steady to focus um, because obviously it was some distance away um, and my dad said quietly it's been up there these last three nights he said it just hangs there doesn't move and it's there for hours can you see it so um, I looked through and anyway, I saw this large gold coloured globe just hanging in the sky um, the best way I could describe it is it was like it was like one of those geodesic domes so it seemed it was like honeycombed made up of hexagons or octagons um, perfectly circular perfectly round um, 
so I'm, I'm looking around it to see if I could see any any wire or cord or rope or whatever, anything that was suspending it. Um, or, you know, if, if it was a balloon, did it have a basket underneath people in it? Anyway, there was nothing. <clears throat> so my dad said it, it, it appeared one evening and then just kept reappearing and, and literally just hovering, well, hanging in the sky because it, it didn't seem it was moving, it was very static. So we watched it for about 20 minutes, um, completely unmoving. Um, and it seemed to have a glow to it. I mean, the you know, the, the sun was going down, but at sort of 7, 38 o'clock, it still had about two, three hours of life in it um, at this point in the summer. So um, it was, it, it, it looked like it had a light inside it. Not a spotlight, but just like a glow. And as I'm watching it, um, after about 30 minutes, it just vanished. Um, and I thought I'd just lost the point in the sky where it was at, but it was nowhere to be found. It, like it just shot off and disappeared. And that was it. So next day I checked the papers and watched the TV news, but there were no reports. Um, and, 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 and thinking back as I watched it, look, it, it seemed to be about 30 to 40 feet across, but there were no markings or fittings or engine. So I had no idea what it was, but the facts that it had been stationary made me think, you know, maybe it was reconnaissance or, or something, God knows. Um, but looking at it, it felt exciting and thrilling. Um, and, and I was kind of elated looking at it. Um, especially as my dad, who's down to earth as they come, you know, just solid Yorkshireman, very no-nonsense. He, he saw the same thing and he, had, he didn't have a clue what it was. So, um, anyway, life life moved on. Um, and then I went, went over a couple of months later, sort of in August, and um, as I walked in, my mum's like, have you told him? Have you told, are you going to tell him then? And my dad's like, what? No, no, I said, he's just come in. So she said, well, tell him because I want to know. So I'm like, what is it now? So because they're at a general store, they took deliveries on a daily basis from the baker um, with the bread and pies, etc., and the milkman who bring the uh, milk, eggs and uh, yogurts and things like that. Um, the milkman was called, um, we'll call him Fred. I mean, he's, he's, he'll, be, he'll be dead and gone by now. Uh, he was a local guy, he was mid-70s, been around a long, long time. Drove a really old flatbed truck. Um, and he used to deliver to the post office about 5.15. So my dad would be up and ready. Anyway, on this particular day, he opened the door to find Fred in a proper state. He was shaking, barely able to stand. Pale. You know, this is a, a ruddy-faced Yorkshireman who spends most of his time outside but he said he was pale as white as a sheet somebody dad said what's happened Fred have you had an accident and Fred just groaned and my dad helped him inside to sit down and get himself together um, 
and and without that trouble persuading him to talk. Anyway, finally, my dad said, um, apparently it was it was dawn was just breaking, so it'll be fourish or something like that. Um, and he got the milk and he was going to, I think, to his his first drop off. So this was about going on for five. And as usual on hot summer's mornings, there's a lot of fog around. And the country's pretty flat, but lots of little back roads. Uh, known over here as C roads. A road is a motorway. B road, you know, normal dual carriageway. C road, it's virtually a dirt track and um, you'd ruin your car driving on it. Anyway, um, it was, it, it got his, it's got his milk in the back of the wagon. He's driving along down into a dip and in the distance you can see a car coming. So as common practices around in the countryside, you, you look for the widest part of the road, you slow down and, um, and flash your headlights and let the guy come past and then you drive on carefully um, making sure you don't hit it or scratch him obviously um, so this is what Fred did pulled into the, into the hedge left the room flashed his lights nothing so he's waiting and um, he said you know it's completely in fog he says you could barely see your hand in front of your eyes and uh, so he waited again he flashed his car flashed his lights waited Anyway, flashed them again for a third time. Anyway, next thing, these two lights just go straight up in the air and come towards him and go over the car. Now, it's like I say, it's thick fog, but it's absolutely silent. He said, I couldn't hear a thing. There was no birds going. There was nothing. And he said, I couldn't hear an engine. Or, or, or anything like that. So, um, he was absolutely petrified. But anyway, he finally got out of the van and looked up, but it had gone. Anyway, he noticed the roof of the wagon, um, where, which had had early morning frost, was all melted by whatever had passed over him. Um, and my dad said he couldn't believe what he'd seen. He said he was in an absolute proper state. Um, and he just said, I don't believe it. I don't, I don't believe what I saw. So um, after that, my dad didn't see him for a long time. Um, I checked the papers again, but there were no other reports. So following those those incidents I started reading up on the subject and a few, a few years later bought what I think is an outstanding book called Above Top Secret um, by one of the first renowned researchers in the field called Tim Good. Really, really excellent book. It's like the Bible of the history of UFOs. I'd advise anybody with an interest should get it. Anyway, within that it detailed that the, the area around Ripon had uh, quite a few UFO visits in the past, um, particularly to RAF bases, one at the top of cliff, which is just five miles away. I think they had something hovering over the flight line. And one at RAF, RAF Leeming, which I believe um, pilots 
saw a craft or something as they're coming into land. Um, so it's relatively, uh, I won't say a hot spot, but things have been known to happen around there before. Um, obviously, there's lots of other stories associated with Yorkshire, um, which I always took an interest in. But um, I bought a further book by Tim Good, um, I think called Alien Update as a paperback this time. And um, reading through it, and it was a story of a sighting in London, and somebody had done a drawing, and the drawing was identical to the thing that I saw, which was a honeycombed, large globe, um, self-illuminated, self that had just been hanging there. So um, maybe I wasn't the only person who saw it. Um, that's my story. Um, it doesn't seem very sensational, but... You kind of had to be there, um, and it's always changed the way that I think about things. Um, convinced the real. I don't think there's any doubt about it. And I think anybody who has got an interest, um, if you just see the the absolute torrent of clips that people film and post, and you know Twitter or Instagram, YouTube, I don't think there's any getting away from the facts that there's something out there particularly with the uh, the latest revelations from uh, in in in, uh, in America so I'm hoping that there'll finally be an admittance and confirmation that uh, it's real and then we can go about the business of uh, changing the way we think about things hopefully um, energy production will change um, and maybe we'll, you know we'll save the planet anyway here's hoping and uh, Keep your feet on the ground, keep looking at the stars. See you later. Ta-ra. Somewhere in the Skies is produced by Third Kind Productions in association with the Entertainment One Podcast Network. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High-quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.